Bruce Springsteen from 1984, Cover Me. Welcome to a late-starting Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. First episode since June 6th, so we had an 11-day hiatus. And unfortunately, the scheduled co-host for tonight, Brandon Drexel-Gerson, is missing. He's missing in action. That's not why we're starting late. I was hoping as a pleasant side effect of starting late, that Brandon would show up somehow, but he did not. So <laughs> we're going to have to do without him. Uh, the reason we're starting late is it's kind of embarrassing. This show runs from an old computer. It's a computer that is from the year 2009 that I've been using almost every day since 2009. So it's been a heavily used computer for six years. And I, I should get a new one, but I've been resisting. Part of it's because I hate Windows 8, and it says Windows 7 on it. And uh, I think Windows 10 will be a good upgrade to Windows 8, but I've been kind of waiting, even though I know you can get a Windows 8 computer and then upgrade when Windows 10 comes out. But it's been part of the reason I've been resisting. Also, I like a lot of things about this computer, but it's just getting old. It has degraded. And uh, for whatever reason, this week... When I would load up everything for the radio, it was just freezing up. I thought it was a memory leak. It turns out it's just the computer's having a hard time doing what it used to be able to do. So I don't know how much longer we can uh, continue this way. I may have to bite the bullet and open up the Jewish wallet and get a new computer. Anyway, uh, since it's so late, we're actually almost at the late registration period of our free roll. We have a $100 free roll this week, so don't miss it. You have seven minutes still to get in there. It started at 7.40, but you can late register all the way up to 8.05 Pacific Time. $50 for first, $25 for second, $13 for third, uh, $7 for fourth, and $5 for fifth. This is on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Won't bother to give the whole speech about what makes you eligible. You can go read the thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum if you'd like to read about that. No point to go through that whole speech since you only have seven minutes to get in there, and probably since I haven't announced it, because the show just started, if you are in the free roll, you probably are eligible, if you even know about it. I'm not saying you are if you know about it. I'm saying that if you're there, you're probably not new to the whole thing here. But in case you are new to the site, make sure to read the terms about being eligible for the free roll, or otherwise, you will not be able to win the money. So, everybody else, you can... Feel free to enter if you haven't yet. It starts. It's already started, actually, 19 minutes ago. But uh, you can sit down late registering with a full stack for the next six minutes. Apologies for that. I almost stopped the whole thing and restarted, but I, I figured, yeah, you know, most of you who were going to play it are probably there anyway. So I apologize for starting late. I was going crazy trying to get this computer to work. I rebooted. Uh, I tried having some things closed in the background that normally run. Nothing's helping, but it seems good enough to be able to run the show just with some lagging on my part. So, <laughs> Four Dragons saying add RAM. I, I'm not adding anything to this computer. It's six years old. I mean, that's a, this is kind of like, uh, what's the way I could put it? It's kind of like uh, somebody who is on their deathbed going and getting new tattoos. You just you don't spend that type of money or go through the trouble if uh, it's about to die anyway. And it really is about to die. 
All right, so I'll get this taken care of soon. The good news is if you're listening while you're on a lawnmower, as one of our audience members actually does every week, I'm back in the location that has the more expensive equipment. When I'm in places like the Rio, I have to broadcast using a cheap headset, whereas in my normal location, I have a more expensive setup where I can control the volume more, so hopefully I'm louder for those of you that need some volume here. And if I'm not, just let me know in the chat room. The chat room is available to flash-enabled devices, and you have to have a Poker Fraud Alert forum account to be able to access it. And of course, that's for all the live listeners. No point to go in there if you're listening in the archives. I won't read everything you say in there. In fact, I probably will miss most of what you say, but it's more to interact with the other members. If you want to get a hold of me, a few ways to do it. You can call into the show, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That's our main phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. That's an old 70s rotary telephone that I have sitting on top of Mount Charleston. It's a mountain near Las Vegas. It forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. And you can also text me during the show. I will read your text on the air unless you ask me not to at the beginning of your text. It's the same as the main show phone number, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. The only thing that number cannot do is it cannot receive picture or video text messages. So if you, you're trying to send me a picture or a video, don't bother doing it to that number. You'll have to email it to me at dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's my email, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Uh, you can look at this. I, I start the show late, and then we get uh, the amateur hour of a phone ringing in the background. That's it's embarrassing. It looks like it's a junk call, too. <laughs> it's from Arizona from a number I don't recognize. Hopefully they don't call back. Unfortunately, most of you don't know that phone number, so you can't even... You know, whenever I'm from the Rio, when I say I'm broadcasting from the Rio, or even when I don't say it and you guys can figure it out, I always get someone harassing me by calling the Rio and asking for my room. So I always have to take the Rio phone off the hook when I'm doing the show from there, which I will be doing next week, by the way. But tonight, I'm not at the Rio, so you will not be able to reach me unless you're one of the very, very, very chosen few that has that phone number that just rang. In fact, most of you don't even have my cell phone number. Got to be careful with these things. <laughs> so, uh, I wish I knew where Brandon was tonight. Uh, the feedback I've gotten from the shows I've done with Brandon recently has been very, very positive. Very positive. Everyone loves when Brandon is on the show with me. And for good reason. The show is better when Brandon is on with me. Even when we kind of go off on tangents and ramble for a while, everyone loves it. And we've had some very long shows recently with Brandon, six, seven, even eight hours. Uh, If Brandon had radio kryptonite, if there's one thing that Brandon does not thrive at, it's reliability. And that is, uh, now I don't expect anything of him. I'm not trying to bash him here. I'm just saying that sometimes Brandon will be all up for radio and show up prompt and ready. And sometimes he kind of just disappears for a while. And this dates back to the days of Never Win Poker Radio and Donk Down Radio. He just, uh, it was hard to count on Brandon to be there every week for whatever reason. So uh, he's someone, and so I'm not expecting him to be there every week. It's kind of like a bonus if he is. I, I this is, That's why it's called the Druff and Friends show rather than the Druff and Drexel show. 
is because my attitude with him is if you can make it, great, and it'll make the show better and everyone will enjoy it. And if you can't, then I accept that and I'll do it myself or I'll do it with other co-hosts. And he was off the show for a long time. And then recently he got uh, interested in doing radio regularly again. But he never made any promises that he'll be here every week. But he did say he planned to play uh, – not to play, to uh, to be on the show today. And he played yesterday and the day before. But today, as far as I knew, he was not playing. I just have not been able to reach him. Now, you know how it goes. He may call in at any time and join me, and the show may end up being eight hours again. It easily could be. So just because he's not here now doesn't mean that he won't be here at all. I just don't know where he is. It, uh Crow Tidley said in the chat, you go to war with the Brandon you have, not the Brandon you want to have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so I'm always happy to have him on the show, and it does make the show a lot better to have him here, and he's very, very good on radio, and everybody knows that. And yes, in a perfect world, Brandon would be here every week for radio, but the world's not perfect. So let's... Uh, but as I said, if he calls in or he shows up, then we will put him on for sure. Or I will put him on. There's no we this week. It's just me. Here's the agenda tonight. The WSOP is still going on. We're right in the middle of it. It's going to go on until mid-July. Started in late May. So here we are in the middle of June. So obviously it's right in the middle. I took a little break, a scheduled break from the World Series. I didn't do too well. In my first four events I played, my fifth event will be on Saturday. I'll be returning to the Rio for that, but I'm not there. I'm not even in Vegas at this moment. But the World Series is still going on, even without my presence there. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it when I'm away and not paying attention. Here are the events, or here's the news from the World Series we're going to talk about tonight. I had a prediction on some shows we did at the beginning of June of something that could happen to me at the 3K Limit event that I described as, quote, my nightmare, as the absolute worst situation to occur at the 3K Limit Hold'em event that I was going to be playing uh, shortly after that show was to take place. And I played the event, and that nightmare did occur exactly as described. Yep. So I had my nightmare happen. I predicted it. Self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess. I didn't say this would happen. I said, you know, I'm afraid this will happen. And then it happened. I'll explain what that was when we get to that segment, which will be very shortly. Brandon Drexel-Gerson was also struggling at the World Series, like everyone on Poker Fraud Alert who was not related to Suicide King seemed to be doing, but he finally cashed, talk a bit about how he finally broke through and the new strategy that he's using. Well, a Dutch company claims that you could buy marked WSOP cards from them, and people were suspecting that perhaps Valerie Ukoka, who was accused of cheating in the 10K Heads Up event at the World Series, who came in fifth, that he was using mark cards and perhaps got them from there. But Ty Stewart, the head of the World Series, disputes that. He says that the site does not sell any cards that could be 
usable at the World Series, and that Poker News, which covered the whole thing, ran a very irresponsible article. And apparently Ty Stewart showed up in person to give a very, very emotional and angry dressing down to a well-known Poker News employee. I'll talk a bit about that. Yep. There are complaints about the World Series of Poker playing cards, not the marked cards, but the regular playing cards that you're supposed to be using. The uh, Modiano, I don't know if it's how you pronounce it, but that's the way I read it. Modiano or Modiano, M-O-D-I-A-N-O, playing cards. A lot of complaints about them, including some very loud ones from Daniel Negreanu. I'll talk about what people think of them and what I think of them. This is the first year they're being used. The Global Poker Index, which is a partner with the World Series, and we've already talked about how they have a terrible formula for computing World Series of Poker Player of the Year. In fact, uh, Jess Wellman pointed out that of the top 10 on the Global Global Poker Index at the moment, as far as World Series of Poker Player of the Year, of the top 10, three of those people have not made a final table yet. We're only like 30-something events in, and three of the top ten have not made a final table. That's how terrible their system is. But that's not what we're going to talk about this week. This week, we're going to talk about them stiffing three players who won main event seats that they tried to back out of it and change the terms on them. And Phil Hellmuth, he won his 14th bracelet. I'll talk a bit about that. Vanessa Russo is a lesbian. She came out of the closet on Twitter. This site and this show seem to be the only poker media outlets that are covering it. It's very weird. For some reason, nobody is mentioning this. This is not being covered as news at all, which, you know, it's fine if she's a lesbian. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying she should be ashamed of it or should be hiding it. I just don't understand why that's not interesting or notable. Of course it's notable that uh, one of the better-known female poker players is a lesbian and has been in a relationship for two years and hiding it because she wasn't ready to come out. But anyway, for, for whatever reason, it's only Poker Fraud Alert that seems interested in covering this. And we're not outing her. She outed herself on Twitter. If you Google Vanessa Russo lesbian, the very first result is Poker Fraud Alert. And you won't find any other results of any other media outlet covering it, as far as I can see. Still to this day. But I was wondering what the timing was. You know, why after two years in the closet, why is she charging out now? I thought it was because the World Series was starting. But she played in the World Series in 2013, 2014, and somehow was fine with not mentioning this. Well, it was not because of the World Series. It turned out that's because Vanessa Russo is going to be on a major TV show known as Big Brother. Yep. Daniel Negreanu does not like Brian Mikan. He and I have that in common. We both had our issues with Brian Mikan. Separate issues, very separate issues, but both had our issues. I got to play with Daniel Negreanu. In fact, he sat directly to my left in the $3,000 Limit Hold'em event. 
So I got to talk to him about Brian Mikon, and he said that Brian Mikon's troubles with the law recently are, quote, karma. And I will tell you about some more things that Daniel Negreanu said about that. Speaking of TV shows and Daniel Negreanu, he's going to be on, not starring in, but he'll be appearing in a new scripted TV poker drama that's coming out. Every time they try to make a poker TV show, it's a failure. I'm not talking about people just playing poker on TV. I mean a fictional poker drama. They always fail and they always are terrible. The one that's best known is Tilt from 2005, which started off okay and just got dumber and dumber as it went along. And this was written by the guys who wrote Rounders. So I guess these guys were kind of one-hit wonders when it came to writing poker movies. They also were involved with the uh, movie Runner Runner, which is kind of loosely about the UB scandal, very loosely. And I was actually on the DVD talking about it. If you go buy the the Blu-ray, not the DVD, if you buy the Blu-ray for uh, Runner Runner or rent it, you will find me there talking about this UB scandal. But the movie was terrible. They wrote that too. Anyway, I don't think they're involved with this other one, but Danny Negreanu is going to be on this new TV poker drama. I'll tell you about that. A big thing in 2015 is broadcasting your poker play on Twitch. We even have a member of this site, Beer and Poker, who likes to do that. I, I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. I, I don't like the scrutiny. I, I don't want people seeing every hand I play. Not even so much about giving away my style. I just... If I do something stupid or make a mistake, I don't want everyone to see it. I don't want everyone to I, I don't want to play knowing that people are watching. I I want the shame in losing or doing something stupid to be my own and that's it. And playing on Bovada, which I do, with anonymous tables, it really is just my own. The one good thing about Bovada is you people can't see who you are. So if you don't play well, or you screw something up, or you try a move that you think might be embarrassing if it fails you know that no one will see that you did it. So I, I don't like broadcasting on Twitch. I feel like it's too much pressure. But uh, Big Dog Pocket Fives, known as Casey, or that's what he's known as. His name is Casey Jarzebek. He got banned from Twitch because he supposedly accidentally broadcasted porn on his Twitch account after he played. <laughs> yeah, that's some accident. You're, you're broadcasting poker, you're done. Oh, yeah, you accidentally broadcast porn, too. Hmm. Well, you guys probably remember David Pete, a.k.a. Viffer. He is engaged. This is a guy who lived a very fast life and was known to see hookers and get get uh, go to strip clubs all the time. This, this wasn't the settling down type. And while I did see him in the company of a lot of beautiful women, it was pretty clear that all these women I was seeing him with were ones who were paid in some way. And these were very fast-looking women, too. But uh, apparently there is a woman who's uh, going to be with him that is not being paid in any way, at least not directly. And uh, she's surprisingly pretty. And if you've seen Viffer, that's why I say it's surprising. So I'll talk a bit about that. About David Pete a.k.a. Viffer's engagement. And if anybody in the chat room knows if he still plays poker, he claimed two years ago he's retiring. I don't know if that's what he ended up doing. 
Las Vegas pioneer Kirk Kerkorian died at the age of 98. We should all be so fortunate to live that long, though obviously being so rich, he could definitely afford the very best medical care. But uh, he died at 98 a few days ago. I'm going to talk about some old Vegas stories and Kirk Kerkorian's impact on Vegas, which was huge. And while most people know Kirk Kerkorian as an MGM guy, which he was, he also had his hand in some other major properties in Vegas that you probably don't realize had to do with him. Poker stars, two stories about them, they broke up a massive PLO, Pot Limit Omaha, bot and collusion ring. When I say ring, I mean several of them playing at once. Poker Stars is known for having very good security, and they, they did a bang-up job on this one. They caught this bot and collusion ring only after players reporting it, and only after a small number of hands passed with them playing on there. Only 18 million hands. <laughs> But the greatest outrage of this whole thing is how much poker stars made in rake from these cheating accounts. And the players aren't going to get that back. I'll talk about that situation, which I think is being handled improperly. What I do think is being handled properly is poker stars is changing their policy on third-party software. There's been a lot of controversy recently about a program that is not technically a bot by PokerStars' definition, but behaves very much like a bot. It's pretty much a program that automates all of your play. You just actually have to physically click the buttons. It tells you what to do, and then you do it. It sounds like a bot to me. We've talked about it before on this show. PokerStars had actually approved that program for use, but after a lot of outrage, they are probably going to change their terms of service to make that and similar programs against their terms, meaning you can get your account closed and terminated and all that other good stuff. Your money seized, so... Hopefully they go through with that policy, which I've been advocating for quite some time. Those are the topics tonight. Maybe Brandon will come. Maybe he won't. Either way, we're going to soldier on with this show. If you're in the free roll, good luck. If you are not in the free roll, it's too late. You missed it by 14 minutes because it's 8.19 Pacific time right now as I'm broadcasting this show. Let's see if we got any text messages worth repeating on the air. <laughs> Someone from the 631 area code asked, what is the answer to the John wheelchair question? I want to register. <laughs> so you, you may be wondering, what, what the hell is the John wheelchair question? Well, the John wheelchair question is something I have in place to prevent bots and foreign spammers from getting through. You might notice that there is not that much of a spam problem on Poker Fraud Alert. And we used to be inundated by spammers, and I came up with an idea to stop them. Now, vBulletin, which is the forum software we use, has a built-in method. Actually, there's two methods you can use to stop bots from registering. Because, you know... Mainly foreign websites that are trying to sell things... uh, prescription drugs, uh, porn, whatever, 
they have bots that go on these forums and automatically post advertisements for their sites. So they're very annoying to deal with. So they use a thing called a capture. I'm sure you probably know what that is, where it's like a scrambled image on the screen where you've got to say what letters you see. And they also have a question and answer thing. So you can say something like, um, name the hand that is one rank better than a flush, and the answer would be full house. So you would think that would keep a bot from registering. The problem is, number one, you can't rotate the questions on vBulletin. There's always one question all the time. So once it's known, then the people running these bots can trade them with each other, and they can all spam reform. The other problem is the bots can actually Google these answers and try some. So it will actually enter that in Google and try every word that comes up or every phrase that comes up. So you have to come up with an answer that's not Googleable. And even if you do, then a human can just go to the terminal and figure out the answer and then just manually have the, you know, enter this into the bots and then spread it around. And you've got the same problems. I, I tried all these things. They were a failure. So I came up with my own thing. And that was to come up with a question that would be very tough to Google. In fact, impossible to Google the answer. But very easy, as I would think of easy, for a, uh, a human to get right. And has the added bonus that if you're a foreigner and don't speak English well, that you won't be able to get the answer to the question. Now, I did put something on there. If you can't get the answer, email me. And then when someone emails me asking for the answer, then I ask them where they heard of the forum or why do they want to register, and I never get a response. I always get like, hi, I not know answer to question. Can you help? And I say, okay. How did you hear of my forum? Why do you want to register? Can you please answer these? Never respond. Never responds to me. When I, I think I've gotten like one or two responses out of like 100 messages asking me. Anyway, the random question is this, what they call the random question. It's really the same question every time. John is in a wheelchair. He tried to roll himself up a hill, but it was too tough for him because the hill gained altitude too quickly. He was otherwise easily able to roll up flat streets or ones with a slight grade. He couldn't get up this one because it was very... Now, what do you think the answer is there? It was too tough for him to roll up a hill. Because uh, it gained altitude too quickly. But on flat hills, or ones with a slight grade, he can easily do it. So this hill he can't do because it's very... What do you think the answer is? This is not tough. This would be like number one on the SAT. Well, the answer, in case uh, you're not good at these word problems, is steep. Yeah, people in chat are saying steep, 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 steep. $5 got it wrong. He said hilly. Close, but uh, no, it's steep. And most people get this right. I actually came up with this idea thanks to Benjamin when he was like not even two years old. We were walking up a hill on a hike. He says, oh, daddy, this hill is steep. And I didn't even know that he knew that word. I was impressed at the time. He was like 21 months old. So I kind of thought of that, and I thought, well, you know, if Benjamin knew this at 21 months, I mean, he couldn't get the answer to this because he wouldn't understand about a uh, a slight grade. He wouldn't know what that would mean, or gained altitude. He wouldn't understand that either. But uh, this is actually a very good question in that 
a foreign person also does not understand those terms, a slight grade, gained altitude. It's, it's something that seems simple to someone who speaks English very well, but someone who is from Russia or China can't get it. So this has really kept the bots out. I don't mind saying it on the radio because I don't think bots are listening to the show. I don't think spammers are listening to this show. So yes, the answer is steep from the 631 area code. But thank you for wanting to register. I'm not trying to make fun of you. From the 586 area code, the Detroit area, Zod is God, referring to Brandon. From the 919, I'm very much looking forward to Wednesday for the next Poker Fraud Alert podcast. I listen in the archives. He actually spelled it R-K-I-V-E-S, trying to make sure I understand he's not saying it the same way as I do as archives, which is an inside joke, by the way. Oh. China Maniac claiming he can co-host Starting around 8.30 So Good, alright, he can come on Always glad to have China Maniac here Let's see how else we got From the 7.06 Thanks for trying with the audio This is the guy who rides on the lawnmower uh, Anyone tell you that Micon puts Seals with Clubs ads on Free Talk Live I think it's only in the archive version Not the live broadcast I don't even know what that is, Free Talk Live Oh, I think I do know what that is. Isn't that like, isn't that like some kind of uh, syndicated radio show that airs on a lot of really, really small stations around the country? I think that's what it is. Hmm. This is from the 702 area code. My wife likes your show now, so you do have a girl that listens to your show. All right, good. I'll take female listeners any way I can get them. They don't have to be single females. They don't have to be single, they don't have to be young, they don't have to be attractive. I don't care. I'm just happy to have some female listeners. This is from the 714 area code. Sorry about that text last Friday. It was telling my wife what I wanted for dinner. I don't, I don't even know what he's talking about, but uh, I guess he texted me something about what he wants for dinner. I probably just ignored it thinking this guy's crazy. Just finishing the Saturday show, it'll be a long wait till the 16th. That's even a longer wait because we delayed it one more day. So those are some of the texts we've received. 775-372-8355 if you want to text me during the show. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my World Series so far, which has been lousy, to say the least. It's been a struggle. Um, I've played four events so far. First event I played was Millionaire Maker, made it a few hours, went out. Second event I... Not Millionaire Maker. First event I played was the, the Colossus. And that's what happened. I went out in a few hours. Second event I played was the $1,500 Limit Hold'em. I was excited to play that event, but I did not have a very exciting event. I was losing every hand, and I was the first one at my table to bust. So I went out there within a few hours. Then I played the Millionaire Maker... And I got fairly deep in that one. I, you start with 7,500 in chips. I had a high of about 24K, never got past that, then kind of dwindled down and then uh, got in some tough spots and uh, then had to shove all in short with ace-three suited, ran into ace-queen, and that or ace-jack, and that was that. So got through about 75% of the field there, but obviously did not cash. Then I played the event I was really looking forward to, the 3K... 
Limit Hold'em Six Max event, which has not been on the schedule since 2012, and it was a 2500 back then. Boy, that was a weird event for me. At one point on the first day, I was down to 2,300 in chips when the average was probably around 16K. You started with uh, 15K there. So maybe the average is even more than 16. It was, it was probably uh, 17, 18K. I had 2,300. I mean, it was, it was almost a lost cause. And instead of busting, I had ace nine against uh, queen 10 all in. Flop ace high, turn, sorry, flop was nine high, so I'm ahead. Turn a queen, river the ace, so I'm saved. I got bad beat and then unbad beat. Ran it back up to about 14K, then all the way back down to 1600 near the very end of day one. It looked like I was dead. I said, okay, I got up off the floor once, I'm not going to get off again. Well, I did. I finished the day below average with like 22K, but at least I finished with a workable stack. This is from 1600 And then the next day, got a great second-day table with two big fish. at the. T- I don't know how we got two big fish that made it that far, but we got two big fish at the table, one of whom had a huge stack. They had opposite play styles. One was way, way, way too passive, and the other one was way, way, way too loose-aggressive, and not even in a smart way, in a dumb way. So I had Ronnie Barda on my direct left, but he wasn't trying to three-bet me or anything. You know, he was playing tight aggressive, which he usually does. And uh, me and Ronnie just spanked everyone there. And pretty soon I was up to 90K, and Ronnie was uh, even higher than me. He was over 100. It was looking very good. Then I kind of stayed around the same. When I had 90, I had uh, probably about... uh, Close to double of the average. I thought I was going to cash. I really thought I was going to cash. Now, there was still a lot to go as far as cashing because the the structure change they did this year, like half the people made day two. More than half, I think. Almost half. Yeah, it was, it was um, yeah, a little more than half made day two. I remember that now. But what I said... I think it was on the June 6th show. If it wasn't, it was on the June 5th show. When I was talking about this event, and I was talking with Brandon about the structure, I think it was on the June 5th show. We had shows like on almost back-to-back days. I said to Brandon, the one problem with the structure change that makes the limit events much slower, the one problem with this is that if you get off to a good start, if you have a big stack fairly early or even in the middle of the event, it means nothing. I mean, it means little, but... You can easily not cash. Whereas before, you had a much better chance to cash if you made it to day two with a good stack or early in day two built up a good stack. So I said to Brandon, even if I have a big stack at some point, kind of in the middle of the event, I'm not going to be all excited. I'm just going to be afraid that I will have wasted all my time and play like two full days and just barely miss the cash. I said, that's my worst situation. I either want to like go out quickly and run awful, or I want to cash. But I, I don't want it where I 
am doing well at some point, make it all the way to the end of the second day, play all these hours, and then have the heartbreak of not even cashing. Not that I'm shooting for a min-cash, but you play all those hours, you want to cash. Anyway, that's exactly what happened to me. First, I took a bad beat with Kings against the worst player at the table, the really passive guy, who ended up cashing, by the way. That guy just could not miss. (laughs) I mean, if you saw how bad he was, you'd be shocked that he could have cashed, but he did. Then, against the same guy, I missed a huge draw. A straight-end flush draw, which I actually played passively, knowing that uh, he'll play passively too, and that he won't fold, so there's no point for me to hammer a draw against him. But I completely missed it. Then right then, they bring a rack to me, and they said, okay, big blind, which is me, we're moving you. I go, no, no, don't move me. I, I want to get the I want to get these chips back from this guy and then the other fish at the table. And, and um, yeah, we had some others at the table that uh, weren't that good. There were two good players with me there. I had Matt Haralenko on my right, who I also had on my direct right on the first day, strangely enough. But he, he got moved to my table in the second day, kind of in the middle of the day. And Ronnie Bardo was on my left the whole time in the second day. So those guys are good. Those guys also both cashed. Both those guys have pretty good record in uh, Limit Hold'em, as you probably know. But uh, the others at the table were very beatable, especially those two. So I couldn't believe they were moving me. And they picked me up and moved me to another table where, just from the look of the people at the table, I had a feeling that there were no fish there, and I was right. Nobody at the table was a fish. The guy to my direct right, had I think he had won the 1500 Limit Hold'em event this year. To my le- direct left was Daniel Negranu. There were some other guys I didn't recognize, but just kind of had the uh, the look of guys that were probably pretty good. Kind of like younger dudes who looked like they probably played Limit Hold'em and did. So, not that it was a table tougher, but I, I was missing every hand, or I was uh, getting bad beat every hand, and I had a few wins where I came back and I had a very tough call I had to make with pocket kings on a terrible board that was right but I ended up busting with 50 people left and 36 people cashed so at least I wasn't the stone bubble boy but it's pretty bad when 36 are cashing and you play I played over 18 hours of poker not including the breaks over two days to just end up not cashing that was exactly what I didn't want. So it was it was very demoralizing. And I, I knew this was a possibility so much that I mentioned it on the June 5th show. But I, I walked back very frustrated. It wasn't my worst moment in poker. I've had worse than that. But it was it was frustrating. Not as frustrating as three years ago when I was a stone bubble boy at the 5K Limit Hold'em event by losing four hands in a row. But still very frustrating. So I've got one more Limit Hold'em event, the big one, the 10K Limit Hold'em, where Poker Fraud Alert members have now more than 40% of me. I think like around 41 total. So I I hope I can uh, make something out of that one. Otherwise, I'm going to brick off all the Limit events this year. Overall, I have five events left to play. So that will start again on Saturday. Brandon Drexel Gerson, he broke the curse of Poker Fraud Alert in 2015. Basically, anyone associated with this site, at least on the forum, has been just airballing it big time at the World Series. Except Suicide King. 
Brandon was either 0 for 4 or 0 for 5. I think he was 0 for 5. He entered the 1500 horse event and he tried something different. He'd been talking about this for a while, that he doesn't want to come early to these limit format events because he feels that whatever good you do during those first few hours, that it can be undone too quickly in the later hours. I'm not as hardline as he is about this. I see his point, but the, the blinds do rise very, very slowly during the first eight levels. So really, if you show up four hours late, while you are saving yourself some time, it's not, it's not like the first levels are meaningless. They're not. But it is true that uh, if you show up late and you get a full stack, uh, you can just start off from there and, and start playing and, and pass people that have been playing the whole time and kind of spinning their wheels. So Brandon said that's his new strategy. He showed up late and got up to a good start and ended up cashing. So I, I guess it kind of worked. Uh, in a subsequent event he played, I think a Raz event, he did the same thing. And again, got up to a good start with a good stack, but uh, didn't cash in that one. And he played another one yesterday. A 3K horse did not cash. I, I think Brandon's 1 for 7. I'm 0 for 4. rest of Poker Fraud Alerts Forum is 0 for, except Suicide King. So hasn't gone well so far. Brandon's cash wasn't huge or anything, so uh, I forget what it was, but not life-changing money by any means. So we're, we're both frustrated. I'm hoping this isn't the first year that I just don't cash at all. Now, since I play, you know, nine events, eight events, ten events every year, it probably will happen eventually. It probably will. It just the odds say it will at some point. So maybe that'll be this year. I hope it's not this year, but maybe it'll be this year. Every year I've cashed at least once since I started playing in 05. Ten straight years I cashed at least once. And I wasn't trying to be like an Alan Kessler who just shoots for a min cash. It's just the way that's worked out. Some, you know, I've made min caches, but uh, I'm not shooting for them. Well, the big story recently was uh, the Dutch company that claims it is uh, it makes World Series of Poker cards that are marked. Yeah, let's put on China Maniac. I think he can talk now. Let's get a co-host for this. Sounds like a good China Maniac uh, topic. Hello. Hello. Yeah, there you are. Okay. You have, you have a, a picture on Skype of uh, what is it? That looks like uh, – uh, is is that in – what's the name of that place? Uh, it's in New Mexico or – no, no. It's in Arizona, right? That's this uh, – is that what I'm looking yeah. at here? The uh, Mon- so. Monument it's, Valley? Uh, yeah, they had like 15 or 20 different pictures, and this one looked cool, so I okay. just grabbed that. I don't, I don't oh, know what I, it is. I thought you'd been there. Yeah, it looks like Monument Valley. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um I, it's fun. I went there kind of on the way to somewhere else a few years ago. Right. And I was able to see a lot of it just from the road. And you can go on this dirt road, this really lousy dirt road that takes, I heard, like three hours to go around and there's no bathroom on the way or anything. Right. Uh, and, and then the I almost was going to do it. And then I get up there and it, it's on an Indian reservation. The Indians wanted like 15 bucks to uh, – mm-hmm. a damn stupid phone. Who's calling it? Oh, I see the problem. I see the problem. I see the problem. Okay, uh, this is my fault. I, I've been forwarding. 
I can't believe this. I was forwarding uh, the, the radio phone to that, and I never unforwarded it. Okay. So if you guys want to call in, just hang on a second. I'll uh, undo the forwarding. I really blew that one. I'm in contact with Zod. Oh. Um, let me see if he's. Let me, let me see, see if he's contacting me. I've heard nothing from him. He's uh, MIA. Oh, All right, I'll, I'll read the text. It says, hey, I tried texting Druff. He must not have, have his phone by him. Just waking up, definitely about of food poisoning from Caesar's in-room dining from the free folio credit from the evacuation. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so I, was. Now, he's trying to say he got um, – yeah, I can explain this. He texted me earlier. I, I see he sent me the same thing. Um, Brandon was evacuated from his room due to some, quote, emergency at Caesar's. So he demanded some compensation for it, and they gave him a folio credit to get food. So uh, he probably thinks he got over on Caesar's for this. He's like, oh, yeah, I had to leave my room, but you know, no problem. I left for a little while, came back, got some free food credit out of it. But the final joke was on Brandon, as it often is at Caesar's properties. Sounds like he got food poisoning from the free food that he got. <laughs> All right, so caller, someone, the caller can call back in. I mean, he just called again, and I connected him, and then he hung up. Old school pranks. Jeez, oh, <laughs> I don't think it's a prank. I think it's just I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this person. So okay, it's from the two six seven area. You can call back if you want. Anyway, the so he says. Uh, let's let's see. He says so he's just waking up. Yeah. So okay, that's a reasonable excuse. I can I can understand that. I won't blame him for getting food poisoning and being unable to uh, wake up for the show. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not being sarcastic here. I mean, if, if that happened to me, the same thing might have occurred. Uh, call you on the All air. Right. He says he's going to go pound a couple Gatorades, and then he'll be on in a little bit. All right. It's probably going to be like six bucks each, but okay. Uh, call you on the air. Hey, guys. What's happening? It's uh, Forum Wars calling you. Forum Wars. You always bring a lot of good information to us in the chat. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, I never call in, though, so it's my first time calling in, and uh, it's actually my first time in Vegas in a long time, awesome. so uh, I thought I'd give you guys a shout and see see uh, see if I could uh, toe the line until the heavy hitters come along. Well, okay, so Forum Wars, are you playing the World Series at all? I am not playing any events in the World Series. I, uh, I do play some live poker, but... Uh, I was going to tell you, if you're going to play the World Series, you're going to lose because you post on the forum. So you you have no chance. That's right. So, yeah, you're better off not playing. I was going to say if, if you're playing, I feel sorry for you. But you know, I, I actually that actually entered uh, my stream of consciousness uh, <laughs> before I before I even uh, let it uh, become a, a serious thought. Maybe it's I, a conspiracy. I, the curse of of PF, PFA forum this year. It's, it's maybe kind of maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe the World Series is angry at me for criticizing them too much and making fun of all their fail, and they've instructed their dealers, or they've placed certain dealers that are card mechanics at my tables, making sure that I don't cash and my forum members don't cash. The radio listeners, they don't want to punish because they're not actually posting anything or saying anything, but they, 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 don't, they want to punish whoever is involved with the forum. Right. And uh, so, so maybe that's what they're doing, and maybe when they heard me say on June 5th that my nightmare will be making it deep and not cashing, they said, ah, I know what we're going to do. We're going to make it so he gets deep and doesn't cash and give him the added torture of almost busting three times and saving him 
only to have him bust very deep before catch. I mean, it's like it's like this was written as a script. So I, I think it's good that uh, that you're not playing the World Series, and you know I'm foolhardy enough to return there this Saturday and play the extended the extended play no limit hold'em. Though I think that's a good if all those no limit events except for the main event, like for all the smaller no limit hold'em events, I think that's the best one for my style is the extended play one. So I, I yeah. this, I'm feeling a little bit good about that one, but we'll see. Well, there might be a little bit of a reverse uh, curse in effect here. I don't know if that's the right thing to call it, but I did play some cash today, and in about a 20-minute hit-and-run session at the Red Rock, I made about $140 at 1-2. Uh, okay. So, uh, so you know, it's all good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good that you're winning. I've actually done well in cash. I've played in Bovada the last few days, and uh, after two really tough nights there, I... Uh, I put through four nights of winning in a row, and I won 14K straight. So at least I'm going to, provided it doesn't reverse, I'll, I'll go into this next World Series event feeling like I'm running well. So Sounds great. Hey, listen, I wanted to tell you something, Gruff, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually had a chance to uh, visit Mount Charleston today. Oh, so you, you took my advice. Okay, um, so, so where did you go on Mount Charleston? I, took your, I did take your advice. I uh, I actually went to, uh, I guess there's really only one one place you can end up, which is the very top. And uh, that will, you know, basically a couple of subdivisions up there. No, 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 no. You, and... should, you should have asked me. There's a lot more to it. Really? Yeah. So I, I actually missed missed a lot. Well, you missed two I, things. I, I mean, you missed two things. You know where the fire station is, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I know. I know exactly where you went because I still make that mistake when I go up there. When I go to visit my phone, I still drive what seems like the obvious direction. I go, oh crap! And I hit the end of the road, and there's a subdivision. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not. That's yeah. not. Uh, there's three places to go. There's that, which really there's nothing. Uh, there is. Me, I got to go back up, now, Charles. I can't, <laughs> there's, there's can't the, do it. There's the ski resort, which uh, yeah. is a different direction. It's, it's interesting to look at even in the summer. More, more interesting in the winter, obviously. It's not a good ski resort, but just to see, like Benjamin played the snow over there, and uh, and then uh, there's a road which is kind of like off to the side of the main road you drive in to get there, and it's kind of hard to see. But if you see like a side road that seems to go up a steep hill. Uh, yeah, take, I think I actually went. I think I turned on that, and there was a. Uh, is that Rainbow or something like that? I don't know the name of it, but yeah, the, if you go up that road, okay. it's actually pretty scenic, and there's a, there's one viewpoint which is really interesting. At least I find it interesting because yeah, it's got a little parking lot. You get out, you walk, very short walk, probably takes about three minutes, and you come to a viewpoint, and you look out, and you do see these expanse of both mountains and like planes out in the distance and it looks like you're looking at another planet because you cannot see any civilization whatsoever any sign that humans are there wow you can't see you yeah know, i missed that and, and you're so high up you can see really really f- far because you know the higher you are the the farther you can see and so you, you're way above all of this so you can see so you just look out and it's just nothingness and not even nothingness like just desert this is like it has a landscape to where it looks a lot like what you see as uh Landscapes like on one of, of those uh, of, of other like planets, uh, NASA like NASA photos of, of like uh, yeah, or even of, when you're watching uh, sci-fi, you know, when you're watching sci-fi uh, movies or TV shows, like that's what other planets look like when they you know people land spaceships on other planets. It totally looks right. like that. It's you just kind of like take yourself out of it for a second and just pretend you're like you're on a different planet and looking out. The, the effect is really there. So that, that's something mm-hmm. you can see. And there, there's just some other nice views in that area. And during the winter, there's always snow up there because it's higher up and. Uh, so those, those are the places to go. It's a difference in temperature, you know. A huge it, difference. It was still, still warm, but it was like, 
I could I could just uh, you know be a perfect place to to sort of have a second home if you're going to be in the Vegas area, and uh, you can get free rooms and stuff down here because you could like get away from the heat all the time. Yeah, that's it's that's too what I've hot said here in the summer. That's what know? I've said. It's it's like you know seventy degrees there. Or, yeah. And then Vegas is 105, 110, so it's a, it's a huge difference in temperature. It, it doesn't even look yeah. or feel like you're in Vegas, and it's, it it's, it's, it's like worth Tahoe, visiting. If, yeah, if, if you have a, a car, it's worth visiting. There's even some hiking trails. You just got to look it up on the Internet and see where to go. And How, how far is it from um, Mount Charleston from Vegas again? It's about 45 minutes by car. Yeah, 45 uh, minutes or so, yeah. I'm, probably, I'm thinking about staying there next year if I come out for the series. <laughs> uh, seriously, like... It's just the worst time to come to Vegas. Like it's 110 yeah. degrees every yeah, day. Yeah, well, you know? the one thing with staying there, you know, yeah. it's a kind of difficult commute each way. You have to make on a several you know, several days, and it's not uh, it's not the most pleasant drive. When I say pleasant, like it's not you just get on the freeway and forget about it. You just, it's uh, it's not like a tough mountain drive. At the same time, it's not like uh, an easy freeway. So right. I don't know about staying there regularly, but you know, staying there for a few days as a break or something that uh, that could be. What about is there anywhere that's like cool? I mean, obviously it's going to be 110 in most of the areas around there. But is there anywhere that's like a little cooler that no. would be closer? No. 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 See, I don't really care. I would take the 45 minute commute. Well, they, have, have hiking should. trails and stuff. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I hear. I hear what China's saying. Uh, China, you're, you're right. I, I, it sounds like you, it would be cool, but it is. It, as Dan was, as, as Gruff was saying, it, it is a bit of a hike up that uh, mountain each way and. You know your car's uh, engine is revving as you go up. I think it's like seventy six hundred, uh, seventy six hundred feet up. Yeah, well, that's why they gave uh, Ele- elevation. That's why they have rent a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't be driving. Yeah, he won't be driving his own car. He's he's from Boston. So, uh, yeah. Look, I, I. It's something I definitely recommend people see both in the winter and the summer. I, I have uh, when I was there for New Year's. When I was in Vegas for New Year's, I I took uh, like two days before New Year's, took Benjamin up there and took him sledding. He really enjoyed that, and uh, it's it's just something you don't expect by Vegas, and it's something that is so different weather wise and scenery wise. It's an interesting place to get away, and uh, and it's got some hiking trails, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's and I've said before if if you're with a girl in Vegas and you want to take her somewhere that doesn't it's just totally different. Like it's, it's kind of a good date place to go uh, if you're with a girl and you just want her to enjoy something like that away from what's typically known as Vegas, especially a girl that doesn't like the the gambling scene that much. So, have you ever stayed at the uh, Mount Charleston? I think I think it's called the Mount Charleston Inn. No, I've it never stayed there. Older. I've never stayed there. I've never stayed anywhere. No, in, on, I, I don't think I've actually heard very good things about it. I think it's a little grungy inside. But yeah, that's very possible. Yeah, rusty. Yeah, you just got to make sure you have uh, enough gas because the drive up there really does yeah. suck your gas away because and, of. Uh, and there's no gas. There's no gas yeah, on top no, of the no, others. You no gas stations anywhere. There. There. Yeah, no gas stations there at all. Yeah, yeah. So just Anyways. fill up before you go. So that's that's the Mount Charleston tips. <laughs> I, th- I think Mount this Charleston is, tips. I think this is the only radio show. I, I'm sure it's the only internet show that talks about Mount Charleston. This might be the only radio show at all that talks about Mount Charleston. It, it's kind of ignored. It is, it is. And, and the funny thing is, you don't even hear people in Las Vegas talking about yeah. it. You know, it's like, uh, it's like I, I'm sure if you surveyed people that live here in the city, 
you'd find a huge swath of people that don't even know about it. Well, yeah, and, and not, not only that, heard of it, but. you hear people talk a lot in the city about Red Rock, which is a state mm-hmm. park that's that's by uh, by Vegas, a lot closer than Mount Charleston. It's very hot in the summer, but it's a. Uh, it's an interesting thing to see. Yeah, it's pretty. It's nice. It's nice to look at. Yeah, yeah. So and nice for trails. But you don't hear much yeah. about Mount Charleston, and so much that in two thousand nine, in two thousand nine, when Benjamin's mom came up to see me for the first time in sixteen years, and it was like our first date weekend together. Um, she doesn't gamble, and I had to find non-gambling things for us to do. And it was in August. I'm like, oh, I guess I could take her to Red Rock, but that's going to be kind of brutal. But I said, okay, I'll just I'll just deal with that. I'll just deal with the heat. And it was very very hot there. And uh, I just tried to ignore the heat. I thought, oh, it's too bad there's not a place I can go that's uh, that's cool, that uh, an outdoorsy type of thing to do here, but that's not 100 degrees. And and there was. I just wasn't thinking of Mount Charleston. I hadn't been there yet. And then I thought about it the next year, and I said, you know what? We should go up to Mount Charleston. And we did, but we were together for a long time by that point. So. And you know, I think you take a girl up there, she'll be impressed. Like you just, she doesn't expect it. She come to Vegas, and then you you take a break from the whole Vegas scene, and you're up in a mountain. Like, I think I think it would come off well. All righty. So, uh, Tips. anything Tips else for uh, dating girls? Yeah, yeah. Just one more thing I wanted to point out. To uh, I wanted to let Drex know this. Um, I was actually at the uh, speaking of Red Rock. I was at Red Rock uh, Station. I guess it's called. Red Rock is that what it's called? Red Rock, is, you know. Yeah, Red called? Rock is owned my station. Uh, yeah, and I think I think uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Drexel was saying he uh, single-handedly uh, uh, was responsible for the elimination of the Valley Roulette machines yeah. there for. Yeah, he was. They took him out for some advantage play. Well, I was just there today, and I I just uh, I played on a bank of. Uh, uh, six of them, and they're Valley Valley branded, and they're the only ones I could see in the in the whole place. So, unless they're they're different machines, maybe they put them um, back. Maybe they put them back. Maybe they put them back. Maybe he. Maybe when they got rid of uh, or think they got rid of Drex, they, they <laughs> you know back on. They said it's safe to put him back there. Yeah. So. So I, I spent the afternoon trying to figure out how he was. Uh, Reportedly getting some type of uh, advantage, even if it was only comps. And uh, but the thing is, they usually when they take them out, it's usually to fix them if there was like a flaw. Or yeah, something, it's, it's possible you know? they adjusted yeah. something. I don't know what they did. I, I, just, I, 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 you know, he he never really expanded on what he was doing to get uh, to get um, an edge. I, I kind of tried to play around and, and think I was coming up with. What might what it might have been, but yeah, I don't know. He probably I mean, he probably didn't say it on purpose because if everyone runs down and does it, then it'll ruin the whole thing. So it's a you know it, yeah, it, it, you, you know it, it sounds play and it's not right. Yeah, it it can sound it can sound selfish when you say, oh, I know I have I have an edge on such and such at the casino, and I don't want to tell you about mm-hmm. it. But the truth is, if you tell people about it, then it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. It's going to get abused and it's going to be gone. Even if it's not abused, yep. you get too many people doing it, it's going to be gone. Uh, it's the same as video poker, right? I mean, if if you if you publicize a big play, you know, one and a half percent advantage or something like that, it gets killed and yeah. professionals will be there tomorrow. I yeah, think. these things always get abused. Next so, thing you know, it's gone. I mean, I, I used to take that attitude even in the old days when there were a lot of different poker sites to choose from. Uh, when I would find a small network that most of the other Limit Hold'em pros didn't know about, I wouldn't go, oh, yeah, I just won so much on this, I, I kept my mouth closed. I didn't want to tell anyone. 
Because I don't want exactly. I didn't want other good players there competing with me. I wanted the fish to myself. So, oh, oh, right. what, 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 hold on, what is that? <laughs> That's killing my ear. No, not me. Uh oh, China Maniac, what's going on? Uh oh. Okay, I had to drop Tiny Maniac. That's that's brutal. That's brutal. Well, one last thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. Uh, to drop, C uh, Money posted a thread online where he posted some, some uh, a picture. Uh, he was talking about Garrett's uh, um, staking thread. Yeah. And he posted a picture of these three lights that that he was driving by. These ginormous lights that. Uh, we're just off in the distance, but they're really bright. Now, I saw that same group of three lights from, like, at least six or 700 miles away in the airplane as I was landing, and I thought, what the F is that? Like, it, looked, it seriously looked like something that you weren't supposed to be able to see as a civilian. I, I, they may be talking about these three towers that are near the state line. I'm not sure where he was okay. when he saw this, but there's three towers. This in the was state during line. the day. Yeah, well, it was during the day. Well, and you, it was you're, like you're probably seeing reflections. Bright. I think you're probably seeing reflections of the sun. I think it's some kind of solar power thing or something they're doing over there. I, I thought it was reflections. I honestly thought it was reflections after uh, I saw it. I thought, oh, okay, I'm seeing reflections. And then, oh, you know what? Actually, you might be right. Maybe he was because when he showed the, when he when he actually showed this uh, picture online, it looked like they were giant lights. Yeah, off in the distance. I'm not Maybe sure they if it's the same thing. Yeah. It, it looks like a, kind of like a futuristic uh, space station or something. But it's. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, China Mini, I caught you because there were some really loud, shrill sounds yeah. coming. Do you know what those were? I, yeah, I blew out a candle and my smoke alarm started going oh, off. Great. So smoke alarm radio. That's that's going to get us good ratings. Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> he blew out a candle. That's, that's a pretty sensitive smoke alarm. All right, yeah, so, it's, well, it's right above me. So, so um, call happy them birthday, in. by the way, uh, China. You What's blew that? a candle out. You oh, blew a candle out. Happy birthday, man! Thanks. So, so uh, nine two eight area code. You're on. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, Druff. Yes. Uh, it would be interesting if you were to put a bounty, small, like a hundred bucks, on uh, somebody finding the uh, Charleston telephone. What do you think? <laughs> no, I don't want. I don't want the phone found. It has to. It has to remain secret. It has to remain hidden. Has, has to remain hidden. Not only. Okay. Not, only not only am I too cheap to pay the hundred dollars, but uh, I don't want anyone to find it. Okay, that's all I needed to okay. say. Okay, thank you. You guys have a good time. Thank you. Okay, so uh, so anything else for more before we uh, continue? Uh, no, I uh, thought I just call in and give a quick update i was in town i thought i'd say hello and uh well i guess one more thing i, I saw um uh, greg i saw um greg greg what's his name greg Mueller? who won the world series no uh, greg raymer greg, uh, greg raymer greg raymer yeah yeah of course greg raymer uh playing a game uh, playing a, in a tournament and joe hashem walked into the room and it was like these guys thought there were cameras on them because he got up and gave them this really, really big hug, and it, it was almost going to choke on my own vomit. <laughs> it was like, it was like, oh, Army Great, you know, us uh, uh, world champions here, and uh, the whole. It, it, yeah, it, prob it probably was phony, though they did probably get to know each other because Raymer made it very yeah. deep that the year Hatram won it, so they were probably playing very long until near the end. 
Yeah, that was I was actually uh, that was quite interesting. He was actually uh, first in chips that year uh, for a long time, uh, with like maybe a hundred or so left. Yeah, in that uh, in that year that Raymer won it, or in that year that Hashem won it. Okay, well, that's, all that's interesting though. So, all right, well, thanks, and and, and uh, you know, keep posting things in the chat or whatever that uh, are worth seeing. There's been yeah, a, lot times, keep, a, lot uh, times, do, a lot of times I've do, quoted do, things you posted. Best. Yeah, thank you. All right, all right good luck lot. there. Okay, so this guy's smartly avoiding the uh, World Series events, as China Maniac is, and they're therefore they're not losing. That's right. So, so okay, let's let's talk about the uh, the the cards and the this whole scandal with this uh, Dutch site that is supposedly selling World Series of poker cards that are marked, and this has caused a lot of controversy. And it's caused a lot of anger. Uh, Ty Stewart, the head of the World Series, is furious. Not so much about this site existing, but of Poker News reporting it. And I got some more information on why Ty Stewart is so angry. So this was the Poker News article that came out on June 9th, eight days ago. A Dutch website claims it can sell you marked cards identical to the ones used at the World Series of Poker and special contact lenses or micro cameras allowing you to read them. Gambleromania.com also says it will put in microchips in a Modiano WSOP deck that can be read by smartphones or key fobs. And although the site includes a disclaimer saying the cards and reading devices are for entertainment purposes only uh, and not to be used to cheat... A representative from the company told Poker News that players might be able to use them at the World Series of Poker. We have Modiano WSOP model, a Gamblomania representative said. You can use them in any place where you can switch up cards. Cards must switch up, which means replacing the clean one with a marked one. If you have the possibility to switch it up, it will work. If not, it won't. <laughs> so uh, Poker News wrote this article, and obviously you have the URL to go to this site. And they also claim that uh, it can mark or uh, put a microchip in any deck a customer sends in. So you can send them your own deck and they will mark it for you or put microchips in them. Presumably so you can reintroduce them back into the tournament. So... The article also says WSOP Executive Director Ty Stewart said anyone caught using such products at the World Series would face some serious consequences. If someone tries to introduce chips or cards at the World Series, obviously they would be banned for life at minimum, he said. Now, this all came up... Why is Brandon calling my cell phone? Come on, Brandon. Don't do that. If you want to be on the show, then just text me or something. Even though though I don't read the text, but you can call me on Skype. Okay, Brandon, we're just going to connect you here. Uh, he's not even on Skype. I don't, I'm, I'll, here, what I'll do is I'm going to call him on his cell. That's what I will do. That's what I will do. Then we'll continue with this topic. No, Brandon, stop calling my cell. Why does he call my cell during the show? I, I don't get that. Brandon, you make me sound like amateur hour here more than I usually do. Let's add him to the call and put him on the air directly. 
Hello? Yeah, Brandon, you're calling the show. You're calling my cell phone during the show. You know that, right? Yeah, I was trying to talk to you off the air for a second. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I had a question. These fucking Gatorades are six fifty each. I mean, what a rate. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ounce, or a 12-ounce gator, it's oh, 650. You want to know I've something? I've never heard of anything like oh, this. Oh, you yeah. want to know something? I'll tell you something here about those 650 Gatorades. Mm. Back mm-hmm. when I had the worst stomach flu of my life in January 2014 at Caesars, and I was I, – I needed something that could not keep any liquids down. And, and so I, I, I vomited so many times. I was actually dehydrated to where it was starting to get dangerous, and I was considering going to the ER. In fact, everyone wanted me to go to the ER, but I didn't want to go. So at, I, needed, I, I needed to have Gatorade. So I called down. I was very, very weak. In fact, I couldn't even walk. I had to be uh, wheeled anywhere I would go. I called down to the gift shop, and you know, I, I had my girlfriend with me, so she could have gotten it for me. I called down to the gift shop and I said, "How much do you have the Gatorade for?" And they said, "You know, six dollars, six fifty. And I hung up and she said, "Should I go get it?" And I said, "No." She said, "You're serious?" I said, "I, I I'm not going to do it. That, that's what they want me to do. They, I, I'm not going to get raped. I need several Gatorades to to rehydrate, and I'm not going to pay six fifty. I'm just not going to do it." So she said, "Well, what can we do? You need it." I said, "Well, we can go to the store. You can go to the store." She says, well, I don't know. I, I've never driven in Vegas in my life, which is true. Every time she's been to Vegas, she's been with a boyfriend who, who's driven her. So, so she has no experience driving in Vegas. And, and as you probably know, going from the Caesars Self Park, just getting out of there and getting you know, into Vegas is not even that easy. It's kind of complicated. So, and that's another story. I need to remind me to tell you the, uh, the uh, West Valley now in Flamingo is only for seven stars. Oh, I know that. I've known that. Got, they, I've known well, you know why, though? You know why? No. They got cited by the city because of all the congestion oh. of making that left turn and all the backups that there, it was causing. There were huge backups, yeah. I, I got stuck yeah. in one one time. So so anyway, what I decided to do, just despite see, I was so pissed about the 650 mm-hmm. Gatorade. It wasn't like I had to buy one Gator. I needed like several of them. Because yeah, I, 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 I was too. So, so I – I was so pissed about this. I said, I'm just not going to do it. Even though I have reward credits can pay with those, you know, they can, they can be used for other things. You can even trade them for free play. I'm not going to waste 650 per bottle of Gatorade that I can get for 99 cents at the store for the principal. I, I'm just not doing it. So I said, so I called up and asked, Hey, can security bring a wheelchair for me? I've gotten very sick. I'm not, I'm not looking to make a report or blame it on you guys, but just, can you get me a wheelchair and, and wheel me over to my car? And, and, you know, I'm going to have somebody else drive, but I just need to be there to give him dire- give the, her directions. So they said, okay. They wheeled me to my car. I gave, I gave a tip to the security guard for it. Uh, and then I instructed her to drive, you know, what directions to go to get to the, like, Walgreens or something. She went in, got, got like, five bottles of Gatorade. We, I directed her back. Um... I had her drop me off at uh, yeah at, at the valet that they just closed that you're talking about. This is last year. The, I had her drop me off there and had the valet park the car. And that's like really, really close to the tower I was staying in. So then I was able to kind of just stumble upstairs without the uh, the wheelchair. And uh, I was back with the Gatorade. I was so proud of myself that I avoided. And it, w- it wasn't about the $30. It was about that they had the nerve to charge this much for freaking Gatorade. And and what was amazing person. is is I I asked them. I, I asked them down there. I said you know, I, I said can you can you bring some to me? And they said um, 
they said, first of all, if, if, if I wanted the Gatorade from their gift shop, my girlfriend had to go do it. Um, they couldn't bring it to me unless they wanted to charge me $48 for, for this uh, concierge service. So I said, absolutely not. So not only was it expensive, but she would have had to go down and, and drag Benjamin with her. And, and, uh, and, and she didn't know where the gift shop was. And I said, just screw the whole thing. Like, I, I just said, screw the whole thing. So, like, I, I was, that was how angry I was. I said, I'm not going to buy five bottles of Gatorade at, that, at those prices. That's yeah. how cheap well, I was. I just charged into the room to my folio. But this, this is my question for you. Yeah. I have to pay for Internet. This is awful. Well, I don't have to pay, but it's, it's you know, coming off my, my – I got $100 for the evacuation. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Do I, for Skype purposes, with the basic <laughs> speed up to 1.5 work, or do I need the premium up to 10? Um, EPS, which is $22 or $12. I don't know because it, 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 a, rate, a real 1.5 megabps, I don't know what the upload, the upload is what's important. The download is, is you hearing me. And so you hearing me is not that important. I mean, as long as you understand what I'm saying, then you can, uh, then that's fine. It's everybody hearing you, and that's upload. And upload, you know, as you know, browsing the web, it's almost all downloading and very little upload. Well, I think this is the one that, the 1.5 is, I think, the one you get with 7-star, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, you get both now. You get both. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, which one should I, do I need to spurge the extra 10 bucks and spend $23, or the 13.99 will be sufficient? I know. I once I do it, you can't go back. I think it'll probably you be. Make a decision. I, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's hmm, that's a tough one. I know. <laughs> it's coming off my folio. I know so. that's the problem. I don't want to yeah. waste your folio. I was about to just say, yeah, just do the premium to be safe." I go, you know, I don't want to waste your folio. I, and I, I don't have the energy to have the phone up to my ear for yeah, the rest of the show. Yeah, so no, I, you, I, you, don't, you don't sound healthy right now. I'll say that. So I'm uh, very dehydrated, and yeah. Um, I mean, it'll probably so be fine. Probably basic. the basic, the, the basic will probably be fine because you don't, you're not going to be downloading very much. You're going to be mostly uploading. All right. Let's do it. I'm going to accept the terms. Go premium, baby. <laughs> it's big. China maniacs just trying to spend your your folio. Mm. Now, are you China sure? Maniac are you sure the folio is, is a China maniac? Is China maniac is selling his reputation tonight? <laughs> Look, I, I want to warn you of something, by the way. Are you sure the folio credit is is not just for food and beverage? It's, it's just anything that I wanted to charge in my room. Okay, shop, okay. Mini bar, food, just anything I charge. Okay. Because usually room, right? when something happens, they give me a food and beverage credit, not a folio credit. But okay. I, I guess you can just, just be careful when you check out. Jeez, okay, I'm going to try to sound this guy. Okay. Very good. Bye. Why Brandon doesn't sound well. I mean, that's dedication. I, I apologize for uh, going off before about how he was unreliable because uh, he was sick, and now feeling like this, he's doing the radio. I, I wouldn't do radio if I felt like that. I, I just say forget it, especially if I had to charge off my folio. Forget it. Brandon's right. a warrior. He is. So so going back to this thing about the marked cards, uh, so basically Poker News made it public where you can go to get these cards. And there was the whole investigation about the heads-up tournament at the World Series where Valerie Ukoka was accused of using marked cards, and he finished fifth. So I heard from a pretty reliable source that Ty Stewart 
executive director of the World Series, the, the top dog of the World Series. He's above Jack Effel, above Seth Polanski. That he came down to the poker media room at the World Series, where a lot of poker news guys hang out. That he got Donnie Peters, who did not write this article. This article was actually written by uh, Marty Derbyshire, who I haven't really heard of before. But uh, Donnie Peters has been at Poker News forever, and he's probably one of the higher ones there, as far as the news department. And uh, so he found Donnie Peters and said, come outside with me. And then he brought Donnie Peters outside, according to the source, and yelled at him. And I don't mean talked and scolded him. I mean literally yelled at him and cursed and was pissed. He was freaking furious and was yelling at Donnie. So when I heard about this, and I, I believe this account, I have no proof it happened, but I believe this account, that, that Ty Stewart was furious at Donnie Peters from Poker News and just went off on him. At the time, I thought, well, okay, I understand why Ty Stewart was so angry because uh, Poker News just basically directed people on how to cheat at the World Series. They, they gave too much information. But I thought at the same time, well, you know, this information has been out there on Twitter. If someone really wants to find it, they can Google it. You know, what is Poker News really doing? So I thought, I thought that um, I'm getting a message in the chat room, Donnie's second in command. Who's first in command there? Is it Chad Holloway? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Probably, I would. I mean, he seems to be. Yeah. Maybe first. But anyway, uh, oh, Matthew Parvis. <laughs> okay. So he, he went off on Donnie Peters, and I thought, okay, it's got to be because he made it too easy for the average person to find this site and then go cheat. But that wasn't what it was. I thought that's what it was. And I actually understood Stewart's anger about this. Even if people could have found it on their own, I understood why this pissed him off. But that wasn't what pissed him off. What actually pissed him off was that he felt the Poker News article was irresponsible and misleading. This is what Ty Stewart wrote on FlushDraw.net, which is the site that Haley Hintz writes for, uh, when it mentioned this situation. Ty Stewart actually made an account and posted there. He said, just a little note, these cards, supposedly the, quote, exact ones used at the World Series, are neither the size, design, or material of the tournament cards. They are simply a variation of our retail decks, meaning the ones you can buy in the store, uh, which have been available for the past 10 years. In that time, no retail deck has ever been introduced into the World Series play. We obviously use certain safeguards with new decks, deck rotation, etc., not to mention the delivery of a unique dated card available only at the World Series in order to prevent such fraud, and good luck to anyone thinking they can slip in a deck looking like the one promoted on that site. It's like believing a peewee football can be bought at Target and be introduced by Tom Brady in the Super Bowl without notice. It's almost comical. That, that Poker News, quote, story contains an image of said cards, which to anyone who's been around the World Series this summer is obviously not an exact copy of the World Series cards. It would be nice if anyone would fact check, at least not overlook obvious inconsistencies in a rush to create controversy and tarnish the World Series. But I suppose that's just the world we live in. So boy, he had harsh words for Poker News. And th- this part is not a rumor. This is what Ty Stewart wrote on FlushDraw.net as himself under his own name. So he's, he's basically saying the article was highly misleading and scaremongering, but the cards that this site sells don't look enough like the World Series cards to where they could ever pass even if they were snuck in. 
So if someone took one of these marked cards and said, okay, I'm going to swipe out the, the Ace of Spades, someone would notice a very different-looking card, and, and it wouldn't go over, is what Ty Stewart's saying. And he's saying that uh, Poker News could have easily figured this out looking at the example card they showed, that it doesn't look anything like the World Series card. So if he's right, which he probably is, it was a pretty boneheaded mistake on the World Series part, and I understand why Stewart is angry about this. I'm not, I'm not someone who will blindly defend the World Series, and I will go off on them when they're wrong, but I think in this case they're right. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I can understand why. They, you know, they, there's a lot of money in the World Series. They, they put a lot of resources, a lot of money. This is a, a big thing for Caesars Entertainment, and they don't want hysteria out there that anyone can sneak in cheat cards with infrared markings that people can look at or have microchips in them, when in reality they couldn't be snuck in because uh, the cards the World Series uses are, uh, are not available to be obtained anywhere, and the ones you can buy on the site don't look enough like the real cards to sneak in. So I believe him. I think he's right. I think Ty Stewart's right. And that's why he was so angry, and that's why he was shouting. Yeah, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been so aggressive about it in the way he confronted uh, Donnie Peters about it. But let's face it, the one strength that the various directors of the World Series do not have is a calm temper. None of them. Every single person who's in charge high up at the World Series has a temper, apparently. So... That's, that's just the personalities we're dealing with. In, in a perfect world, they, they would not do things like they wouldn't you know, yell at people. But uh, <laughs> I understand why they were angry. He shouldn't have yelled at Donnie Peters like he did, if that's true. And I have to say if that's true because I, w- I didn't witness it myself. I was, I was told by someone who, uh, who, who's pretty reliable. So I, I can't say for sure that happened. But if it's what happened, I definitely understand Stewart's anger. And it's justified if this is really the case, which it probably is. Uh, probably should have approached it more calmly, but at least I understand the anger. Right. So, so Brandon, how are you? Uh, which internet did you buy? Uh, I got the cheap one. I took your advice. Can you hear me okay? Oh, my God. It sounds terrible. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, good. At least, for the, at least for the moment. Well, now you're cutting, <laughs> believe it or not, now you're cutting a little bit, but <laughs> I don't know if the premium would have helped. Uh, if you remember, I had the premium at the Rio, and I it was kind of cutting... I wasn't cutting out, but you were cutting out last time. Okay. So, but you're not cutting. You're just not as clear as you usually are. But you know, do you, now do you have a headset on, or are you using the speaker? Speaker. Oh, that's I, probably that's probably why. Okay. Yeah. It's probably the speaker. Okay. Well, you know, we Crow Diddley said early in the show, you don't go to war with the Brandon you want to have. You go with the Brandon that you do have. And I, I agree with this that we. Uh, uh, yeah, if you're on a speaker, and if yeah, I need a, I need to go to Best Buy and get a uh, headset for this MacBook Pro because I've in the past just used a Windows laptop, and, I, and now I'm using this. And I guess uh, it, I thought it was a USB uh, Logitech headset, so I figured it would work on this, but it doesn't. It doesn't recognize a driver, and it can't find it. So hmm. I'll have to get something compatible. Okay. So okay. I apologize if my audio is not. No, good, it's not. It's not terrible. It's 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 uh, it's not perfect, but it's not terrible. It's it's listenable. And that's all that's okay. important. It's a. I'm very big on audio to where, I, I hate having a show where it's difficult to hear or there's an, a constant interference that's kind of tilting to listen to. I want people to be able to relax. In fact, something I've learned this year. I didn't learn this until very recently. The show's been on three and a half years. I just learned this recently, and that is. 
people mainly use this show for one of two purposes, either to pass time at work, which I did know, or to fall asleep. <laughs> and I heard one person used it to fall asleep, and I was surprised. I go, how can you sleep with people you know, ranting on the radio? It just sounds like not an easy See, listening thing to have in your ear. He was able to stop taking his ambient prescription, and he just started using this show instead. <laughs> Yeah, so I met someone at the World Series this year, and we went to dinner, and I, we, I was talking about most people listening to the archives compared to live, and he says to me, yeah, I do it in the archives, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, no offense, I like the show, but I listen to it to go to sleep. And I go, oh my god, am I that boring? And he says, no, 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 it's it's not that, it's just that uh, I, I, if I don't have something like that that I can listen to, then my mind races to all these different things and I never fall asleep. Like a, I've got to listen to someone else or something else. If there's quiet, then I go nuts. So I go, all right, it makes sense. So I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't have any radio show, interesting or boring, in my ear. I wouldn't fall asleep. But everybody's you know, a, couple, different. a couple people uh, that I didn't even know uh, came up to me and knew who I was, uh, you know, from, from radio in the past and, you know, more recently at the World Series. And I, I would think maybe if one person had said it, I'd think maybe they were just kind of rolling me or, or fucking around. But I've heard it for a number of people. And uh, they s- told me that if you and I really wanted to, they truly believe we could blow this show up. Like, I mean, and I'm not just talking like Mark Coke blow it up. I mean, you know, or Brady <laughs> Hope, whatever the kid's name is. But uh, I've gotten a lot of compliments. It's actually really amazing that people have located me or just know who I am from PFA or whatever. I mean, there are way more people that listen than, than I, I guess I imagine because there's just a lot of random people I've never met, never heard of. And they yeah. all say the same thing. They don't, they don't post it all. They just listen to the yeah, show. There's a they, lot of them like that. And there's just, for whatever reason, the show has a very loyal following of people that it's, it's very important to them to hear this show every week. And, and when it's not on, in fact, I, I see you, Brandon. Hello. I, I feel like we're in the same room. Yeah, I have the camera on. <laughs> I, I see this face moving on my screen, and I go, what the hell is this? And I, there's Brandon here. Wow, this is strange. At least you can't I see me. You should turn yours on, though, at least. I, I don't have a camera hooked up. What do you mean? You don't have a, la- what, you have a laptop from 1986? I, pretty, I was talking – the show started late tonight because my laptop is in such bad shape that it couldn't start the show. It was actually, like, freezing up. But it's, I'm going to get a new one very soon. It's six years old. Yeah, he's waving to me. He looks very happy. You don't look that sick. You sound sick, but you don't look sick. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now oh, you just... I, see, I see you now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, what's up? I got no camera. We could do a little uh, webcam show here, but no camera for me. <laughs> this is so weird. It's just I've never had this before on the show where one of the hosts is on video. That, uh, I could. I mean, it's off. It doesn't. You know, no, can you can put off. yourself back. I have no problem here. In fact, it, that says good things about the Rio connection or the Caesar's I, connection. That you. Well, I'm I, staying at the Augustus Tower. Let me just recap. If I, can I have the floor for a minute? Yeah, go ahead. So I sent you a picture. I just went downstairs and I got some Gatorades, as I mentioned. I'm staying in the only part of this property that's not in bankruptcy, which I still don't understand. When again, I, you know, we talked about this before. When Caesar's listed. Uh, all their assets that were in bankruptcy and not, uh, they listed that the entire Caesars Palace in Las Vegas was under bankruptcy protection, except for this one tower that I'm in. 
So anyhow, when I was going down stairs to get the Gatorade, I, I walk in the elevator, and there was literally just a banana peel on the elevator floor. But it's had to have <laughs> been there for like three or four days because it's like rotten. It's not like it was a fresh – I sent you a picture of it. Oh, I, thought, I thought someone uh, put that there so you would like slip on it for, for a comic effect. It was so old. And then I took another picture of how scratched up and damaged the elevator is and how dirty it was. I don't know how clear you can see it. But it's just amazing. Uh, and I'll tell you, just the, the, the amount of fail. Okay, so then there's there's that. Another friend of mine uh, that that posts on here. I really see the banana peel. I'm sorry. Yeah. I see the banana peel. Yeah, it's it's it in the corner. Because it's, it's so rotten. It's like, you know, it's not there from like, you know, for like, you know, uh, three hours. It's been there for like two, three days because it's all just, I mean, no one's been in there to pick. It's amazing. And the floors are filthy. This is the one non bankruptcy tower. So, uh, anyhow, a friend of mine is staying at, last week was staying at Caesars in uh, Atlantic City. And he went to the gift shop. He was with his girlfriend. This is a, a PFA user, too. And he went to Caesars in Atlantic City, and then they went to the gift shop to buy something. So what did he do to, to make the purchase at the gift shop? He used his Total Rewards Visa. Oh, I know about okay, the story. He told, he told me the story, too, yeah. and asked for my advice. And then what happened? What, what happened when he tried to pay for it with his Total Rewards Visa? Yeah, it, it came back declined. They declined it. They, they declined it. <laughs> no, and then it gets even better. Is after yes. they declined it, go ahead and tell them what happened. Oh, I, I didn't know you knew this story. Oh, I know, no, he told me. What happened after they declined it, he's like, okay, I'll use something else to pay. I think he used a total rewards card or something. Not, not a credit card, but like, like his RCs, whatever. He didn't use his credit card anymore. Uh, then he looks at his statement, and there were four different charges yeah. for what he tried to buy. They, they actually ran it four times. They didn't double charge him. They four times charged him on what was supposed sure. to be a declined purchase. And he called the head of, uh, I don't know, retail at Caesars a couple days ago, and they said somebody would be right back to him. You think anyone's called him back? Of course not. No, they, I, I would love to put odds. We should have like a game with Caesars where you, you call and leave a message for someone and then put odds right. on the call. I, it's got to be like, like plus 5,000 you're going to get a call. Now, now, this is really, really weird. I also have the TR card, uh, and I rarely use it. I used it, I think um, – Whatever whatever the the bonus was was it seven fifty or yeah seven fifty yeah okay I did that and I got I got the you know the freebies from it I got like the buffet at Bacchanal and, yeah that's know, what the, I did too yeah yeah and then what I do now is I only charge it maybe like every three or four months I'll charge my cable bill or I'll charge something small on it just to show activity because I've learned I've done a lot of uh, you know just reading on on credit ratings and it's bad, bad to just you know, go a year, two years, you know, long period of time without even making a single charge on a credit card that you're keeping. So, you know, and I've never had a problem. I've never, I've never had anything decline. But my dad, who lives in Las Vegas, and he has the same exact card. Uh, he's, he's, he, he literally cut it up and nailed it back to them. That's how pissed he was. Like me, I would never take the time to get a stamp and find out the address. He cut yeah. it with a scissor in about thirty pieces, and and he sent it back. My dad has excellent credit. My dad is one of the only people I've ever known in my life. Maybe you'd be the second. That through his entire life, he has never paid one single dollar of interest ever on a credit card. Yeah, I haven't either. When I remember when I was young, 
you know, getting to that age where credit cards are going to be my future. He told me you get a credit card, you only charge if you have enough money to pay it when the bill comes. That's you good don't advice. charge, yeah. and you don't charge. You know, you know, you don't buy something and pay it off with the interest rate. If you don't have the money to pay it, then you don't buy it. And literally, he's never. I mean, he pays his credit card every month. He, he he's kind of like you in that sense that he doesn't want to give banks his, his hard-earned money, his in, n- nothing. I mean, so he, he's never done it. So anyhow, he's got great credit, suffice to say. And I think when he got a card, it was like $30,000. They gave him like a $30,000 credit limit on the total rewards card. And he wanted to get the bonus, and you know he likes to come here sometimes and get like free food and buffets with his girlfriend. So he kind of used it more than he should have, meaning like he went beyond just getting the bonus. But then he started going around town to like to get his prescriptions at Eckerd at Eckerd's and like you know, Smiths, and they kept rejecting him. And he'd get so embarrassed because they'd say, "Sorry, sir, do you have another card? This card has been declined." And this happened like. Did he seven ever find out times. why? No, 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 no clue. I mean. It's not like these were suspicious purchases. Weird. We're talking about, you know, his, his medicine, we're talking about his groceries. Um, we're talking about it happened twice at a restaurant in Las Vegas. So, it, you know, these are all local purchases, and there's nothing that would raise any suspicion. They're also purchases he's made in the past, and he got so embarrassed. And then, you know, after I think the fifth or sixth time this happened, and he called them and they said, we don't see anything in your account to indicate why it's being rejected. That he literally sent me a picture. He cut it up with a scissor into like 15 places, found the phone number for the address for Comedy Bank. And Comedy Bank is the bank that uh, yeah, they issue this, backs, yeah. Yeah, issues it. And he mailed it back to them in about 30 different pieces. Um, I mean, that's how pissed he was to take the time to do all that. And you know what? Like I said, I don't use my card a lot. I did use it to, you know, early to get the the – promotion and i use it like i said every two three months and when i stay here i'll use it just you know i don't know just so they see it's a i don't know i don't think it matters but i've never had a prompt never been rejected or anything but he's had it happen probably six seven eight times wow they must have a things chronic for, problem here with this with this bank for, with rejections yeah things things as cheap as like eight ten dollars like his like he's on um like just uh in our family we just have that i guess that gene if you call it that that we have like high cholesterol just just by nature, it's yeah, not yeah, that's that, that, no, that's usually how people get high. There's, there's a myth that uh, high cholesterol is because of your diet. That's that's usually not the case. You can have a terrible diet and good genes for cholesterol, and your cholesterol will be great. And you can have bad genes for cholesterol, and you can have the best diet possible, and your cholesterol can be terrible. That's that's what we have. Yeah. We, well, I mean, I, I mine is not as bad, but my dad eats great, but he his cholesterol is a little high, so he takes medicine. You know, and he's seventy yeah. seven years old. And he's in roughly, you know, very good health for seven years old. I mean, you know, still will climb a roof if he needs to. I mean, he's pretty active. Um, but anyway, yeah, so goes to get his medicine at, at Smith's or, at, you know, drugstore and they decline it. So so then yesterday, uh, I'm getting ready to play uh, the horse event. And I'll get to, to more of that in a second. And all of a sudden, there's a pounding on my room, on my door. And I'm what, told what, what that. What time is get, this? This was like around. 6.15 yesterday, okay. I think, 6.15 yeah. or so. And there's a pounding on my door, and I'm told I need to evacuate my room and just take my you know, take my valuables and leave everything else. So I just go into my safe. I get, you know, I get my money. I get, uh, I have like a little uh, 
it's like a little coach bag, but not like, I don't know what you call it, but I just keep like my credit cards, my passport, just things of, of importance in there. So I just basically grab all that out of the safe and my phone and that's it. And I, and I just take off. I don't know if it's, you know, the room is burning down. So then uh, I see everyone else on the floor too, getting, you know, there's like maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 security guards up here and everyone's running. And then I'm looking, I'm seeing like these Europeans. I'll send you a picture of this because I, I don't understand this. And they're grabbing pillows, like, but not their own pillows that they brought. They're grabbing the pillows from the bed with them. And I don't know if this is something cultural. but I, So I have this picture of all of us standing outside on Flamingo. Uh, that's where they escorted us out to the valet with the fire hazard. Um, <laughs> and uh, What time was this at? Uh, you know what? If you give me a second, I can look because I can just see on my phone when I text. Hold on, just give me one second. I'm going to look. Drop, 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 drop on my phone. You can see when I text him. Let's see. The question is, uh, you guys had to take the stairs or the elevator? No, the stairs, and I'm on the 43rd fucking oh. floor. Well, it, well, at least it's not a real 43rd. It's more like uh, about probably 20, yeah, 20 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say maybe if people took the elevator, maybe the whole thing was about um, someone slipped on the banana peel in the elevator. <laughs> All right. This was at this was at like six six thirty five yesterday is when this happened in the morning or no no in the evening in the evening okay. I was just like getting ready to shower and get ready and head down so, so you car- you caravan down the staircase with all these other people holding pillows yeah well I wasn't but they I'll send you the picture in a second well, they mean, all are taking they're all taking pillows <laughs> I start to, maybe, maybe they thought they were gonna have to sleep outside they needed a pillow I mean but yeah but but unless the the the, the, the Language barrier, you know, like the game in America, please get all your valuables and your portents, your children. You know, there's nothing said about getting pillows. So I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm downstairs with a bunch of people. Most of them are, are Europeans, not really a lot of Americans, and they all have their pillows. And no one's giving anyone information. Are you, now, were these hotel pillows? What if it was their pillows? That no, they... no, they're all the standard white. Okay, okay. Well, they're, yeah, they're, it was obvious. That's, that was what I was going to say. I mean, Maybe you know I could get it if there's some sentimental pillow or no, there were the p- pillows in the goddamn Augustus Tower. So, anyhow, uh, I assume this to be true. I don't know. I was down there for about uh, maybe an hour and forty five minutes or so, and then finally we were told it was safe to come right, back. So you were just standing down Flamingo for an hour forty five. Yeah. Oh boy. Now, of course, uh, you know. No one would give us an answer. When can we go back? Is, you know, all they would tell us is that we're, we're, we're safe. That's all they would say. <laughs> you're, so, you're safe. You're down the street. Hey, you're safe. Well, thank you for telling me. And I didn't, I didn't suspect it was a fire because I didn't smell any smoke and there were no alarms that went off. But then, again, it wouldn't really surprise me if there was a fire and, you know, the alarms didn't go off. So um, once we were close to being back uh, let in, I walked over to a security guard that was out there. And I asked, you know, I kind of became friends with him. I, mean, I told him, you know, hey, I, you know, I stay here all the time. I'm here for the World Series. This kind of started, you know, trying to build up a relationship with him just so I could find out what really was going on. So I just was curious. And what he had told me was not even on my floor, but somebody on the floor above me um, had locked himself in his room and was threatening to kill themselves. And I, I guess had a gun because the wife or some family or somebody had reported he had a weapon. And that was that was that was it. I mean, that was a reason why they just evacuated. I guess the top floor, the two floors above him, the two floors below him. Just uh, I really don't even know what that means. Like, you why sure? would they? 
Are you sure it wasn't Men the Master cooking rice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and again, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't even know if that's true. Um, I remember – this is really funny. This was back when I was friends with the Minister of Bitcoins. Um, and Asian Spa loves that reference, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I noticed but that. Anyhow, we were, we, were, we were somewhere and we happened to turn up on Tropicana and uh, we saw New York, New York. That's where New York, New York is on Tropicana and uh, uh, Las, <coughs> excuse me, Las Vegas Boulevard. And there was like eight ambulances in there. Um, this was in the morning, like at 10 in the morning. And there like 20 police cars, fire trucks. I mean, it, it looked like a goddamn war zone. This is New York, New York. So, of course, we were both curious. Um, so we called the hotel and they denied everything. Okay. And then, you know, we started looking on the internet and like in, and just trying to. Oh, yeah. We called, we called on radio about this. Yeah. Well, we, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then 30 minutes later, we found out the same thing that somebody actually had a gun. It was on the floor, like threatening people, and there was like a small hostage situation. But we continually called them, and okay, that's right. And we called them on radio, and because this went on for like eight, ten hours, it wasn't like this was resolved in an hour. And even on radio, they denied it. Yes, told us it was safe to come in to the casino and play. Okay, while this was still going on. Okay, I remember now. We did this on radio. That's right. And they just denied the whole entire thing. They yeah. wouldn't admit that. And besides that, they encourage you to come in and play. <laughs> Why not? So, again, my point is who knows what's true and what's not. That's what the security guard told me. Um, and uh, so then I finally got back up around maybe 8.15 or so, 8.30, I don't know, maybe even 8.45. I know I was at the Rio like around like, about 9.45 or so. Um, came upstairs, I showered real fast, and then just got my belongings and, and took a cab to the Rio. And you know what else I want to – you know, I'm just commentating on all this. I, I've, I've taken a lot of cabs. I've taken more cabs <clears throat> in the last uh, two weeks than I've taken the entire time I've lived here. The reason why is, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been staying. I, I was kind of throwing up a lot, so I'm coughing. I, I, I apologize, but just so you know. Um, anyhow, so I've been taking a lot of cabs because I've been staying at both the Bellagio and Caesars for the last two weeks just because – uh, it's very, very close. I live out in Summerlin, which is like 45 minutes away from the Rio, and it's just easier for me, you know, fighting traffic, and it's kind of like my little staycation. Like, you know, just I'm enjoying it. I'm, there's some friends that are here that I'm spending time with, so, and uh, to take a cab from the Rio, I'm sorry, to take a cab from uh, Bellagio or Caesars, it's literally six, it's between, the, the lowest I've paid is $5.83, and the highest has like been six seventy. And that starts with like your three dollar surcharge, and for me to like get my car, you know, out of valet, take it back, back and forth, and the try. I mean, it's just not worth for six bucks. Maybe you wouldn't do it, Druff. You know, maybe for me, it's, it's six bucks. It's it's just worth it. So, um, you know, just instead of having to move my car, wait for my car, and you know, plus actually, my car right now is at, at, at the Bellagio. I have a great spot. I feel like I'm a New Yorker. I got like a really great spot in the first level of the Bellagio. <laughs> I haven't moved my car since. I say, I have a great spot. I'm just going to keep it there forever. I'll just get another car. So, um, anyhow, what I've really noticed, and this is amazing, that the last, like, four out of the last five times I've gotten to a cab, the guy, the, the drivers, and I, once I've told him where I'm going, he said to me, well, look, I'm just not going to turn on the meter. You know, you just take care of me and, you know, we'll ah. be good. And I'm, I, you know, I'm just thinking, wow. Like, you know, the first time it happened, I'm like, okay, whatever. This guy's a little, you know, they're not making money. 
you know, because they are doing a lot of circling, like just a lot of Rio to Caesars, Rio to Bellagio, Rio to, you know, here. Um, but the last four to five times, they've never turned on the meter. And they've just asked me to give them five bucks. And that, which is, you know, approximate what the fare is. And they're like, will you give me five bucks? I won't even turn on the meter. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And like, give them a couple, like, give them two or three dollars extra. So they, they must not own their cabs. They must be working for the company and they don't want to. They all work for, no, none of them own the cabs. No, okay. no, no. These are all like, um, the cabs out here, at least here in these casinos, it's the majority of them are yellow cab, western cab, and then there's another one I can't think of. But I mean, that's, there, there's thousands of them. Yeah, but so yellow, no, the, yellow all, cab in, in some places, they it's just a loose affiliation yeah, of people who own their own cabs. Yeah, all the, owner drivers where they, but no, these are just all employees, all employees. And then I had a guy, listen to this. I had a guy who really tried to fuck me. Druff, you would have loved this. Uh, a guy picks me up. Uh, this was the two nights ago, the Deuce to Seven tournament. You said uh, we mentioned I was in Raz. It wasn't Raz. It was Deuce to Seven. That's right, Deuce to Seven. That's right. And I'll talk about that later. A guy picks me up at Rio, and I say to him, he asks me where I'm going, and I say to him, Caesar's West Flamingo Valet, which is like 1.4 miles away. What does this guy do? He starts driving down Flamingo. What does he do, Druff? He gets on motherfucking I-15. <laughs> okay, turns left, and I say, whoa. I said, I made it clear to you, Caesars, West Flamingo, you know, and even if he was going anywhere else, there's either easier ways to, to get to the main yes, valet. Yes. So, and I said to him straight up, I'm like, I'm not paying this. I'm like, it's $5.86 because well, now we're on the highway. So now we're talking like a $20 cab or I just circle yeah, back yeah. around and, and he starts giving me this whole, oh, I just moved here from Hawaii. I've never been. I don't know what you're talking about, like in a Hawaiian accent. And I didn't buy it. Hundred percent, the guy thought I was just some stupid motherfucker, you know that that, and, and he he went on the highway, and I was livid. I didn't know if we were gonna have to call the police because I was not gonna pay it. But no, you can actually, you know, there's recourse here. My this happened to my brother many years ago. My brother and and his friend, uh, they they landed at the airport, and of course, you know, they were assumed to be idiot tourists who don't know the difference. So they they said from the airport. Don't go on the freeway. I forgot what the hotel they were going to, but whatever it was, it was one that going to the freeway was definitely very wrong. So the guy says, the guy kind of just ignores them, and they go, "Don't go on." And they said, "You heard us, right? Don't go on the freeway." And he's kind of grunt, uh-huh. and then, and then uh, as this, he starts approaching the freeway, they said, "We said don't go on the freeway." He says, "Oh, freeway quicker, freeway quicker," and then they, so he gets on it. Of course, it, it's far more than it should have been. And uh, and they get at the end, and um, I think they paid it at the time. Obviously, left him no tip, but they took his information down off the, off the license, filed a complaint with the city, and the city then mailed them to California an affidavit with a lineup, a photo lineup of four cab drivers, and they had to identify him. And the thing was, they looked kind of alike, and they were all Middle Eastern, and he they he had a they had a hard time. Remembering exactly what the guy looked like, but they took their best guess. They signed the affidavit about what happened. Turned out they did guess it correctly. It was the person they identified there. You know, if they got it wrong, the whole thing would have been dropped. But uh, the, um, basically, they took them at their word, and uh, they sent him a letter back saying, "Thank you. The individual identified is the one you complained about." You know, and um, our hearing committee has fined the cab driver two hundred fifty dollars. And they, they felt very satisfied. They they didn't get any money out of that, but they were very satisfied that this this asshole who just ignored them, ignored their directions not to get on the freeway and did, and then um, would never admit any fault and forced them to pay the whole fare, 
that he had to pay a two hundred fifty dollar fine. So at least there's a happy ending. Yeah. So I I was livid, and then, and I think he must have known that he was trying to scam me because he didn't put up a fight. I told him I'm giving you five bucks, and that's all you're going to get. And he said that he would eat the rest because it was his mistake. But I don't I don't buy that. Yeah, he's going to eat the rest. Yeah. I mean, what what a choice does he have? I mean, yeah. I made it clear where I want to go, and he could not justify. Well, yeah, he could. He, the problems he knows he could get fined this two hundred fifty dollars if if you uh, if yeah. you pursue this. You can't justify taking I fifteen north when Caesars is on the same road that that I'm on. Yeah, the highway, and I made it clear where I wanted to go. And what, what's interesting from this thing that my brother went through is. You know, this guy could have denied everything and said these tourists don't know what they're talking about. They didn't know where they were going. But basically, the attitude they seem to take at this uh, board that uh, that the watchdog board for the taxi cabs is uh, they they basically take the attitude of we believe the complaint as long as you can identify the person properly. Whatever you say, we believe, and we find the guy based on that. So so definitely, provided they're still handling it the same way. Uh, he probably would have gotten the same fine, and that's why he was probably so afraid to screw with you at that point. Yeah. So uh, that happened, and then just to uh, – I was listening a little bit right when I woke up on uh, my iPhone or radio, so I do want to correct you, or not actually correct you, just add some more information. You were accurate. I am <clears throat> unfortunately uh, one for seven. I could be worse. Daniel Grano now is one for 26. So. Did you really play twenty six out of the thirty five events? Or yep. Wow! Yep. Wow! Yeah, yeah. I, I like oh, the so. I like the one. This is how bad I run. The one he cashes in out of twenty six freaking events is the one that I play where he sits to my left on day two and beats me in every hand. And he didn't get a big cash in that one either. He got he cashed like you know uh, pseudo min cash, kind of like a few thousand more. But he, he cashed like nine k in a three k event. But but of course that's the only event he runs decent in is the one time I end up next to him. And his other 25 events, he runs awful. That was the uh, 3K limit, right? Yes, yes. Was he was he cold calling a lot pre-flop? No, he, he played fine. He was. Uh, okay. I didn't see anything wrong with his play there. I, I, I wasn't with him, that long. I, but... played with, I played with him for about two hours um, in the Deuce to Seven tournament. I actually played a bunch of pots with him. And uh, he played fine. I mean, he made some actually really good laydowns. He, uh, he folded uh, – well, I don't know how many people know anything about – Used to seven, but he folded in, in eight seven, which a lot of people aren't going to fold. Um, when I was pat and I had position on him and I raised him, um, and he he folded in eight seven. He showed he turned you know turned the cards face up. Um, but anyhow, I, I I'm one for seven. I cashed in the horse tournament. Uh, I was forty first out of eight hundred ninety something people, a little less than nine hundred. I finished forty first, but as Everyone here knows forty first. You might as well have finished ninetieth. And you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I went up the pay scale a little bit, but I ended up cashing. It was only three thousand nine hundred ninety one dollars. Forty first out of eight hundred ninety. Um, and even the final table ninth only paid twenty two thousand. So yeah, I mean, that's, I'm that's just why saying tournaments are so irritating. Huh? That's why tournaments are so irritating. That's just uh, you know you can know. you can run well for so long you can win most of the hands you play and at cash where you would have ended up having a great session uh, you either don't cash at all or, or cash moderately. So so this is what happened since uh, after that I had I think a day off then I played the deuce to seven I registered late as was you know as I heard you talk about and uh, I built up a stack I actually probably. Uh, 
I busted the last level of the night again with about ten minutes left. Yeah, that so seems, to, like be, that seems 15, to be your thing. 15, huh? You see, that seems to be your thing this year, just busting like the last level with minutes left of the day. I bust. I busted three tournaments within fifteen minutes to two minutes left of the night. <laughs> and again, both times I could have obviously just folded to make the day two, but it, it to me. It's not. It's no badge of honor, like no. you know. And I don't want to go back with thirty six hundred or sixteen hundred just because I'm folding hands. I could play. Yeah, I I never try not to make day two, and I never try to make two. Well, no, I, 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 I just play normally. Okay, an example was like in the limit event where I literally busted minutes before. I had ace queen suited. Okay, and and I could have. Uh, I was actually in the big blind. I think it'd be big or small or something. I know that I could have just waited around and not played that hand and made day two. But I'm not going to fold. No, why? Queen. Why? That would be stupid. Exactly. That's my point, right? And and, the, and then there was another. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, the Deuce to Seven tournament. Uh, I started out with 7,500 in chips, and I actually had about 33,000 um, at one point. Now, again, the blinds were high; they were 1,224. Um, and this is like the plays like a stud game. There's an extra street versus like hold'em. There's more. There's one extra street, so you know you have to always you know consider that. Like stud games play higher than hold'em games because there's an extra street of betting. Um, and uh, I know for a fact that I mean that was a huge sack, and uh, I had that with two levels left. I accumulated all that in my first two levels of play, and I had two levels left. And just walking around the room, just I, I just knew I, mean, I was a top five stack easily. And then the next two hours, I did not win a single hand. And uh, the, I, I know the answer, you know, unless someone can really convince me otherwise and tell me um, I didn't play loose. I, I played exactly the same way I was playing to accumulate chips. I was um, making sure that if I was raising that, that I had strong hands. If, if I was only drawing one, if I was like under the gun. Or a middle position, I, you know. I, I, I mean, I was playing very, very well. Um, like I wouldn't just raise and draw like three cards, like some people were, like <clears throat> under the gun <clears throat> or under the gun plus two. Even in late position, I wasn't like raising, drawing three, like some people were. Um, but there are a number of hands where I was dealt four to a wheel, uh, and, and a wheel, which is the nuts in uh, deuce to seven, is seven five four three deuce. So I'd get a, a deuce three four five, I'd get a seven four three two, I'd get amazing hands, and then you basically, you know, there's a round of betting before, like when you first get your cards, and a round of betting after the first draw, the second draw, and then the third draw. So since I'm only drawing one card, if I'm drawing to the nuts, I'm gonna get one card three times to improve, and you know, you get a queen, you get a jack, you pair, you get a king. There's not, you know, there's nothing you can do. And then other people are pat, you know, especially if it's a multi-way pot, like with two or three people standing pat, you know, there's no way that, that I mean, a pair isn't winning, a queen isn't winning, you yeah. have to fold. So the thing that was running through my mind is I definitely had enough chips that I could have cruised into day two and I probably would have been like top 10, top 15 in chips. But if I'm going to sit there and fold hands that are strong, strong hands and unluckily I, I, I kept bricking and bricking and bricking – as I mentioned this in that huge Raz hand that I lost in the horse, then I shouldn't be playing at all because I'm not playing to just try to advance as best as possible. I'm playing to try to get as many chips as I can and and make a deep run. I'm not trying to just min cash and survive. So 
that's what happened. Um, you know, I, I was getting these monster hands, but anyone that knows Deuce to Seven knows how frustrating a game is. When when you're hitting when you're hitting your lows and, and you're drawing great, it's it's such a fun game and you can go in such a rush, but when you're continually bricking and you get four to the nuts and, and, and somebody's drawing three and they end up making an eight and you know, you you're drawing to a seven perfect and you just get jack, pair, queen, and you just can't play on any you know, you have to fold, you can't play it. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah. And literally, I think it was the first time I ever played in any tournament where I went literally a little over two and a half hours almost, and I did not win one single pot. Two and a half hours of playing. Not one pot. Nothing. Right. Um, and I had some huge, huge hands dealt to me. Um, and then uh, it, it's amazing. The last level of the night, Greg Raymer came to my table, and he played every hand – he played awful, and of course, you know he he was claiming he was he's this great deuce to seven player, but uh, I mean he was like drawing, he was like raising and drawing like three cards, which is just awful. <laughs> you don't do that. Like he'd have a deuce yeah. three in his hand, and he's raising, and then like on the discards, he's discarding three cards, and he's making like an eight, he's making like a, a nine that you know ends up being good, and he was just doing this over and over, and then finally that kind of play caught up with him yesterday on day two. He was a chip leader after day one. It was in, you know wow. the entire tournament. Then um, yesterday, that kind of play finally caught up with him, and he just started getting crushed. And and you know he, he I don't think he might have cashed, but but I mean, he had a lot of chips. Like I said, he was uh, I think it started with three hundred something people, but there are only like eighty or eighty people left after day one. I mean, we they lost a lot of people just because you know there's there weren't a lot of people in there, and the blinds are really high because of that extra and that extra street you're betting. It just it can go it goes a lot faster. So. Um, yeah, I played with him for a while, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, it's the first time I, I played with him more than a few minutes. I've, I've been at his table and other times. I, I don't like him. I thought he was really cocky. Because I don't like people that they're playing, and then he starts giving other people advice on how to play, and he's just he was acting really arrogant. Hmm. Like he just was like this great player, and he's you know telling people like he's critiquing their play, not being rude, but like, well, you should do this, you should have done that. But I don't like that. Well, you should have. You should have asked him. You should have asked him if. Uh, I know. I know. You know, I, know. And you, I, I just. I couldn't. I, <laughs> no, I no. I'm saying you should. I, you should have said, let's, "Let's go out and get some hookers later." He could I, give you some I advice know, there I too. I, I know. I thought about it. I, I, no, I wasn't serious. I'm saying if, if he wants to give advice, that's where he's really got the expertise. I I got my first penalty in that tournament. Oh really? <laughs> so I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to uh, say anything. Uh, you know anything further that might have gotten me another penalty, or and what ended up happening? And I, I, I kind of feel bad, but I don't at the same time. Um, I don't ever berate dealers. I'm not the kind of person that blames them like some people do. Um, you know, if if I get a bad beat or if I'm just getting bad cards, I, you know, some people yell, shuffle them up, or you know, do this, watch them better. You know, or they yell at them, thanks, dealer. Like you know, if if they brick or and I, I don't ever do that. I, I don't. I mean, I was in this industry. For a long time, and I know the dealers cannot control the cards. People think they can, but they but they can't. I mean, there's a standard, you know, wash is a standard way that they have to shuffle. Um, every casino has a house set way that the that the dealers have to shuffle the cards. So I mean, I, and, and I know all this. So, but what ended up happening is I was at a table, and uh, this was my second table. And this is in the Deuce to Seven tournament, and. Um, there's a dealer, and he. I mean, I, I understand a lot of these dealers have never dealt deuce to seven before. Um, 
you know, but that's not my fault. You know, I'm paying $1,500. You know, I expect the game to be dealt as best as possible. And there was a dealer there, and he was constantly rushing and going too fast. He was forgetting the burn cards. Um, he, he made a number of mistakes, which which caused misdeals. And, you know, people were, like, starting to get frustrated, and, and the floor had to be called over four or five times. He was just going too fast. So there was a hand where it was in a, uh, a, a raised pot, and I'm sorry, no, it wasn't a race pie. It was an, it was a hand where he was dealing. And I got dealt the nuts, which is very, very hard to get dealt. I got dealt a wheel. Deuce three, four, five, seven, yep. which is you cannot lose. The worst thing that can happen, and that's still very rare, although it happened once in that tournament for me, is that you can tie with somebody. But it's the absolute nuts. And I got dealt that, which is very rare. I don't know the math and the probability of, of how often, but um, I mean, it, it's it's several hundred to one easily. So I got dealt that, but you know, first card, deuce. Second card, three. Second card, four. Second card, five. Then the fifth card he deals to me. He lackadaisically throws it up and, not, and doesn't pitch it right because he's trying to go too fast. And what happens? It hits, it, it hits the felt, turns over, and it's exposed. Okay, and I said to him, you need to slow the fuck down, okay, and take your time because you're influencing the game now. And because I said I need you need to slow the fuck down, that's exactly what I said. He called the floor, <laughs> and the floor determined that I was abusive. And those were my exact words. I just said you need to slow the fuck down and concentrate and deal the game right. We paid a lot of money for this, and you shouldn't be, you know, interfering with with what the action should be because of your mistakes. And this was like his fifth mistake. He had forgotten several times a burn. Um, and there were several other mistakes and this was in, in like a 20, 30 minute down. It wasn't like he was there for three hours. Floor came over, told me I had to get up, uh, for one round, which is, uh, you were playing this game six handed. So it wasn't like I was gone for forever, but so I got my first penalty. That's my first penalty I've ever gotten ever at a world series. Yeah. I, my only penalty ever was in the main event day six. That's the worst time to get it. Yeah. I remember that. That was brutal. So that's what happened in. Um, again, my question, I, I don't know how much you guys can answer me because I guess it's different because you're both limit hold'em kings. But in a situation like that where I've accumulated a lot of chips very, very early, I mean, I can't I can't imagine that, th- that there's logic just to lock it up and, and not play strong, you know, strong no. chance No, you know, for the sake of having a strong stack going into day two because the same thing could happen in day two. No, I mean, no, no, no. It's nothing to lock up. In fact – what I do when I accumulate a strong stack in these limit tournaments, I just uh, I say I'm going to go into tight aggressive mode now. I'm going to tighten up what I'm opening with and fold more preflop, and also as far as defending the blinds, get a little tighter, but but not be afraid to play hands that I'm supposed to play. Just go right. just be, become like a, a tight aggressive player is what I become. That's what I did, and you know what? Out of every tournament I've played so far, even the horse. Where if I would have won that RAS pot, that huge RAS pot, um, and we're five tables left, and I would have been definitely top two or three in chips, this actually hurt more because it was just so frustrating that I had I, I accumulated so many chips and ran so well, and then it all just came tumbling down, and there, there was no tilt involved. Um, I played perfectly, perfectly, you know, as best as I can possibly play, but... Again, anyone that's listening that knows these games, these draw games, knows you know you have four to the best hand, and if you just brick 
and, and, you know, pair and get, you know, get an ace, get kings, get queens. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You have to catch the cards. Yep. And, and, you know, there's, there's situations where like it's called snow in, in deuce of seven where sometimes somebody will pat with garbage when you're in position and just hope the other person pairs or, you know, or bricks. And then you're, you know, you're just, you're representing that you have a made hand and you don't. But you can't do that when there's two or three or four people in the pot. You can do that with one person, but chances are somebody, especially when there's so much in the pot, is going to make a nine or even a ten, or if not an eight, and they're going to call you. So you can't like – do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like sometimes somebody could just – You know know what's the equivalent? You know what's the hold them equivalent is where if if you – if it's like limp, 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 and you have ace three suited and you raise on the button and call, 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 and then the board comes uh, queen, jack, eight. You, you don't even bother to bet the flop, even if it checks to you, because there's no way all three people pe- people missed Queen Jack Eight. So, so you just and there's nowhere for Ace Three to go. So you just check and give up. You just say, "I, right, I, I can't." Exactly. Yeah, but but there, it, it, but that's one of the intricacies of Deuce to Seven, where in certain spots you can snow. Yeah, and and represent that you have a made hand, and you have to hope the other person, you know, just you know, and then a lot of it is you have to look at what what you know discards are. Like if you have an eight and a seven in your hand, and Say you say you do this after the second hand. You've drawn. You've you've gotten another seven. So you know at least two of the sevens are out. So it's a less likely chance he makes a hand. I mean, does that kind of make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Because you know the cards you're discarding, so you know they're out of play. Um. So, but but you can really only do that in heads up situations for the most part because when you're like you mentioned with with the limit hold'em uh situations, it's basically the same thing where you just have to give up if you don't make a hand. You know so. Um, very frustrating. That by, by far the seven events I played, that was the most frustrating one because I ran so well and I got so many chips, and then I went literally two and a half hours without winning one pot, and and then you know I I, I was busted, and uh, it just it, 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 I was primed for a deep run, and I also love that game. I mean that's that's just a, a, one of my favorite games. It's a fun game. A lot of people don't know how to play it right. Like I said, people are calling raises out of the big blind. They're drawing four. People are raising, you know, in early position. They're drawing three. I mean, it, that is not the right way to play that game. And there are a lot of people playing it badly, but there's just nothing I could do. So out of the seven events, that was definitely the most frustrating. Um, so, but you know what? It, it, you know, like I've told you before, uh, I'm enjoying myself this summer. You know, I'm not putting pressure on myself. I, I'm playing great. Uh, I just, think the only tournament I probably didn't play as good as I could have was uh, the second tournament, which was a colossal event. That was literally the day that my, my friend passed away, and I really didn't want to be there, but I decided you know, I, I was going to go anyhow. I didn't play bad, but I just didn't want to be there, and I wasn't into it. But other than that, I, I, I'm being honest. I played great this summer. Just bad um, luck. I, just bad luck. Huh? Just bad luck. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> So, but anyhow, so that's that's what's gone on with me, and uh, you know, then la- last night, of course, after your suggestion of getting something, I didn't even think about it. I called and I got a, a, a credit for my inconvenience, and 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 what what did you eat that got you sick? Do you know? Yeah, I ate. Uh, it was an Asian dish. Uh-oh. It was. Hold on. Um, hold on one second. I got. I've gotten sick off an Asian dish at a casino before too. That kind of sounds like the most likely to get sick from for some reason. Right. Yeah. What it was. Okay. I'm just opening the menu. So I'm just going to read the description of it. It's from their Asian menu. And it was, it's called black pepper filet. 
cost $38, and it came with asparagus, um, like this black bean sauce, white rice, onions, and like and red peppers, green peppers, and not to be gross, uh, have either one of you ever had food poisoning? Yes. Okay, so you kind of know what it is I gave it to you, if you get my drift. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what it is, because when it, you know... How, ends up leaving your body. I mean, you know what I, you know what it is. Well, how quickly did you get the symptoms after you ate? Uh, I started. I started not feeling great. Maybe two or three hours, four hours afterwards. But then, about ten hours after that, it was all just like fever, sweating. Uh, I mean, just yeah. really bad. I ended up falling asleep last night at uh, four in the morning. I woke back up at eight, sick to my stomach, and then. When all was said and done, I didn't get back up until 8 o'clock again tonight or whenever I text you. I literally just walk, rolled out of bed. Now, are you sure it's not like a stomach flu? No, I feel fine now because it's, it's all – I mean I don't feel fine. I feel weak because I haven't eaten No, no, but, no, no, but it, that goes away in about one day usually, even the terrible well, one you I know had. What? I mean I don't know. It could be, but I got all right. of that. All of that stuff came out of my system. And right. then since it's all been out of my system, I feel better now except for I just feel weak because I haven't right. eaten now in, in quite some time. And I, I don't really have an appetite. When we're done, I'm actually going to uh, get in my car and go to go to Smith's. Uh, shout out to Rubble and um, <laughs> get some get some healthy get some fruit, get some healthy groceries, get some more Gatorade, and, and maybe even uh, some ramen noodles or some kind of soup that I can make and just heat up some water or something and, and eat something light just to put some food in me. But hey, you know what? I'm here doing radio. I'm a fucking trooper. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't worry about it. if you're not hungry. Don't worry about the food. You can go. You can go a long time without eating. Without it being unhealthy, it's it's the okay. drinking you have to do. The, the eating yeah. doesn't have, matter much. I have uh, two Gatorades right here, and if I have to, I'll just go on the mini bar since I do have eight dollars left on my folio. Um, but yeah, I'm just weak from not eating. But um, you know what? Like I said, I, I uh, I'm a survivor. I wanted to come on here. Yeah, and... I, I was impressed. At first, I thought you just kind of disappeared on me, and then no, and then uh, but then Those I thought. But then I thought that I said, oh, okay, when I heard what happened, I said, wow, this is actually impressive because (sighs) when I don't feel good, I've kind of just decided I'm not doing radio if I don't feel good. And uh, here you have this. You know what? I don't mean to sound all sentimental, but I've gotten so much support from this community, even making like a semi-deep run and just in every tournament I play and people coming up to me at the Rio and just saying how great radio is with, with... you know, you and I and you know, with Mark as well and just so much support that I, I felt like, you know, I don't want to let people down. I mean, I've gotten a lot of love and it, it's amazing. I mean, come on. I'm only from 40 handed or whatever, you know, to a, to a bracelet and I'm just my Twitter is blowing up and it's all just PFA users. So I, I owe it to them. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, it's, it's, like, David, it's like David Lee Roth going back oh, with Van Halen. Let me say something else. I've seen a. <laughs> Just before I forget, because my like I said, my mind isn't great just from not eating. Um, I've seen David Skolansky probably uh, maybe seven or eight times in this World Series. He hasn't. I don't even know if he rec- recognizes me still. But I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think he has cancer. Um, he does not look well. Yeah, I've noticed that the last times he I've seen. So, I, he is so frail. That's what I thought. But um, I didn't see him this year. I saw him like last year and the year before, I mean, and I thought the same thing. He, I. I uh, I was with Jeannie, and I pointed him out, and Jeannie didn't even recognize him. She said, "Holy shit!" He he, when uh, when I knew him back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I was actually at his house once, uh, 
and he bench pressed because he, he was he was yeah. always like you know just his ego's huge. So he had to show me that he could bench press. I think it was like two hundred pounds or maybe two hundred twenty five pounds at his age, and he was kind of. I mean, he wasn't built, but you know, he uh, he had some weight on him, and he he was in in good health for his age, you know, for being in his early sixties. He looks like a skeleton. Maybe he weighs one hundred twenty pounds now at at the most. He is so frail. His jeans are sagging off him. I mean, his arms are frail. I mean, he does not look well. I know there's been nothing posted. I'm actually surprised. I would have thought maybe on one of the other sites. Somebody that had seen him would have reported it, but he does not look well. Mm. And he kind of looks like that he has cancer and he's been going through chemotherapy and, and that's why he's lost the weight yeah, and his, yeah. his hair, even though he was kind of balding before, even more hair is gone. Um, and again, for all that we've been through, I, you know, I don't wish him any ill will. I hope that if, if that, if he is sick, you know, he, he, you know, it, it's fine and he, and he gets cured or maybe he's already been cured, but, uh, he, he doesn't look healthy. He looks very sickly. He looks like a ghost. So, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's sixty-seven years old. So, yeah. Actually, I saw him on a podcast a couple months ago. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I mean, he looked skinny. Like he had weight. I I just googled like some old pictures of him, and you know, he was just like no no you know normal looking, like full face. But I think I do remember when I saw him on that. On that, um, it was a YouTube podcast, so you could see him, and he was—he looked kind of skinny. His face is very gaunt, um, and like I said, he probably weighed about 190 pounds. And you know, the last up until maybe even like a couple years ago, now I'd be surprised if he's more than 120 pounds. And he's a tall guy; he's not like you know, he's five foot seven, eight. He's probably about six foot tall. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but he does not look healthy. He doesn't look well. And then I read, uh, something this morning, a couple of things. I don't know. Did, did you guys talk about, uh, Kirk Kevorkian? No, we're gonna do that a little bit, uh, a little bit later. We didn't get to talk to them about that much. So you're, you're here for, uh, okay. you know, it, it takes an hour to introduce the show. So yeah. and then admit- Celine Dion's husband, he's on his deathbed too now. Oh, I didn't know about that. I don't know if you read about no, that. I didn't know about that. Yeah. He's, uh, in a hospital in Boston and he's unable to eat. Or drink or talk, and he's been on a feeding tube now for about two months. Jeez. So he's not getting out of there. And uh, the only reason why I bring that up, maybe people really probably don't know this, but he, uh, or I mean, some people do, but he's been a fixture in the local Vegas poker scene now for a better part of 15 years. I knew, I knew people who were getting, who were bribing floor men to get calls when he would show up to the game. Well, you know what? I don't know how accurate that is because, um, I looked yesterday when I read about this because I just I played with him many many times. I probably played maybe ten tournaments with him. He has close to a million dollars in winnings, um, yeah. and he's kind of like a grinder. Like he used to play those Bellagio thousand dollar tournaments a lot when they used to have those. And he I don't know. Those. I'm just telling. I know people. Who, I know someone okay. who personally was doing it. So I, I've never yeah, pl- I've never played with him, so I, I can't comment on his play. But I can tell he you, he was this. another. He was another guy like Jerry Buss where he just loved to play poker. And a lot of the tournaments I played with him back in the day, um, he'd play in like $350 Venetian tournaments. Yeah. With Jerry, with Jerry Buss, when I played with him, I was very surprised, too, that he was like weak tight, which is totally what I didn't expect. That, from. That's from... exactly how Renee plays, too. Same exact style. But, I mean, he's cashed in numerous 10K and, and even a 25K WPT, and he's got close to a million dollars in lifetime earnings. 
Um, he's he's made. I think he made one World Series final table. So maybe he's a fish, but I mean, it doesn't. You know, it. it I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I I guess what I what I was confused about by your comment was. Why would people want to know if he's in a tournament? Because no, 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 no. I'm talking about the cash games that Belagio. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I've never seen him play a cash game. I didn't even know he played cash. This, this was a long time ago, so maybe he doesn't anymore. Yeah, but um, yeah. So anyhow, uh, that was very surprising. But he's played in a lot of tournaments, cashed in a lot of WSOP events, um, and he's won a lot of. He's won like I think I saw like five or six Venetian deep stacks. So some of he them played- were like. He played a ton, like, during the poker boom. He was, like, every tournament he played just about, I think, right? I mean, yeah. he was yeah. in a lot of cash games, too, so, I mean. I've never seen him play cash. Never. Hmm. Um, it is is actually a, a funny story, though. I, I uh, A friend of mine, Bob Loria, um, one day we were at two tables. We were playing. It was a horse tournament at the Venetian, like a $500 horse tournament, and we were, there were two tables left. And he put a terrible beat on Bob, Renee did, and Bob didn't know who he was, and he just unleashed on him. He's like, you suck. How? And Bob kind of has a hot temper. He's like, how can you call there? Like, that's just the worst. And then, you know, I'm like, no, that's Celine Dion's husband. And, you know, he started laughing about it. And, you know, what? his benefit, and I've seen other people kind of say this to him because he's not a great player, at least in, like, mixed games, and that's all I've really played with him. Um, guy never says a word. I mean, he doesn't like if someone bad. I've, I've seen him get bad mouthed many times by by. And I again, we've talked about this too. I don't think that's right. You don't ever tell fish how awful they play. I mean, it's it's terrible for poker. Um, but he's also somebody that if you sit at a table him with him all day long for eight ten hours, he's not even going to say a word. Even when he like he doesn't even say raise. He doesn't say fold. I mean, he does everything you know by by his movement of chips. He doesn't talk. I don't think I've ever heard him heard him talk, and I've played, like I said, at least ten tournaments with him over the years. Never talks, doesn't talk, doesn't say nice hand. I mean, doesn't doesn't say. I mean, doesn't talk, doesn't say a word. Hmm. Maybe part of it was because of a throat cancer, and he doesn't want to talk a lot. I mean, I don't know. Hmm. He's been battling this throat cancer now for twenty years, but uh, still, nonetheless, it's, it's sad. He's got like two six year olds, I think, and like a fourteen year old, and that's the uh, problem with having kids that late. That's the problem. Yeah. You, well, always... if you remember. The first kid he had, they had cancer, and before he had the chemotherapy and the treatment, he had uh, his sperm frozen and you know the eggs frozen, so that, so they'd be able to have a child, uh, you know, later on if if God forbid, you know, things didn't turn out right, or I don't know, you know, with his reproductive system. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has a six-year-old. He's seventy, I think he's seventy-four, um, and that's yeah, I agree. I, it's not even just a problem. I think. I think it's just morally wrong and insensitive to have a child. Like I remember when I saw like Tony Bennett had like a child when he was like close to 80. And I'm like thinking, why would you do this? You have to another example. I mean, why would you want to do, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, I mean, at best you're going to be like decrepit when they're just in high school. You know what I mean? But there's no chance you're going to see them get married or, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't get it. I guess maybe it's ego. But they can prove that that you know they can still get a woman pregnant, that they can still get hard. I mean, I, they can still have sex. I don't. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know why anybody in their 80s would want to have a child. Well, here, here's I've mentioned this before. I just always think this is so weird. Um, the man who Clark County is named for is uh, his name was William Andrews Clark. 
He was born in 1839. Okay, and he was the one Clark County is named for. His daughter, and keep in mind, he's born in 1839, January 1839. His daughter was alive in 2011. Think about that one. Think of someone being alive in 2011 who had a father born in 1839, more than 20 years before the Civil War. When? 1839? 1839. This is a fact. You can look it up. So William he must have a- had a kid when he was like 70, and they must have lived to like 100 yes, or something. Yes, she lived to 104. He had her when he was 67. So right. I, I'm pretty sure that at the time she died, or right before she died, that she had the earliest born father of anyone on earth by far i mean how how, how could anyone in 2011 have a father born in 1839 amazing 1839 well, this may be an inter- interesting uh, or a good segue into the next segment because i was reading yesterday when i heard that kirk kerborkian had died that he had gotten married in uh i think it was 1999 uh, or maybe it was, a, yeah, I think it was 1999 or 1988 to a woman named Lisa. I do not know her last name, but she was a former tennis pro. And they had a child. And it turned out that it wasn't, that she had cheated on him and it wasn't, he wasn't the biological father. Yet it was reported, and this is like in the Wall Street Journal and, and the, the AP, that he still was paying, that he was still ordered to pay child support. Hmm. And I thought that was really odd. And I, yeah, and why I didn't you get a thinking, DNA test? I'm sorry? What, what about a DNA test? Well, no, the DNA test proved it wasn't his kid. <sighs> I don't understand so, that. So they were married. I mean, you could read, anyone could just Google and read about it because actually it's included in, in you know, every article that they had about his, his legacy. And um, but I found that very odd and I, I didn't understand. Do we live in a world now that if a woman cheats on a man and has a kid and you're married to the man that you cheated on? That the man is responsible for taking care of that child? I mean, I've never heard of this. You do sign a form. If you're married, you don't think you have to sign it. But when, when I was – when Benjamin was born, since I was not married to Benjamin's mom, I had to sign a form that I acknowledge that this baby's mine and that I am agreeing to take financial responsibility for it. So maybe he signed something like that. But if he was married to her, I don't think they make married couples sign it. Maybe they do. But I, I assume they just brought me to sign that because they – didn't want any, you know, that's something they do for unmarried couples just to prevent uh, child support disputes in the future. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about Kirk uh, Kikorian a little bit later. Brandon, I want to ask you about the, what do you think of the Modiano or Modiano playing cards they're using this year? What do you, what's your opinion of the cards themselves? I think they're absolute crap. That's what everybody thinks. Uh, so, I, and I, You know, I don't get this. I don't know how many World Series now. Has there, I mean, you remember the obviously the the one World Series where you couldn't tell the sixes and nines apart. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the, I just don't get what are they doing? Why can't we get good cards? Good because quality? they they always this is the problem. I I okay in two thousand seven they those were the infamous Jeffrey Pollock cards, which actually had Jeffrey Pollock's signature. He was then the director of the World Series or, or the uh, tournament director. Uh, he he. He actually had his signature on the cards in a colossal move of arrogance. And these were these terrible, what well, they were called, Poker Peak cards. Now, the funny thing is Negranu is going off about how terrible these Modiano cards are. And then he said, oh, it reminds me of the Poker Peak days back in 07 with Jeffrey Pollock's name on it. You know, how'd they let that happen? Well, 
he was at fault too, Negreanu, because he was on a player committee then that approved these cards. They actually had a player advisory committee, and somehow they these players, they ran it by them. Oh, here's the cards. Oh, all right, looks fine to me. And they all signed off on it. And then first tournament of the year, everyone's like, these are awful. And I, I noticed that too right away. The sixes and nines were very hard to tell apart because they were, they were kind of like numbers all over the place. And the six and the nine, uh, it, it wasn't always like on the same side of the card. So you look and it's like a six in one place and nine in another is very hard to tell. They were terrible cards back in 07. Uh, so they, in the middle of the series, they switched back to regular cards. Uh, this year they switched companies and I have to imagine, I think in 07, they just thought they were being too clever for their own good and came up with a, a new form of card that they thought would make it easier to see and it actually made it harder. This year, I think it was a marketing partnership that they went bad. I think this, uh, Mariano card, they, they obviously paid a lot of money. Have you seen on the felt at the world series? It actually says there's like yes. a big ad for Mariano cards on there. Yes. So it, how bad are they? Like, are they, I, I've heard like. If you're sitting across the table and you look like you can barely tell the spades from the clubs, maybe too. that's the biggest so. problem. Is, is you can barely see the spades and the clubs as far. You have to look really carefully because the uh, the clubs are not defined well enough and start to blend in with the spades unless you look really carefully. And an- another problem I found that hasn't been mentioned: the seven is really funny. The seven is almost like someone didn't completely draw the seven. It's like right. they they stopped drawing it, so it looks weird. It's not so much that I confuse it for something else, but I just I look and I don't see a seven. I go, what, what was that I just saw? And I got to look again. And like I guess that's a tell. If you see someone like repeatedly looking, it's probably they have a seven in their hand. And if they raise, it's probably a good chance they have pocket sevens. But uh, yeah, this also a complaint is that ironically, with all the issues of marked cards this year, that they accidentally get marked, that they're not sturdy, that they get scratched very easily, and that they they had to keep replacing decks, and in one event, I think it may have been Raz, they they were finding so many marks on the cards, and people weren't doing it intentionally, they finally just gave up and said, okay, we're just going to play with marked cards. One thing I, I also don't understand is, why don't casinos go to four-color decks? It's like the stupidest thing ever. Like I just don't understand. Yeah, it would be good, but for some reason in live poker, nobody wants to do that. It's just like it, it just distinguishes everything so much easier. Yeah, you know? like for online, now that I play better. with now that I play with them online, it's when I go to a casino and play it, just seems weird. Yeah, it seems very stupid. But yeah, they switched. I think they switched these cards this year because they got this big marketing partnership and they thought they were so clever and they said, "Oh, these are, you know." They probably made it, gave them a, a quick try. Said, "All right, these are good cards," and then turns out to be a fail. I, I wish they just wouldn't break things that are working. We we had. I remember. I remember. Uh, what year was the the six and nine debacle? That was oh seven. Oh seven was the worst year at the World Series a when guy, they had the, the poker ten. The guy went all in with sixes, but he ended up having nines. And the guy <laughs> went all in with nines, but he ended up having sixes. <laughs> then the dealer said a six came on the flop, but it ended up being a nine. <laughs> I just remember reading the poker news recap of it, and then after that. You know, they ended up getting rid of them. Maybe what was it like a week into the series that took them? Yeah, was I was the, actually at I was at the event, and I, I guess these were also Kem K E M cards, but it was a special version of them. And they said they were right. bragging about this. Well, we listened to the players, and we're glad to tell you that starting from this event, we're going to have regular Kem playing cards. That's what you're playing with today. And everyone cheers. I'm like, why are they cheering? They they they're going back to undo a stupid mistake they made. They shouldn't have made in the first place. So. Yeah, nobody likes these these Mariano cards. They're not as hated as the Poker Peak ones from back in 07, but these are definitely the second worst cards they've used. 
And uh, the worst part is it's probably from greed and having a marketing partnership. I just wish the World Series, when something seems to be going okay, as the cards have been for several years, just leave it alone. Don't try to squeeze out every dollar. Just leave it alone. Don't change an essential thing like cards that can cause all kinds of problems. So the, I, the I, Russians I, love them. Yeah, yeah, he's right. In, in Russia, they're probably uh, drinking vodka in the streets, hearing about the body auto cards being used. So um, th- this is a, another scandal. This is really weird too. I actually got a tweet from uh, Ty Stewart today. One of our listeners asked, like, what was the resolution of a story I'd been pushing, and then he responded saying they resolved back on the thirteenth. I felt like I was stupid, but as far as I'm concerned, it really hasn't been resolved. This is a really weird story. So first of all, uh, Brandon, we talked before about the Global Poker Index. I don't know if you were on when I talked about this, but it's a it, that's not the main part of this story, but it's a really weird situation where the player of the year calculations are awful. No, it's, I was on with you. Oh, yeah, we it's an awful this. formula. So so it was pointed out recently, this is like the middle of the series, that three of the top ten people in, po- in player of the year World Series points right now have not made a final table yet. <laughs> Can you imagine you're, among the top 10 in points, three of them have not made a final table? How's that even possible with 35 events in the books? It, it's nuts. So, But that's not what I was going to talk about. That's just the prelude to this story. So Global Poker Index is the company that is responsible. And, of course, they have a, a partnership that I'm sure they pay the World Series for. They have a partnership with the World Series to – Compute the player of the year And it's bad, it's bad enough that they have an awful system But at least it doesn't affect me or you, Brandon Neither of us is going to play enough To Really think about being player of the year But uh, I didn't think this company Was dishonest, I just thought they were kind of incompetent But apparently they're both uh, An individual named Alex Dreyfus Who's the, the head of Global Poker Index, he's European not sure exactly where he's from, but he's European. Uh, in 2014, June 2014, almost exactly a year ago, June 12th, they put out a press release, and this press release went out to various poker news type sites, including PokerNews.com itself. And the press release, I'll read the beginning of it. The Global Poker, in- poker Index, this is before they were involved directly with the World Series, this last year, is excited to be launching the GPI Challenger Cup a unique leaderboard ranking that puts the spotlight squarely on the nearly 100,000 poker players regularly competing in low- and mid-level buy-in tournaments each year. The GPI Challenger Cup will crown three winners each year, with individual winners from North America, Europe, and Asia earning an exclusive 2015 World Series of Poker main event package. So, basically, they they, they put together a leaderboard for people who don't play the high buy-in tournaments, for people who play low- and middle-stakes buy-in tournaments. Actually, Alan Kessler does a lot of that. He was he was pretty high up on the leaderboard. Uh, this is for 2014 to win a 2015 seat, and the reason it's like that is because they're calculating it all the way through December 31st, and December 31st is way past the World Series of Poker in 14, so they have to give you the next one, which is 15. So basically the top winner in points from North America, Europe, and Asia, you know, each of those, will get a World Series of Poker seat according to this press release, very clear press release, a year ago. Well, not everybody paid attention to this. And uh, a guy named Aaron Massey, who's on Twitter as Never Miss Massey, 
didn't even know about this, but he plays a whole lot of these type of tournaments. So he got an email not too long ago from the European winner who was aware of this uh, this contest. And he said, hey, I won the European, but hey, Aaron, you won the U.S. because you finished number two overall. I won. I was number one overall, and I got the European uh, World Series seat. You're going to get the American World Series seat being number two. And then uh, the, the guy number three, uh, uh-oh. What is Hello? that? Oh, I'm on radio. <laughs> Call the show. Who's calling you? I I don't know who you are. Well, yeah, thank you. My stomach is feeling better, but call the radio show. <laughs> I mean, why do they do this? They're calling you at 1030 at night to ask you if your stomach's feeling better? Yeah, I'm turning the phone off to hope. Oh, no, was it, was it someone called from the show? It was a hotel yes. or someone? Oh, okay. It was from the show or someone from the hotel? No, it was direct. It was like, well, they called me Drexel. Oh, okay, okay. So it's the same thing like when I'm at the Rio. Okay. Jeez, always like, someone. Can I get you anything? Do you need more Gatorade? It's <laughs> <laughs> probably Rawolf seeing if he can do the favor back for you. So, okay. A- anyway, this uh, Aaron Massey was told, hey, you won. So go claim it. But bad news. Uh, this guy, Erwan Pichu, who won from Europe, told Aaron Massey, we're going to have a problem claiming this. The Global, po- Global Poker Index, which should be a very reputable company, pretty well-known, partner with the World Series, they are backpedaling and refusing to award the prize. I mean, here they had press releases all over the place that you could find easily on the web. They're, they don't want to do it anymore. Somehow the terms have changed. So um, then it became where Alex Dreyfus, the CEO, said, okay, you can have it, but the terms are being changed. So so basically uh, Irwin forwarded some emails to Aaron Massey, and those emails showed that Dreyfus was saying that uh, – first Dreyfus was saying, what? There's no prizes. What are you talking about prizes? So then you know, Irwin proved it. This is what you said back in June of last year. Oh, okay, yeah. There are prizes, but as you'll see, it's subject to our terms and conditions. So, sure enough, Erwan goes back and it says on there, uh, let me read exactly what it says. Uh, Where is it here? It says, entry eligibility, the operation, and the award of prizes in respect to the GPI Challenger Cup are subject to terms and conditions which can be found at GPI's website. Well, you go to the website, the terms and conditions page does not exist. Uh, it had not been created yet. So there were no, on December 31st, 2014, when everyone won, there were no terms and conditions. <laughs> so do you think it's fair after the player wins that they, at that point they can write whatever terms they feel like? No. Well, that's what they did. They, 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 so they invented terms on the spot. So, so first the guy, first Dreyfus says, no, there's no prize. What are you talking about? Then he's like, no, look, you, your own press release says the main event seat. Oh, okay, yeah, well, there's terms and conditions. So uh, next they said that it's a 65% staking deal, not a direct seat you win. So you, you have to give 35% of whatever you win back to the Global Poker Index and – you also have to do media appearances and other th- and wear a patch while you're playing the main event. So they said we said, it said nothing about this on here. It just says you win a seat, and and Dreyfus is saying, 
then Dreyfus changed it even further. Then Dreyfus changed it to uh, 55%. He said, hi, Aaron. This is a message he sent to Aaron Massey. Mistake from my team. It's not 65%, but 55%. (laughs) Sorry for the misunderstanding. And then he linked him to a terms and conditions page, which magically appeared on June 10th, 2015, just seven days ago. This is, they won the seat on December 31st. On June 10th, the term suddenly appeared that suddenly became a 55% stake, down from what should have been 100, and then became 65, then became 55. The guy's just changing it on the fly. Just changing their prize on the fly six months later. So um, Aaron Massey finally got fed up with this. And he actually runs a website called BigCockPoker.com. Have you heard of this? I have not, no. Okay. No. You, you might wonder, what is BigCockPoker.com, also known as BCP? Not Black Chip, po- Black Chip uh, Poker, but uh, Big Cock Poker. Uh, apparently, they have Big Cock Poker players from the central U.S. and the east U.S. There's no West Western U.S. Big Cock Poker players. So, Brandon, I, I know nothing about the size of your cock. but James Woods an honorary, uh, honorary member? Well, that's the problem. No, I don't know where he lives, but he lives in the West. He's out of luck. There's no BCP West. But uh, I was going to say, Brandon, you are out of luck. Even if you have a big cock, I don't know if you do or not. But if you do, you could not join Big Cock Poker because there's no BCP West unless they were to invent it. But in the central central U.S., BCP Central, there's Aaron Massey, Ralph Massey. You must run in the family. Uh, Kevin Saul. And Jacob Baisley. Now, who's in the East? I know uh, China Maniac, you can try to vie for this one. <laughs> Zoe Kareem, Jared Jaffe, Mukul Pahuja, and from your neck of the woods, Ronnie Barta. Right. So Ronnie Barta is part of uh, Big Cock Poker. I did not know that. When I played with him, I did not see him wearing a Big Cock Poker patch, but apparently uh, he's part of it. I, I know nothing about what this is, except it's a website they're all affiliated with. So anyway, this this was posted on Big Cock Poker, this whole thing. Uh, I was interested enough in the story. I mean, how weird that the Global Poker Index, which must be big enough. I mean, I'd heard of them before anyway, but they must be big enough. If they have a marketing partnership with the World Series to do their Player of the Year, they've got to be fairly big. How could they be trying to stiff people out of $30,000 worth of seats? What I, mean, I don't how- understand is, how does the Global Poker Index generate revenue? Like, it's just a re- ranking system, right? I don't know. Maybe they have affiliate programs. I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't think they question. do. I mean, take a look at the website. I was just on there. Like huh. nothing's like sticking out. Well, to maybe, me. maybe that's why they can't afford thirty thousand dollars. But uh, whatever it is, and I, I don't know if they're paying the World Series. Maybe the World Series is paying them, which is wouldn't be a good deal for the World Series because it's a terrible system. And the World Series had a, you know not a perfect system, but an okay system before that. But anyway, after this was brought up on Big Cock Poker and it started getting a lot of press. Dreyfus backed down. This is according to Kevmath, who uh, updated the site today. Uh, Poker Fraud Alert, that is. Kevmath posted, Shortly after Massey's blog and the thread on 2 Plus 2 and the Twitter outcry, Dreyfus said he was going to honor the three seats awarded to the 2014 winners with the, without the staking agreement, but suggesting that they donate a portion of their winnings to charity. <laughs> What kind of crap is that? I mean, so, so that's like a fuck you. That's like a, an F you. Like, okay, you caught me. Okay, you humiliated me that I was trying to roll you here. And I'm forced by public opinion and, and to keep my partnership with the World Series intact. 
to award these seats that you had rightfully won in full. Yeah, you've made me do it, but guess what? I'm going to really, really embarrass you by telling you you should give a lot to charity if you win anything, and then if you don't, you're going to look like an asshole. Then, then, then I will have been on record saying, okay, but I'm really hoping you give some of this to charity, and then if you win something big and you don't, then you look like a jerk. And what kind of asshole move is that? It, nobody should ever be pressured to give something to charity. Charity should always be a personal decision. If you win something, unless, unless you're given money as a gift, like let's say I say, a China Maniac, I'm going to put you into the World Series this year, but only if you agree that you'll donate 30% of your cashing to charity. Then that's part of the, the agreement, that I'm giving you money that I have no obligation to give you, that you have no right to otherwise. And, and if you were to accept it, you would accept my terms. That's fine. But other than that, you have no business telling someone how they should spend their own money, charity or otherwise. No business telling anyone that. So he's just throwing that in, saying, all right, well, if you're not going to give it to me, at least give it to charity. It's like he's so mad they're going to get to keep whatever they win. He's trying to just make it sure anyone keeps it but the winner. Right. So that, that's just a dick move to do. So, uh, and then he just went on as if nothing happened. He, he's tweeting at people normally. Everything's great for Alex Dreyfus now. I don't even know the guy. I, I know very little about him. Uh, one funny thing he wrote. <laughs> uh, this will sound familiar to anyone who used to be on Neverwin Poker. This must be a European thing. Let me get to it here. Uh, he wrote, this is a, me- a message to uh, Aaron Massey. Uh, re- referring to the 65% stake thing. Uh, GPI and myself are committed to promote players and invest in some opportunities, as you can see. I'm not sure what the other, quote, guys said, but rather ask us directly than listening to gossips. Not gossip, but gossips. Remember on Everyone Poker that we were pressured to write poker gossips for the front page? Yes. The, the, Lithuanians, the Lithuanians used to get mad at us when Poker News owned it. And uh, you know, we were working under the Lithuanian overlords. And uh, they were getting frustrated that it wasn't SEOing as well as they hoped it would. And they blamed it on us that we were too busy you know, putting forum BS on the front page forum-related stuff, and that we weren't spending enough time writing poker gossips. So we were told we have to write more poker gossips. There must be something about if you're in Europe and don't know English very well, the word gossip must be a tough word. You must want to make a plural out of it when it shouldn't be. It's kind of the reverse of Asian people who don't speak English well who don't use plural. Like I, I go to this one Chinese restaurant all the time where I order a braised string bean. Just one bean, apparently, because, uh, you know, of course you get a whole plate of beans, but we're actually ordering braised string bean. And that's a very (laughs) common mistake, stereotypical mistake for Asian people to make. So I guess the Europeans do the opposite. They put an S when there shouldn't be one. Just uh, they should teach each other. They both end up being right or or wrong. I don't know. I think uh, the GPI, I think I'm not sure, but it seems like they're kind of trying to like entrench themselves in come up with this rating system, maybe get, like, sponsors, and then maybe they'll get, like, a piece of the pie if poker ever, like, totally explodes. But I'm not sure. That's just a theory. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because they're low budget. You know, they're they're high profile but low budget. They just don't have much money. Maybe kind of like this site where the site is broke and we we lose money and I'm cheap with everything. Maybe they're cheap with everything. How much money money do you lose? If you don't mind me asking. No, if you well, don't want to it, say, you no, don't No, I've never to, made but... that public. It's not a large sum. It's a small sum of money. I'll say that. But it, it's this site does not make money, and and I just 
I, I treat it like a low budget operation. I, is it I, less? Is it less than five Gatorades downstairs at the? No, no, it's more than that. It's more oh, than that. Okay. Yeah. Even at six fifty a Even the six fifty one. Yeah. 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 The site loses money. So, so I I treat the site like a low budget operation where. I, I don't ask. No, I don't ask you anyone well, you for know money. What you could do. Why don't you uh, start a GoFundMe page? Put a little <laughs> picture, a little sad picture of you and Benjamin out there and like overviewing, like you know. Yeah, I should say. Do you do you know that by the time Benjamin goes to college, I might not be able to afford this anymore? Do you want this boy to be left out of a college education just so you can read a forum, listen to a radio show? Please donate to me. Please, my funds are being quickly depleted by poker fraud alert server fees. And all the dollar seventeen domains I keep buying from GoDaddy. So, all right. So that happened. Uh, Phil Hellmuth, he won his fourteenth bracelet. This is our final World Series story, and then we'll move on. Phil Hellmuth won his fourteenth. Talk about Eric Lindgren yet? Or is that no? We haven't talked about. That's just a regular story. We'll talk about that. That's actually not on the agenda, but we definitely need to talk about it. Phil Hellmuth won his fourteenth bracelet. I'm not going to sit here sucking him off, but uh, Brandon, you you spent some time with uh, Phil Hellmuth. Why don't you tell us about your encounter with him? Uh, <laughs> we were, this was the end of, or close to the end of day two in the horse. I think we were like 60 handed or so. And, uh, I was outside in the back area where all American Dave has his little, uh, food, food tent. And right next to that, and it's been like this for years. There's a, uh, regulation basketball hoop. And I was out there. A couple people shooting some three throws, and a lot of it. It's actually pretty amazing. Yesterday, I was out there, and I saw literally a guy lose five thousand dollars. They were prop betting like a thousand dollar, like three point shots, wow. and it's kind of ridiculous. But you, anyhow, you know, with uh, Prahlad Freeman's uh, problems, he should show up to the World Series yeah, and do really. just that. He he can beat everybody. Yeah. What did he make once? Like a hundred twenty seven in a row or something? Yeah, ridiculous. yeah. I think he set a world record or something. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I mean, it, 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 he came out and, uh, we all started shooting and, uh, you know, shooting three pointers. And then, uh, we actually just started playing a little two on two and he was on the other team, uh, that I was playing. It just was like, you know, we were keeping score up to like five or something. And then he kind of got mad cause he thought I fouled him, <laughs> uh, because he, I mean, he has a good, what is he, What would you say? He is like six. He's a tall guy, 6'4", oh, yeah. maybe? No, no, he's more than that. He's, he's at least 6'5". He's, he's substantially six, taller than me. I'm 6'2". I think he's, he's probably even 6'6", six, six or 6'7". Yeah, six, yeah, seven. yeah, he, he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah, tall. He, he probably is 6'6", six, six at least. And I'm only like 5'10", 5'11", so he tried to drive to the hole, and I, the only way I could make sure he didn't make the shot was to foul him. <laughs> so you did foul him. He was right. Yes, no, that wasn't a joke. I did, and he didn't, he didn't like it. Um, and it actually wasn't like a foul foul. It was more like I, I tried to make him charge at me. And and then, like I said, I said it was a charging foul. And, of course, he started whining, complaining, and then whatever. He did, they just kept the ball, and it wasn't, you know. But, yeah, I uh, he went right into me and missed a shot and kind of stumbled a little bit. And I'm kind of built like a brick. But uh, it was all it was all good. Then afterwards, we took a selfie because I thought it was funny, and and I took some more pictures of us shooting hoops. And yeah, it's it, um, it's actually very hard to beat someone in basketball that's much taller, unless you're much much better than them. And the, where you get hammered, where you just get killed, I don't know if it came into play, is the rebounds. You just get destroyed if the person's yeah, taller. Yeah, he's you. got he's got eight inches on me. Even without eight inches, you, even a few inches can kill you with the rebounds. Yeah, so I have to foul him when he gets one on one and tries to drive to the hole. Got to give him a foul. It's the only way to do it. I played a lot of basketball when I was younger, and 
you know, I, I was so much bigger than everybody, and I, I could play in the post pretty good. So, I mean, that's that's just what happens. The smaller guy just hacks the shit out of you. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the only way they, way they can survive. So that's just the way it goes, you know? It's part of the game. Yeah, so, uh, so anyway, Phil Helmuth won his 14th bracelet. Uh, I, I was that's told... That's amazing because uh, up until... Uh, not last year, the year up until 2013, every bracelet he had won was in no limit hold'em. He had never won a bracelet in, in any other. Did uh, he win a limit hold'em? Nope. Oh. No, 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 just just no limit. Huh. Then three years ago, he won uh, a Raz bracelet, which not, they made a big deal about. It. In fact, we had him uh, on a show. Yeah, I remember that because it was it was he broke the record. Um. Then I'm like that night we had him answer, which was kind of amazing. And uh, you know the the biggest deal made out of it, besides the fact he had broken the record, was the fact that it was his first. Uh, you know what? I could be wrong. I, I maybe he did one limit. I, I know for a fact every bracelet was in hold. Yeah, so I know that. Yeah, yes, I know that. So if you're saying it was limit, maybe he did. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be right. But definitely, there's no other form of poker besides hold. So. Um, Anyhow, three years ago, he won a RAS tournament. I don't know if it was a 1500 or a 1000 Then last year, he got heads up again in the 10K RAS with Ted Forrest, and Ted Forrest beat him, and he finished second. Then this year, once again, he won the RAS tournament. And there was obviously some controversy because a lot of people – well, there was two things that were controversial. One I didn't really agree with, um, the way he was acting uh, at the final table – uh, in terms of degrading the dealer and just, just, just you know, like I said, he, he's he's one of those that blames dealers when he starts running cold. Why did you have to bring? He literally said to a floorman behind him, "Why did you have to bring her in?" And then when it was time for her to go, when it was like twenty minutes and there was no push, he started screaming at the floor again. Why is she still here? She's supposed to be pushed by now. You guys have a set of protocol. You're supposed to be following it. I mean, he got really, really nasty. Um. And then, you know, he ended up winning the tournament. And then there is, uh, I, I read about this, I think two days ago. There was a lot of, uh, there was an argument basically on Twitter. Uh, Oliver, I hope I'm pronouncing this, or Olivier Bousquet, that, that, that's how you pronounce it, tweeted that he thought it was disgusting that when Phil Helmuth got his bracelet and they had a ceremony, uh, Jack Effel gave him 90 seconds to talk, which is, I guess, customary. Now, I haven't, I haven't even seen a bracelet. So no, I haven't. I haven't either. This year, but so I guess they're letting you talk now. And uh, besides thanking his family, um, he g- gave a lot of props to the Aria Casino, um, which, for those that don't know, literally every tournament for like the last four or five years that he's played in, he's wearing an Aria hat, sometimes an Aria jacket or a shirt. Um, and I don't know what his agreement is with them. I mean, they they are sponsoring him. They are doing something. I don't know. And he, and he stays there. He's been staying in the uh, Skylofts, which are basically just the most baller rooms that they have at Aria for the last four or five years. Um, but, you know, I, I'm sure he's you know uh, food room and, and beverage comped. And I'm, I would imagine he's also probably given money for buy-ins and maybe even. You know, more so for endorsements. But other than thanking like his wife and his parents and all that, he spent the rest of the time 
giving props to MGM Mirage, which which is a parent company of Aria. And uh, Olivia Busquet thought this was classless to use this time to, you know, A, prop a sponsor, and B, not obviously give any thanks to, uh, you know, the WSOP, to Caesars, to Rio. And uh, the majority of people, though, uh, Matt Glantz got into it with him. Um, I think he was, tro- like, I don't think a lot of people picked up on this. I think he was just trolling because when he tried to, he was the one that wore that, like, free Palestine shirt at a final table yeah, when he heads up. Yeah, no, I don't think so, he was trolling. I, that's, no, no, it wasn't trolling. I, no, I, I was, was going to say, I was going to say, you know, you know, Maniac, you're right. I was going to say the same thing, that of all people to criticize him for it. Well, he got called out for that, too. And he said that making a political statement versus being a shill are two different things. No, if, if. Okay. If, if you if you find this tweet, I mean, you know what? I guess you can interpret it differently than me. But if you found this tweet, and, and you can, just, just Google it and read. There's probably about 100 comments back and forth. Um, right. And it got nasty with Matt Glantz, uh, you know, at one point saying, you know, I thought Doc Sands was like the biggest troll or scumbag, you know, on, on Twitter. But now you've taken his place. I mean, it got really heated. And it went about 100, 100 comments at least, you know, now I, I haven't read it in two days. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, his political views. And I'm talking about uh, Olivia Busquet because that was brought up about how we wore, you know, free Palestine shirts at, at final tables. Um, and the general consensus was that Phil did nothing wrong. That, you know what, that's just like any other sport, whether it's NASCAR or, you know, you, it's very, you know, common protocol to, to thank your sponsor. Someone's putting up a lot of money for you or supporting you or endorsing you. Um, you know, it, it's commonplace to do that. Um, and, and me personally, I mean, I, I'd like to hear the other views of both of you. I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, if they're giving him a great deal, I guarantee you they're putting him in the tournaments. Um, and they're probably giving him more. They're probably giving him, you know, some incentive. You know, every final table you make, you get 100000 or I mean, who knows? But he's, he's making, you know, he's not wearing the hat for free. He's, he's staying there. He's not paying for it. They're taking care of him, um, you know, and and he, he's represent you know representing their merchandise and their product well. And I don't see any conflict of interest. I definitely don't see it as a scummy, uh, you know, thing to do as as Olivia tweeted for him to thank yeah. the people that are putting him in. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I agree. Now, with behavior I- at the final table, uh, insulting dealers, yelling at the floor. You know, just that kind of tantrum and stuff, especially when there's so many people either watching it on the live stream or, or there, I think that's bad for poker. I think it's bad for his brand. You know, I think it's obnoxious. I think he should get over it already. And, and, and you know, him of all people should know dealers can't control what happens if, if you're yeah. breaking. And, and imagine he's he's in the tournament and he's complaining so much. It's one of them he wins. <laughs> so right. That's, and that's, the other that's where he's complaining and, so and much is the tournament he wins. This isn't even my uh, impression, you know, this is what people that were there that were watching it live. I wasn't, I was actually, uh, in another tournament, people that are experts at Raz, amazing Raz players stated that he played like shit. Yeah. I heard he got that too. lucky so many times that, that he was calling hands with like a King up and then making a 10 against like a, a guy that could already have had a nine on fifth street and just hitting perfect, perfect several times. Yeah. Now, yeah. you're not calling with like a king and a jack when no one else, when, when heads up when your opponent just has paint. I mean, it's it's, it's anyone that knows Raz. I it, think he he knew the other kid was a better, way better Raz player than him, 
and he had a chance, and if he caught it, he just severely crippled the kid. But, right. So but he went for it. Raz, Raz is a game, unlike any other, that you can look at your board and someone else's and know, without a doubt, that they're what's called board-locked. And what board-lock means is there's no possible way, at that point of the hand, they are beating you. Okay? It's called board-locked. Right. Meaning that, that if you know... If you're looking at your hand and you, after Fifth Street, you already have a nine low, and you're looking at their hand, you can say say to yourself, the best. And that's meaning if they didn't pair, you know, and, and, and any of the cards, that the, you know, there are two whole cards with any of their cards or up cards, you can look at them and say, I have a nine low. The best he can have right now is a queen low, without a doubt. And, I mean, you know that. So that's like one of the few games in poker where you know even with stud, I mean, you don't know. Someone could, get, you know, be dealt rolled up deuces, and you just don't see it. You know, I mean, just hands like that. But in Raz, you can tell and you know when you're ahead. When when you 100, percent there's no yeah. chance you do not have the lead. Yeah, I, I agree with you about and, everything here. I, I agree with you that uh, his, he was his, playing his... hands, Druff, that were bad. Yeah, People I read that about are, that. That are great Raz players tweeted. That his play was horrific. Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe this kid was so good, this guy, uh, Gordo, that, that that's a kid he beat. Uh, he knew that he was so good that, that he just wanted to try to get lucky in a couple big pots. Um, and, you know, Raz is a game like that where you can go from a dominating lead, you can be a 70% favorite, and then all of a sudden be a 20%, you know, fa- or 20% dog. I mean, it switches that fast. And right. maybe he just wanted, to, as you suggested, China, to play big pots with him. You know, and he hope to get lucky and end it fast. That's what he did. He hit two out of three hands. I yeah, watched the. Right. Uh, it was like two out of the three hands. He just like but, he made terrible calls. He he definitely knew he was behind, but he hit that miracle. You know, either he had to hit two in a row or he had to hit one, and he he hit them and he just took, completely crippled the kid. You know. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, see, I agree. With, saying, I agree with so everything I agree here. With I, it, but I agree. Well, no, and listen. Uh, T Buck is saying, "Yeah, he's a poker brat," and I get that. But the the berating of dealers, you know, talking to the floor that way, I don't agree with. That. Yeah, that's not part of being I the don't poker like brat. That. I, I don't think that's good for poker. I don't think. I think it belittles people. I don't think you know a dealer that's probably already intimidated being up there dealing, you know, needs to be insulted. Because the other guy is drawing better than he. Yeah, is. I think the, the I poker brat. The poker brat routine is more like you know he takes a bad beat and he he goes, he goes oh you know if it just wasn't for luck I'd win every tournament. That's the, kind of the poker brat routine. Not not to bash dealers and say get these dealers out of here. How'd you bring this dealer here to me? Like that's just that's just being obnoxious. So I agree with you on that. And and as far as the speech he made at the end, I agree with you there too. I've said before that uh, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Olivier Bousquet. What, what however, Bousquet, whatever it is. That I called him and his buddy Daniel Coleman limousine liberals. They uh, and, and this is this is all part of it. That they uh, this is I, I I have to think this is kind of like an anti corporate thing. That uh, by the way, I'm just getting an update. Scotty Nobot has just uh, texted me and he said that Phil Helmley's play was awful too. <laughs> nice. So so anyway, yeah, he's these guys. They it, it's so hypocritical. They 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 make their very, very controversial political statements through these big shirts that they wear with with controversial statements at the final table and then have the nerve to get mad that someone during a speech where basically they're given the floor to say anything. It's not like it's not like Phil got up there and said, yeah, I want to let everybody know that I hate black people. Like He's not saying things that are offensive. He's 
he's getting up there and spending a little of the time promoting a sponsor. And this is his time to use. If he wants to use it to promote a sponsor, fine. Let him. It's it's not like the sponsor's done anything wrong. He's promoting the Aria. And if he was doing it to promote UB back when he was involved, yeah, that'd be bad. But he's promoting the Aria, which hasn't done anything wrong. It's just a, a large casino in Vegas. And it's his time to speak. If he wants to spend it on that, fine. And that's definitely much less objectionable than making political statements on your shirts at final tables to get everyone pissed off who's you know, on the other it's side. It's like this. I want a bracelet and say C-Money hypothetically had a piece of me in it. I'm going to give a shout-out to the vibrators that he produces, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's the way it is. For all you women out there that, you know, can't get pleased, you know, holler. You know, V-Stroker. I mean, it just... You know, I'm going to yeah, do it. He'd say, you say, uh, buy C-Money's vibrators, women. If, if you're not with one of the guys in Big Cock Poker, then uh, you know what to do. You know what to buy. So, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement on this one. The, uh, what Phil Helmuth should have done, what he shouldn't have done. Let's talk about Vanessa Russo, who we found out a bit more about this week. Uh, first of all, I still don't get why is no other poker media outlet besides this one besides poker fraud alert why is nobody else talking about her being a lesbian like i, there was not... that, I actually read something on the four that there, there was something written about that where there's some comments I'm trying to think what thread was it well no, no I, i'm sure i'm sure geeks on four would mention it like offhandedly yeah. at this point but but like when when she came out with it nobody made a thread on on two plus two saying about this like n- this was the only site that covered it and if you google vanessa russo lesbian right now Poker fraud alert is the only meaningful result. Everything else is kind of like the word lesbian now, mixed up with something else that doesn't have to do with it. This is a little it. bit off topic, but is it true that when people type in Caitlyn Jenner, PFA is the first thing that comes up at <laughs> 6.30 in the morning? It might. Uh, I know I know someone who suspects that's why we get any traffic here. But look, it's uh, for some reason it's a story which I, I think is of interest. I'm not saying that um, – I don't think it is. You don't think it's of interest that a, a – Nope. Why? I don't. Because I just don't think in today's day and age, being 2015, it's 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 even newsworthy. I don't I don't think so. I think yeah. I think uh, Vanessa Selps, after you know she was openly you know from the start uh, about her sexuality and how dominating she was. Um, and that was years ago. I mean, that's like five six years ago, and probably you know, dominating she, in more than one way. Yeah. She won a pot. I'll never forget this. I know these are all just asides, but um, she was heads up. This was like five years ago in a pot limit Omaha tournament, or WSOP tournament. And the guy she was playing was so drunk that he was potting and repotting blind. And it was quite a spectacle. I mean, I don't know what this guy was doing because they, they had about the same size of chips to start heads up play, but he played heads up the entire time blind, potting, 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 and and she, and anyhow, she ended up winning it, but uh, it was a spectacle to watch. I actually watched it. I never watch unless it's a friend. Like when you made the the limit. I mean, I think I've watched like three final tables ever live. Like when you made the limit final table, I watched the whole time. And when the minister of bitcoins back in the day uh, got uh, Van Alstein, I watched that. But I haven't watched a lot of final tables. But that one I did because it was just amazing that you played for th- four days or whatever, and the guy's heads up, and he was so drunk. Like he didn't, he just, he literally wasn't looking. The cards are going down. He's potting. She's repotting if she had a hand. It was, it was, he pot the flop. But anyhow, uh, I digress. 
I don't think it's newsworthy. I don't think it matters in today's day and age. I mean, just it's 2015. No, I don't but didn't, think. Didn't you find it interesting when you saw this was revealed? Didn't you want to read about it? I know I did. I didn't. No, not really. Really? I didn't either. No, I didn't really. It didn't really make. It just it didn't surprise me, and I didn't. Really I, I wasn't shocked by it. The only thing, the only thing I guess that I was kind of interested in was just thinking about the Chad Brown dynamic to it. Whether like this was going. Well, yeah, on that's with, a big thing too. Right, but in terms of caring, like I'm a lesbian, I'm not a lesbian. I don't. It doesn't. I'm not, I but I'm not saying you have to care. I'm just saying that someone who's a major figure, in, someone who's a, a semi-major figure in poker, uh, especially a female, a young female. Who, who they're actually a lesbian, I think it's worth noting. I'm not saying you have to condemn them for it or look down on them. I'm just saying to note, oh, that's interesting. No, no, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that either, That about condemning. I'm just saying I don't think it's newsworthy at this point. In this day and age, I disagree. it's not newsworthy. I, it's I, like, I, think it, I think it's something you, you say, oh, wow, that's interesting. I didn't think yeah, – like, like you, it's something you'd want to know about even if you don't have a negative opinion of it. Just okay, here's you, an example. Okay, and I'm not slandering anyone. I'm just going to – the first thing that just came to mind, Jeff Madsen, and that's – he won a bracelet today. If somehow it was revealed that he came out in a year and he said, look, I've been hiding my true feelings, you know, and I'm coming out of the closet. I'm really, you know, gay, which that's not going to happen because the guy's known to love women. Um, you know, there'll be a threat on it. Do I think something like that should make poker news or card player? No, not at all. I don't think it's important in today's day. I just don't think it's relevant. I, I See, I that, think- that, would, that would make news because he's actually like a really good player with results, so that would... Well, but you know what? Look- but Vanessa Russo has results, especially for a female. She does. I mean, she not won't really. be see heads up, title, it's not... You know, she's no, when was she- the last time Vanessa Russo was relevant winning anything in poker? I, I don't know. I know she won some big things on Stars, but... Like I, she, if you look, she has. You want the NBC heads up? Yeah, she she's won some things. I'm not saying she's got a, a great overall poker tournament resume like like the other Vanessa, but uh, but but it's good. And because she's female and because she got to be notable, she's pretty well known. And uh, so I I think any notable player, especially still in still in poker, there are not that many out gays. There's more than there used to be, but there are still not that many. I think just anybody who someone. Someone just messaged me I, I, and asked me not to say who. That it's actually a known – this is coming from a very known poker pro, a very, very known poker pro that said that Chad knew during the relationship that she was gay. Huh. This is someone that knew Chad very well uh, and it's, it's somebody – again, I was just told please don't reveal. But it's somebody that is very known, very, very well known. I, right. just got, I just got a, a message about it now. So, but, I, have a, I, have a, I have a question for you guys. All right. She's. When do you think is the last time for someone that plays all the major 10Ks like I think she did, she was sponsored by Stars. when was the last time you think she had a 100K score? I'd say probably five years ago. Yeah, like 2011. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, she probably yeah, she's a lot of them. She's sponsored you know, you by Stars. That's, but... how it, that's how it rolls. I mean, look at someone like J.C. Tran. He couldn't lose. The guy would just, with final table after final table, and then the last couple of years he really hasn't. You know, no, but he made, someone, he, he made he made he made the main event final table though. Yeah, well, okay, and there's someone someone pointed this out on uh, uh, on, on another site, Daniel Negreanu. This is the longest drought that he's had. It's been a year since he's had any tournament score uh, of a hundred. He hasn't had a, a score of, uh, in six digits in a year now. That's the longest he's ever had since 2003. It's been you know it's his worst tournament year. In 13 years or 12 years. Um, so, I mean, it's variance. I, and you know what? I think a lot of it is that she started taking up other interests too. 
So she's not grinding. She used to play a full schedule of WSOP events. She's not anymore. She hasn't for years. She used to travel the tour and play all the 10Ks and all the 15Ks and, and WPTs. And she, she's not doing that as much anymore. She's not playing in as many events um, as she used to play. And she got into this DJing thing and, and other interests. And, and she, um, I would, I would say, She's kind of like a semi-professional poker player at this point. Well, she might, not... she might be. But what I still think anybody who people know in poker that they hear that they're gay, especially in the case of uh, a, a girl who's under 30 who you know, some people find attractive. I know there's debates about that. But uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's notable. It's, I think it's even more notable with her than someone like Jeff Batts. Like, few people are going to hear about Jeff Madsen being gay and say, oh, wow, I'm turned on thinking about that. But there are guys who would think about Vanessa Russo go, oh, wow, I'm going to picture that now. But I, I'm not. I'm not into her. I never have been. But there are guys that, that find her appealing. And Whereas if a guy comes out as gay, it, you know, it doesn't really excite anybody. So I, I really think a, a young woman in poker who's fairly well-known coming out as a lesbian, I, I think it's worthy not, not to be you – know, to come out degrading it or, or anything like that, but just to note – it's the case now, uh, but but whatever. Poker fraud alert just seems to be the only one that's, that's covering it. But I thought she came out. I was wondering why then, because when we looked into it, when the detectives on poker fraud alert, myself included, looked into it, I have to give A. Brown more credit because he really found most of this. Uh, it turned out that she's had this girlfriend for two years. That the relationship dates back to May of 2013. And what made people wonder is why now? Why why two years later? Does she come out? Why Why not then or why not a year later? Why not? So I thought maybe just because the World Series is about to start and she's decided she's tired of hiding, that she wants the girl to be out here and be able to show you know, a little bit of affection in public. Like not, not to go crazy making out with her, but uh, she doesn't want to pretend they're just friends. So I thought that's what it was. But it looks like I'm probably – I was wrong with that assumption because Vanessa Russo is going to be appearing on the TV show – Big Brother. I'm not a reality show person at all. Which one is that? What's the premise of well, that? Well, see, I didn't know. I didn't really, I've heard of it, but I didn't know that either. And, and others on our forum did not know that. And fortunately, the permanent guest host, who has been recently displaced by Brandon, because uh, yeah, Brandon uh, has returned to the show, but the permanent guest host uh, came out and gave some help in that thread about Vanessa. The Trader Joe guy? No, no, no. The, the Trader Joe oh, guy. Daredevil. Yeah, Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah, the Trader Joe guy. He he just sleeps on the phone here. But uh, no, Daredevil. Uh, he he gave some information about what Big Brother is. This is how he described it. Um, he says every week the contest the contestants who are known as house guests compete in an event to be head of household. Then the head of household nominates two house guests for eviction. Sorry, sounds weird. Then they play another event for the power of veto. Whoever gets the power of veto can't be nominated for eviction. So I guess it's like an immunity thing you're winning. Uh, And even if they've already been nominated, they can pull themselves off. If they haven't been nominated, they can save someone else that is like someone who is about to be kicked out, quote, evicted. And they're they're still not eligible to be nominated. Then the House votes someone out and the two nominees and the... And the head of household don't vote. Repeat this until there's only two left, and then the everybody who's been evicted votes on the final winner of these final two. Because obviously, you know, two people, there's no one to vote anymore. So that's how it works. It's one of these, you know, vote off the island sort of things like Survivor, except it's in a house. 
I've never watched it. I, I don't watch these reality shows because they're not reality. There, there's so much staging going on. So much of it is contrived, and I don't like that. I, I want to watch something either I know is scripted or something I know is real. I don't want something in between that's partially scripted, partially real. It ruins what about Coolio's reality show, Cooking with Hoes? <laughs> I don't want to watch any reality show, even with Coolio. So, so anyway, the, and the, the type of events they have, it can be – yeah, one of several things. It can be trivia. It can be athletic. It can be some kind of puzzle. So this is from Daredevil, and uh, so she's going to be on it. This is her bio, and this leads to why she came out on Twitter. And remember when she came out? She didn't do it with a lot of fanfare. She just said like, "I just want to say I'm I'm totally in love with you know, Melissa." Just said name by name or Mel, I think she said. And uh, gender has no love, or love has no gender. That was it. Like, she didn't say anything further or introduce her or anything. So she did this pretty much to get ahead of any gossips that would come from her appearance on Big Brother, where she apparently wasn't hiding this. So uh, this is the bio. I guess she's not under 30 now. She's 32, age 32, hometown Las Vegas, current city Las Vegas, occupation professional poker player. Three adjectives that describe you. This just makes me not like her. Eclectic. Maverick and adaptable. Now, eclectic and adaptable, I don't care about, but the Mavericks always kind of piss me off with her. Like Lady a, Maverick. Yeah, so that's her screen name is Lady Maverick. And I've always hated when people call themselves a Maverick. I find it arrogant. And I, I don't even see how that applies to her. How is she a Maverick? Hmm. Like, like, it's, just, it's just like an arrogant way to refer to as yourself. Inter- it's interesting comment in the chat. T-Buck27 again. Druff on Survivor would be must-see TV. A druff, million dollars, winner take all. You get offered. Would you go on Survivor? Uh, it depends what the everything in the situation is. Well, they don't really tell you. Like, I know that's the problem. That's why to, I may not want to do it. Go to East Asia, druff, for a million dollars. <laughs> I know it's it's it. The thing is, I you know, if I thought I could possibly win it, but if I thought I'm probably just going to lose, I probably wouldn't want to do it. But I, I, you know, I did audition for certain game shows and certain not shows like this, but uh, I was even called. I've mentioned before. This short-lived show called Married by America, I didn't audition for it. They called me and said they want me to be on it. They didn't name the show, but I, I was able to piece it together and figure out that's what they were talking about later on. And the, it was a show where, where they vote, pretty much the audience picks a wife for you. So I could have been on national TV. And they, they picked me out because of some other auditions I had been on. And they, for whatever reason, they thought I would be uh, a good person to appear there. And uh, But I turned it down. I said, I, I don't. Yeah, obviously I'm not going to let the. I, I had a girlfriend anyway then, but even if I didn't, I'm not going to go on some reality show where the audience picks who I'm going to marry. But a- anyway, the it's favorite activities: making music, listening to music, DJing, going to the drive-in movie theater. Are those even around anymore? Uh, working out, playing strategy games, solving riddles. <laughs> Who's this around solving riddles? Vanessa Russo, the Riddler. The Riddler. Traveling and exploring, people watching, anything on the water, learning something new, training my dogs. They they each know over 20 commands. Hiking, fine dining, and here comes the big one. Eating hay? You're close. Hanging out at home with my beautiful girlfriend. (laughs) Watching Netflix, throwing parties, imitating accents, dancing, meeting new people, road trips, camping, skydiving, Photography, 
berating um, amateur poker players at the table and and singing at the table and ignoring it, it, annoying everyone for an hour no matter how much and being completely oblivious to how everyone at the table feels about it. So uh, those are her hobbies. Says, what, what do you think will be the most difficult part of living inside the Big Brother house? She says, not being able to communicate with my girlfriend will definitely be the toughest part of the entire experience. We are very, very close, and I rely on her as a teammate in life. I know I will miss, miss her terribly. Also, not being able to use a computer to produce music or to be able to browse the net will be insanely difficult since I'm definitely spoiled by the internet and modern technology, not to mention that making music is my go-to stress reliever. Not having access to technology will certainly be a challenge. So, um, I'm not going to read. Uh, what's that Skype sound? What's that from? Yeah, it was Skype. Someone uh, sent me a message. Okay, I, I have all that crap turned off. But uh, all right. So so anyway, it says, uh, "What are you afraid of? Flying insects or bats? Death, being out of control, and being humiliated publicly." But she humiliates others publicly. Uh, finish the sentence. My life's motto is dot dot dot. She says, from a blog I wrote in my early 20s, I find my calm not at the finish line, looking back at the distance I've traveled, but in the moment on the run, out of breath, looking forward. I don't know where I'm going, and I guess I hope to God that I never get there. I'm as happy as I am, chasing something eternal and ethereal. Jeez. The world is not, will never be enough for me, and that's just the way I like it. Also, I live by a code of do right, be fair, have heart. That's just so contrived, that answer. And that answer kind of pisses me off, too. Uh, it's, uh, that's really a bunch of psychobabble. I, I hate when people answer questions like that. But, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that she's not going to come off very well on this show. Similar to An- Annie Duke when she appeared on uh, The Apprentice. And Annie believed that everyone was going to like her. And Annie had appeared on another game show before. She was on, uh, it was very different, One Versus 100, and she did very well. Because Annie Duke, for all her faults, is, is pretty intelligent. And, and she did well on the show. So everyone gave her props. Oh, Annie did so well. You're so smart. You know, you, you represented poker players well. And then, then she appeared on The Apprentice, and she came off very badly because the real Annie Duke came out. Even though a lot of reality shows are fake and a lot of that is contrived, you know, you still got to see Annie Duke's off-putting personality there, and even she was in that uh, little war with that Joan Rivers. Right, right. right. I was going to say Joan Rivers uh, took offense to her, and uh, and they they had problems there. And by the end, everyone thought Annie Duke was uh, not a very pleasant person. It it really opened people's eyes. People who had admired her for all this time said, "Wow, this is a side of Annie Duke I never saw before." But she she can appear like. Friendly and nice and sensible when you're you're just watching small snippets of her when you're not actually playing with her for a long period of time or interacting with her in a way where the real her comes out. So uh, this opened a lot of people's eyes. I think with Vanessa Russo, though she's no nowhere near as bad as Annie Duke. I don't think Vanessa Russo was a um, like a, th- a thief in any way or shady in any way like Annie Duke is. But uh, I find Vanessa Russo to just be very annoying. And, and what I find most annoying about her, and I was trying to think about this today, is I knew I'd be talking about it on the radio, and I knew I'd have to find a way to describe what kind of bugs me about her. As, aside from berating the fish, uh, what just in general annoys me about her is she's someone who is very awkward but and very oblivious to what goes around her and very not self-aware, but thinks she's really cool and thinks she's better than you. Like she, she thinks she's cool, but is actually really awkward. 
So that that's like a bad combination. That that's where someone is looking down on you for not being as cool as they are when they're actually not cool at all. And that, that's the worst combination. It's one thing if someone yeah it isn't cool or, or social, and you say, okay, you know, that's uh, not everyone can be that way, and but I still like them. Uh, it's another thing if if someone is uh, very social and comes off as very cool. It's another thing if if someone isn't and actually looks down on you because they think they are cool because they've been pumped up by the media and 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 are so not self aware that they actually look down on you for not being as cool as they think they are. And that's, that's basically what she does. That's basically. Um, what, what I've seen of her, and I think that's going to come out when she's on this show, depending upon you know the way things play out and the the editing and everything else they do, but and of course the whatever they contrive. Uh, the producers of these type of shows are very sneaky. They put people together that they think are going to create good TV and. At the expense of some of the people on there. So they, they invite them on there and tell them all the good things. The money you're going to win, the exposure you're going to get, the fame you're going to get, the admiration you're going to get. But they already have in mind certain people they expect to be villains. And then they kind of try to gear the show around. And I'm talking about all these reality shows, not just Big Brother, which I, I've never even seen. But I know that all of them do this. They, they gear the th- things to happen around what the people that they think are going to be the victims. Not that they're trying to rig who wins necessarily. They might do that too. But but that as far as like the drama you see on the show, they know who's going to be providing the drama. They know who's going to be unlikable. And they put some of those people on on purpose. Because every, if everyone's very pleasant and likable and sweet, it's not a good show. It's not an interesting show. You've got to have drama or no one's going to want to watch this sort of thing. So And they'd much rather real drama or semi-real drama takes place than... Uh, than, than totally contrived drama, especially because these are not actors and actresses. These are regular people. So I, I think that's going to come out. Uh, something was classic Vanessa Russo, a story that came out a while ago, and I made a quick reference to this here, was she was listening to music at the table, and, and she was kind of singing along with it and, and kind of wasn't realizing that she was. And someone made kind of uh, – someone at the table – this is at the World Series a few years ago – made kind of a comment of – of, oh, that's really good singing there. I mean, you know, maybe you should do another song. So they were totally being sarcastic, hoping she'd realize that she was being insensitive. You think, think you're thinking you're sitting at a World Series event, and some guy, some guy or girl, they're singing to themselves while you're sitting next to them at the table. Very tilting, very rude. Well, she takes this seriously, and according to the report, which I believe, she sat there for an hour singing out loud at the table. And no one is continuing to say, oh, this sounds good, keep doing it. Like, everyone's just sitting there shocked and, and just keeps going on. And I don't think she felt like I, – I don't think she was aware that th- this is the type of thing you shouldn't do or that this is rude or that this is uh, not socially acceptable. And uh, I, I think she believed – I'm a big poker star. Someone commented, oh, look, look at my singing. Okay, I'm going to sing for an hour because I, I'm going to put on a show for everybody because I'm a good singer. Like, it's just – she just kind of gets on my nerves. She hasn't really done anything that bad. She just gets on my nerves. Every story I read about her is, it doesn't impress me. It just kind of annoys me. Even her questionnaire here with a lot of these contrived answers that are supposed to make her seem like kind of deep-thoughted and uh, sensitive, they, they annoy me. She's just someone who annoys me. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you guys feel? Well, I think you summed it up pretty good. She does. <laughs> I'm sorry. Seems like, I, 
It I seems like fun. a lot. It seems like a lot of the press and stuff that comes out on her is stuff like this, like the so sick thing. You know, when she would she tank forever, and then she didn't want to show her hand, and yeah, the she like bought a pair. Yeah. Jack six. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care. I don't know. I mean, again, please don't think I'm being rude. I don't know why we're even talking about it. I don't think it's interesting. Well, I think I think any poker player appearing on a, a show like this is, is worth discussing. I hate to say it, I'm going to probably watch it as much as they don't like these type of shows. I'm like, I probably just, I'm probably going to watch it. Like the, I, the only one I've the only it's actually funny. I've seen. Uh, I mean, that's not counting when something's just happened to be on my house or I'm at someone else's house and they're watching American Idol. But the only two reality shows I've ever seen were actually turned it on to watch it. Both involve poker players. And one of them was when uh, Jean-Robert Ballon was on Survivor. I watched, I think, three or four episodes, and then that's when he got voted off for laziness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's If you remember, if anyone saw it, they would just show, I cut to him, and all he was ever doing was sleeping in a hammock. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he didn't last really long. Yeah, and they and knew that. This, saw... is one of the, this is one of the people they knew would be like a villain on there. They knew that when they yeah. cast him. And then I, I watched... Uh, Almost a whole season, I think, because I think they lasted a while. But whatever, however long it was, when Tiffany, Michelle, and uh, Maria Ho oh, yeah. were on the was it the, the, the Amazing Race? Yeah, the Amazing Race, and I just watched it because they were so clueless, and uh, you know it was pretty funny. Um, and you know, I, I I knew her. I didn't. I've never met Maria Ho personally. I mean, I've interacted. I've hung out with Tiffany, Michelle. Uh, but then, you know, then she became famous and then stopped hanging out with the same people she was hanging out with before because, you know, it's not good for her Hollywood image. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. I, I don't know what kind of personality she even has. I don't know. Well, if I just described it. <laughs> what I just well, you're, you're going to see it when you when you see her when you see her on, you're provided it's a realistic portrayal and they don't cut it in editing to where you can't well, that's tell. That's what I'm saying though. I don't know if if it's going to be contrived and if it's just going to be fake and she's just going to kind of ham it up for the camera and not really be who she really is. But I don't think she has that ability. That's the thing. I even in these yeah. short interviews I see of her, you the awkwardness comes out and the the kind of like awkwardness/arrogance comes out. Like it's a, it's just a really strange combination of someone you know that they think they're really cool and they think they're like a um but but yet they're not, and, and it, it and they you know they're looking down on you, that you're not as cool as they are, and it just I, I hate people like that. It's a it, it's kind of like the same way that I hate, and I'm not even talking about her looks here, but I I hate plain or ugly chicks who believe they're really hot and they're doing you a favor to go out with you. When when like not only don't you think they're hot, nobody thinks that, or almost nobody thinks that. Like but they've come to believe it somehow. Maybe it's just like random guys want to have sex with them, not realizing that random guys want to have sex with everybody. Speaking of poker girls, how's that cum dripping or cum? Li- what is it? Cum, <laughs> cum dripping, stink, stink cum or stench cum. cum? How is she doing? Any? I don't any- know. I, I haven't. I've kind of. I haven't been following her much, especially since I left Vegas. I was. Uh, um, let's see. Let, let me just look at it at uh, her Twitter. Yeah, I kind of just stopped paying attention. Well, oh. anyhow, getting back, I guess. What? Why you're looking? I will say, getting back to the original uh, comment. I don't. I don't think it's newsworthy. Uh, you know, when she came out, I don't, you know, other than threads, I don't think Poker News should have wrote an article about it. I don't think it should be on the front page or any page of Bluff Magazine or Card Player. Um, I don't think it matters. I and mean, that's just my point. In today's day and age, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. I agree. Everyone, I'm, just, I'm surprised there wasn't like a two plus two thread. Like I was I mean, shocked about that. 
It's everything's already everything's already you know like Michael Sam, first NFL player, James Collins or Jason Collins, NBA. So then like now to the next guy that comes out in the NBA and he's gay. It's it's not gonna. I mean, unless it's like an absolute superstar, it's not gonna have as much. You know, meaning to it. It's not going to get the media attention. Well, okay, but, but now you're, you're making a different uh, comparison. If, I think if a fairly well-known player in the NBA, not just some role player or someone played for a year or two, I, I mean someone who's a – I don't even mean like Le- LeBron James. For 14 years. I mean he wasn't a superstar, but he wasn't somebody that they just signed to the fifth or the 10-day, you know, gave him a 10-day yeah, contract. I know, I know but, but still not – I'm talking about like a fairly big player. Not I'm not saying like LeBron James saying he's gay, but someone who's a fairly – um, big play. One, of the, one, one of the better, yeah, one of the better better players in the league came out and said he's gay. That would be a very big story, even though you have had Jason Collins coming that's out. That's just like already. saying on the WNBA, it'd be a pretty big story if someone was straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. She's. I just don't consider her a big name, big player. I think she's a scrub. So I don't. I okay, think. I, I, don't I, care. I guess that's the reason. But a lot of people know her, and, and uh, you know, whether I she's would a scrub say or not. she's a scrub. I mean, she was up there. Like I, like I said on a previous uh, radio program, before Vanessa Selps and like during Kathy Lieber, there was an era where she was considered like either in some eyes the best female poker player or like the most up and coming. I mean, she had that window, albeit as brief as it was. She had a window where she was considered, you know, either the best or you know top two or three ter- female. Tournament players. I mean, would you both agree with that? She did have that window. She, she had it was she perceived that way at the very least. She she has had some results. Um, there does look like there's a slump, oh. a kind of a, a combination of a slump and just not playing as much. When recently. she won when, when she won that NBC Heads Up tournament, that was in the peak of it. Uh, I don't even know if that tournament still goes on. Does it? Every other year, I think. Or, oh, okay. it, it, I know they switched it to every other, but I don't know if they do it anymore. By, by the way, Brandon, if if you want to know about the Stinchcomb, I've got an update. Uh, yeah. She says, this is half an hour ago. Chocolate milk? No, even better. Anybody want to buy a $500 tournament chip for $500? So she's trying to sell a $500 Lammer for even money, oh. which which people do all the time. But like she's putting it on Twitter and she's she hoping. No, she can just go to the line right there and then just give it to somebody. And it's kind of like. Oh, she, she totally could. I mean, like like if a random dude can do it. Which they can, like tons of random dudes do this, and and, and uh, I'll even do it for people if they come up to I've me. I've done it twice this year already. Yeah, like like if she could definitely do it. There's no question. And there's a new there's a new picture of her. This is really weird. There's a new picture of her on uh, <laughs> on her Twitter, her main Twitter, which is at McGrindin Life. That's M C G R I N D I N Life, L I F E. There's a picture of her standing, what looks like naked, but with a rug over her. An actual like rug, in front of the entrance of the World Series of Poker. Like you can see her whole legs and thighs, and you can like she looks like she's naked under this rug. It's a really weird picture. Hmm. You can't really you know you can't see any private parts or anything. But uh, and and she says she's also mad that she wasn't able to check in to a hotel. I think the Rio early without paying forty dollars. She's also angry about that. She says, I'm just going to bitch. She's angry about what? I mean, she's really after my own heart on this one. Uh, Twelve hours ago, I'm just going to bitch for the next three hours that they can check me in. Only been here since 5.30 a.m. waiting on $40. So she's saying that they won't check her in at 5.30 a.m. to the room she has for the same day uh, until later unless she wants to pay 40 bucks early check-in. 
even though they have rooms. That's what she's mad about. Wait, why would she be showing up to check in at? I'm confused. Explain again. She, she, for she whatever was... reason, she she has a room that's booked for that was booked for I guess yesterday or, or today, not yesterday. Booked in, booked for uh... to check in today on Wednesday. But she, she tweeted this. I, I see. I see. So this is what happened. She she checked in. She was supposed to be checked in today. Okay, and the the check in time at the Rio is 3 p.m. I think. So she was there at 5:30 a.m. and said, "Okay, I'm here." I have my room for June seventeenth. That's 17th. kind of her fault. She well, I know. I, I agree. So she says, Anyone knows you can't just show up at a hotel at five thirty for that day." <laughs> yeah. So she says, "Can That's I?" Not. So so they said no. So then she sits and waits, and I guess at about eleven thirty a.m. She sits and waits. So she was sitting waiting for uh, for six more hours. Oh, maybe she got evicted from the whatever she was staying. The stench come home. Oh, so 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 then she waits for six it's... hours. I, 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 you know, I guess we could call her up and ask her about this. <laughs> it's not like I don't have her phone number. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, – yeah, it's, I guess at 5.30 a.m. she showed up, wanted to check in. They wouldn't let her. Six hours later, she's still complaining. I'm still waiting, and I've got to wait three more hours till three. So she said, mm-hmm. what pisses me off is I feel like Caesar takes advantage of already a already vulnerable yeah. economy – referring to poker players – in order to try I'm and not, survive. I'm not buying that argument. Come on. Who here in this – chat forum or listening to this program thinks you can go to a hotel at 5.30 the day you're checked. Come on, no. No, you Maybe can't. She, unless she's never stayed in a hotel before, I, I don't... That, that's weird. No, I was actually once pleasantly surprised where I called up a place. I, I ended up with a flight that was coming in around that time, and I was like, oh, crap. I, you know, I just... I'd like to... I know I'm going to be tired. I'd love to just, like, go there and, and sleep for a little time. And I, I called and asked, can you do a favor for me? Is there any way you can let me... If you have room... Uh, can you just let me check in early? And I was even willing to pay like something small, not something really uh, ridiculous. But the, like I didn't say that. But I said, is there any way? I said, you know, you know what? If uh, if we have an empty room, sure, we'll let you do it. No, no fee. And I said, oh, wow, that's nice. Like I was, I was impressed. I wasn't expecting it. If they said no, I wouldn't have gotten pissed. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Now, if you're a seven star, they will let you do this, provided they have room. Well, hopefully, she got the deluxe luxury samba suite. <laughs> Maybe that's the room she get. If she got that room, she 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 owes me uh, a, a favor because I I got the air conditioner fixed there, got the refrigerator fixed. I, I did a lot. I was uh, I was the maintenance man there, kind of, or at least the inspector. I was I was a test case dummy. You were you were the test dummy, and I was the uh, I was the supervisor who got it fixed. So okay, uh, oh again, just for people that might have missed, when the engineer came in and looked at the uh, air conditioner, what did he say to you? When the maintenance man came in, he he says, "How does this room pass inspection? the The, the refrigerator has ice all over it. The this filter and the air conditioner is filthy. It hasn't been changed forever. They're supposed to inspect these things." I said, "I'm just wondering uh, who inspects these things." And he said, "You know, the housekeeping supervisor." I said, "Well, I can tell you what the housekeeping supervisor does do. They 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 constantly fight with people about coming into their room. That's that's and overrule the front desk about it. That's that's where they spend their time and not. It's funny. They knocked on my door like at five o'clock this afternoon, and I just started screaming. And I I don't get this. Doesn't the fucking do not disturb sign mean don't knock, don't yeah. bother, yeah. don't ask me if I want something because I'm saying do not disturb. So they knock on my fucking door. I just start screaming. I'm throwing up. <laughs> like they didn't say. I hope you feel better. Sorry. <laughs> I scream. <laughs> this has happened like three times now here in Appalachia. Oh, I have the goddamn do not disturb sign on, and they knock and ask me if I need anything. 
But I don't get it. That's why I have the do not disturb yeah, sign. I don't it, need anything. I don't want anything. I hate that too. I hate when you're you think you're not going to be bothered. You got the do not disturb. You, you have the do not disturb sign up, and you hear knock knock. You go, "What the hell is this about? Why am I being bothered? Why? What could this be about?" Yeah, so I just screamed, told her I was throwing up. She didn't say a word. I, 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 yeah, I can, I can relate because when I was when I was throwing up, you know, a year and a half ago in January, when I was so sick at Caesars with a worse stomach flu and I couldn't keep even a drop of water down, um, and I just felt so awful. If, if they were trying to knock through, do not disturb. I would have I would have been beyond pissed. Well, this is this is the best part. I didn't even tell you this, Druff. Uh, well, do you know why I'm here? Why I left Bellagio to come here? Why? Because they knock and they do not disturb. No, no. Remember, I, I had an offer to get a uh, some Android. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So I get the fucking. That's why I left. I left. Uh, you know, the nice confines of the Bellagio with fountains and Italian music and shit, and uh, free mini bar. And so I come here to get a tablet, and I get the tablet. I come upstairs like a day goes by. You know, I just put it on the bed on the uh, table. A day goes by. Another day goes by. Finally, I just open it up. And it's the whole screen's cracked. Okay, the whole entire screen is cracked. Now, I, didn't, I didn't drop it. I, they handed it to me. I carried it upstairs. I put it down. So of course I go downstairs and I'm like, I just opened it. You know, I, this is what it is. And of course, what do they tell me? We've run out. Yep. <laughs> we have no more. So then I'm like, well, what can you give me? You know, comparable to this? Nothing. I'm like, well, I, I don't know. You no, know right. I, nothing. The answer is always nothing. Yeah, so then I'm like, well, this isn't right. You gave me a defective product. I stayed here, and you know, I, I haven't gambled not a fucking one red cent here. But of course, I tell them I've spent a lot of money. I'm down, you know, this and that <laughs> since I've been here. So what do they tell me? Well, we'll get back to you. Yeah, and they never call. I, I had this. I mean, I had this. It wasn't as bad as yours, but I, I was pissed when I showed up for the $400 gift card that was eight fifties and you know, Visa gift cards and and you know, people on the forum some of them made fun of me about I this that. but I but that. but you don't understand if you how hard it is and what a pain in the ass it is to have eight fifty dollar gift cards now what I well, rather I about this I remember when you had uh, forty twenty five dollar gift cards for Zappos that's a little easier to use it online I don't have to carry around with me right, but you had a whole fucking <laughs> I, I I still have some of them but that's not that's not the point the thing is if if I had to spend them online yes I'd rather have a bigger denomination but the smaller ones aren't that big of a deal i just got to enter a number online but think about if you have actual prepaid visa cards um unless you're shopping online it's a pain in the ass because you've got to uh first of all you got to monitor eight different cards even if you're spending them online but you've got to carry them around with you and then what if it has like a a twelve dollar balance list you're going to carry that card in a second one now you have to know which is which um what are you going to do when you when let's say you go to to dinner and the bill comes out as 120 dollars you're going to hand them now you know three cards to say you know charge 50 on this one 50 on this one 20 on this one you're going to look like a chump like it's it's such a pain in the ass or you're, you're buying gas you can't uh you know you can't even fill your tank because on the 50 and and then you have to start a whole new transaction you know can you do it can you make do yes uh if if i Someone said, "Would you rather have eight fifty dollars gift gift cards or nothing?" Of course, I'd rather have the eight fifty dollars gift cards. But but when the, I'm promised a four hundred dollars gift card and they give me eight fifties, uh, that that's not doing what they promised. They didn't say four hundred worth of gift cards, and they admitted that the only reason they're giving this to me is because they ran out. And, and you know I, what? T Buck makes a great point, and this has happened to me too. He says in the chat, "When you order room service and you forget the, that the do not." Disturb signs on the door. They refuse to knock. Right, right. Okay? I've had this too. That's happened to me where I forgot. They call me and they're like, "Well, we didn't enter your room." 
what? Yeah, I've what? had this too. I've had other things like maintenance issues or other things where it's clear I want them to come, and then right. they and then no one shows up, and I'm like, why didn't someone come an hour later? And they're like, oh, we came and do not disturb was up there, so we didn't knock. But yet they'll knock up on your door for the biggest BS. They not they banged on my door at the Rio at three a.m. to bring me blankets that I didn't order through a do not disturb. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's like it's like the policy there is if it's trivial bullshit that they don't have to do, they always knock through to do not disturb. If uh, if it's something that you obviously want done, like bringing you your room service or fixing a major problem with a the room, then they respect your do not disturb. That that's the policy there, I think. At all hotels, it yeah. seems. Uh, here, here's a hotel question. Nothing to do with do not disturb. Uh. Do you wish hotels had fitted sheets, like a, the bottom sheet I'm talking about? Do you wish it was a fitted sheet instead of one that's tucked into the bottom? Yeah, I prefer fitted sheets, actually. I, I hate that they don't have fitted sheets. Somehow they always come off, and then I feel like gross the, that like I'm touching the, the mattress pad, which they never wash. Like, And, and they're also like sometimes not long enough. They, they kind of like short sheet the bed. And also, I don't know how you sleep, but I don't like being in tucked in blankets or sheets at all. Like, I always want everything to be loose. Yeah, me too. So, like, every time I get to a hotel, I immediately have to pull them all out. And then when I'm pulling them out, of course, since they're not fitted sheets on the bottom, the whole thing comes out. And then I have to retuck the fitted sheet. It's such a pain in the ass. And this is at all hotels. I'm not, this is not a Caesars complaint. This is an everywhere complaint. Like, a, if I ran a hotel, I would have a big ad saying, we have fitted sheets. I, I bet that would be a successful hotel. Just to, I know it's harder because the fitted sheets, they have to separate them from the other sheets, and, and, and uh, it becomes more difficult instead of just storing them all together, the same type of sheet. But it's not like it would be that hard. China, what's your view on this, buddy? Fitted sheets or non-fitted? Uh-oh. Did we lose China? Well, he's there. I, I see the Monument Valley National Park. All right, well, anyway, uh, let, let's see what else we got here. Um, well, Eric Lindgren we got. I'm not looking at the list, so I don't Daniel know. Ne- Daniel Negranu, I had a conversation with him about Brian Mikan. So did I. Yeah, we both did. And uh, I had the longer conversation, but uh, this is how it all happened. I, I got moved to his table, and, and I just had a feeling when I was moved to that table it was going to be over for me. I hate thinking negative, but, like, I lost two hands at the, at the good table. They immediately moved me away from the, the table with the two big fish, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is like – I know I'm going to move to a crappy table. They moved me to a crappy table indeed. Negreanu's on my left. Um, a big stack. It's, it's a huge stack who was the chip leader for most of the event. Didn't win it, but I think he finished third or fourth. He was two to my left, which is a disaster, and um, and and I'm not winning many hands there. So the whole thing sucks. So I said I'm, I'm at least going to – Get something out of this event. I, I I really wanted to talk to Negreanu about MyCon, and then I was really pushed to do it through peer pressure because Brandon said that he tweeted that if I am willing to ask Negreanu about MyCon and record it secretly, then – he didn't say secretly, but I presume that's what he meant. I don't think Negreanu would have consented to be recorded. Uh, then he will let me out of this hamburger bet that I lost against him. So – I decided to let Brandon keep his hamburger and go a middle ground with Negranu. I was not going to record him. I just I didn't feel right doing that. I, I don't have a problem with Negranu. 
I, I don't want to secretly. Uh, reality stuff for the, it'd be laws for. No, it would be it would be very funny for the forum. It'd be very you're inter- right. Just integrity wise. Yes, yes. That, for 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 the forum and the radio show, it would have been great. There's no question. But but I just didn't feel right doing it. So I, I would have recorded a, a scumbag, but I, I didn't want to record my, uh, Danny Negreanu. So I said, what I'll do is I'll have a conversation with him, and since it's taking place at an open poker table, and he's not whispering to me, uh, you know. I don't see a problem with relaying back to the forum what he said because if it was if it was quiet, he didn't know the other people at the table. He, you know, they could any of them could have reported it back to Micon or anyone else. So, so I said, I'm essentially going to do what anyone else at the table could be doing, but he's speaking out loud about the whole thing. It's not like we went out in the hallway and he he spoke to me quietly and privately, which again I wouldn't relay. But I, I figured here this is uh, something. There's nothing ethically wrong with relaying what happened. So. I said to him, so uh, have you heard about what happened to Brian Mycon? And keep in mind, the backstory here is that Brian Mycon had been totally hammering Negranu about this choice center thing he's involved with. And I mean, a lot of people criticize Negranu about it, but nobody, nobody criticized him more than Mycon. Mycon made like a vendetta out of it. This was so important to Mycon to bash for some reason. He just, Mycon lived to bash choice center. I, I don't love Choice Center either. I, I was critical of it myself in, in you know, on forum posts and on the radio show, but nothing like Micon. For me, it was something that I just found uh, that was flawed and, and, and worthy of criticism. Micon found it as something he obsessed over and harassed Negreanu about constantly. I, I never even interact with Negreanu directly about it. I didn't find that would be productive. I, like, I wasn't looking to humiliate Negreanu about it. I just uh, I, I made my statements about what I thought of Choice Center. And that was it. I wasn't going to make a big thing out of it. So uh, anyway, I asked him, and I knew he couldn't like him very much after this whole thing. Because Choice Center is very, very important to Daniel. Maybe the most important thing in his life, even more than poker. Uh, so Negranu lights up and says, you know what? I'd call it karma. And then he, he realized that he doesn't know my current state of relationship with Mycon. That you know, he knew at one point Mycon and I were friends. He didn't. I was pretty sure he didn't know the whole drama that me and Mycon went through in 2011. So I, I thought that he probably realized then that me and Mycon might be friends, and he was uh, uh, saying, you know, starting to talk shit about him to Mycon's friends. So he says, "Yeah, I might call it karma." Uh, uh, you think? Like you think the way he said, "You think," not, not like a rhetorical you think, like like he really wanted to hear my answer. So I said, oh, no, no, I agree. I, th- I think it is karma. So then he opened up, the floodgates opened as soon as I made it clear to him that we were of the same mind about this. And he just started going off about uh, Mike on couldn't leave it alone. He was going on and on. He doesn't understand why it was so important to him. Uh, Mike on didn't understand Choice Center. He didn't want to understand it. He just wanted to bash it constantly. Uh, this report Micon wrote up was full of half truths and then lies and and a little bit of truth, but most of it was BS. And, and now a lot of his rant was just generally defending Choice Center. And I, I wasn't going to get in a debate with Choice Center about him with Choice Center, but but most of it was him talking about how Micon was just going nuts about it and how he couldn't understand it. And that something I learned I didn't even know. He said he had a two-hour phone conversation with Micon about Choice sure. Center. That was weird. I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah. He said, he called, he said, I talked to the guy for two hours about it on the phone. I go, what? Wait a minute. You, you talked to Mike on for two hours on the phone? <laughs> he said, yes. We talked for two hours, and I just couldn't get through to him. I, he, he just he, he wouldn't 
take no for an answer. He, he, I couldn't get anywhere with him unless I were to say, you're right and I'm wrong. So I finally gave up after two hours. I said, I can't believe you did this for two hours. But yeah, he actually tried for two hours to get Mikeon to ease off with this. And, and Mikeon just basically stuck to everything that he was saying on Twitter and would not back down on the phone either. So, so finally, Negreanu, he said that he f- just decided that Mikeon's doing this just to get attention. And, you know, kind of like the guy who's going to humiliate Negreanu and get attention that way. So he decided to stop responding to him, realizing that, you know, he thought that Mikeon was using this as like a springboard to get more people in poker to notice him. So he decided he didn't want to give him that attention. Then he mentioned the GoFundMe page for Mikeon's legal defense. And he said that it made him sick to see that and that he almost made a public comment about it, but then decided that it would start up all the trouble again and that it wasn't worth doing and that he just decided to say nothing. But that he was uh, very sickened by the GoFundMe. And I said, well, you know, it didn't... uh, it didn't make very much, and it's possible the of the. But he knew he's like, what? It got like four K, right? So he was following it, and I, I said, yeah, it, it may have been actually only three K. The first one K may have been from him. It's not clear, but but either way, four K is going to pay for almost nothing with the lawyers he hired, and uh, so I, that that wasn't a success. So he was, and then he also said that Mycon is definitely a very unhappy person. That has a lot of issues to be acting this way. So he he really hated Mikeon, and I was surprised how much he went off on him, and, you know, at the open table. Like because Negreanu has been preaching that you know since he started Choice Center, he's you know he doesn't have hate in his heart anymore, and he doesn't uh, you know he's much more calm, and, and things don't bother him much anymore. And I I knew some of that was BS. I knew that's I knew some of that was a front or what he convinced himself. But I I knew a person can only change so much, and Negreanu has always been someone who remembers when people slight him. And remember when people don't treat him well. Like, he, he's, he's hated Annie Duke, justifiably. I'm not saying he shouldn't hate Annie Duke, but he's hated Annie Duke for many years over how she treated him when he first came into poker and she was a somebody and he was a nobody. So she treated him like crap and made fun of him and, and was very nasty to him at the tables, and he carried that hatred of her to this day. So, um, and, and he's... Sure also a lot of that... Excuse me, I'm far away. Sure, also a lot of that just expanded over the years is... You know, shilling for UB and then Epic Poker. I mean, you know what I mean? It just built up. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to not like about her, but I'm saying, but the the, the reason he really took an interest in disliking her for this was for these other things is because he already hated her so much to begin with. This is like just more ammo he could keep piling on. In fact, I've mentioned that one of the, I think two years ago, he approached, I was sitting there eating by myself, like before an event, I got some food and I was sitting at an empty table and eating, uh, waiting for an event to start. he seeks me out and comes up to me and starts talking to me about Annie because he saw her across there and he, he, he had to come up to somebody that he felt would be a sympathetic ear about like for bashing Annie. And he knew I would be because he knew my feelings about her. So um, anyway, I knew Negreanu was the type that if, if you've mistreated him, especially repeatedly mistreated him, I, I, uh, he's not the type who's going to forgive this or forget. So I knew with Mikeon, with how Mikeon just hammered him and something that was so dear to him so hard. Uh, that uh, that he was that all, with all his talk about peace and love and uh, and not getting bothered by trolls, I, I knew that he had to di- really dislike Mikeon, and I was correct. So uh, that was an interesting conversation, and it would have been more interesting if he wasn't beating me in every hand, and if everybody else wasn't beating me in every hand, and I didn't spend eighteen hours for nothing. You know, but here's an interesting question. 
I don't think it's ever been brought up. What kind of relationship do you think Annie Duke and her brother Howard have? You never see them in public together. Um, they don't, you know, they don't really tweet at each other. Uh, I mean, do you think, I, I guess, I, obviously it's speculation. Do you think that they're estranged in any way? Do you think they're still close? I've wondered that too. You, you don't see very much with them together. I've noticed that for years. Uh, maybe they are estranged. Maybe they just you know, feel they, they don't have much in common and just kind of live their own lives and just kind of ignore each other. Uh, I'm trying to, At that party, Howard had the infamous house cake party when he turned 50. Uh, was Annie there in those pictures? Do you remember? I don't recall seeing her, no. ESPN did a piece on them, like, whatever, together. But wouldn't you think that you being FTP would be, like, conflicting interests and probably led to them, like, maybe, you know, having a bad relationship well, over the years? I was thinking that, too. Like, why were they never associated with the same site? Why was... Uh... Why was Annie with UB and he was yeah, with Phil when he was in, Especially when he was in the position that if he wanted to, he very well could have given her a piece, put, made her a pro. I mean, he could have done well, whatever he wanted. The, the only explanation, she was in so early on UB, I think even before Full Tilt got started, that, and she definitely had an ownership there that was secret that she didn't make public, but she definitely owned part of it as Helmet did. Uh, maybe she couldn't represent another site. And then by the time she dropped out of UB, then uh, Full Tilt was gone, too. So maybe that's what it was about. But uh, but I, you're right. I just don't see – they never seem to be together. You, you, you don't even think about sometimes that they're brother and sister because they have such a little association. It, it could be something as simple that they just want to have their own poker identities, but I think it's probably more than that. And then there's a, th- a third kid in the family that doesn't even play poker. Like a, a woman who uh, she actually wrote a book about growing up in that family. I never read it, but uh, really, yeah. And it was a Jewish family, by the way. They they were Jews. I, Annie's not a I think Jew they, anymore. They grew up close to me too. It's right up uh, right up over the New Hampshire border, I think. Oh, really? I, I I didn't know where they grew up. I knew it was somewhere in the east, but I didn't know you it know, was there. You know what else is interesting? Howard has you know reappeared. I guess it's been about two years now. He's played in. Bobby's room. He's played in Ivy's room. If it's even still called that, he's played in a couple of WPTs. Where do you think the average day now in the life of Chris Ferguson is like? I mean, what do you think he does? I mean, he I hasn't know. been spotted yeah. in any poker room maybe, in the maybe, U.S. Maybe he's back to doing computer stuff like behind the scenes. I don't know. But, I mean, a- no one's even found a picture. Do you think he's just a recluse that he barely lives his house? Do you think he? Yeah, I, I think he might be. And I, and I heard I heard Chris Ferguson wasn't uh, – he wasn't living an extravagant lifestyle. He was taking a ton of money out of full tilt, but he wasn't uh, He wasn't one of these guys who when they get a lot of money, they start uh, living like a baller. That uh, that never seemed to be Chris. So, Caller, you're well, on the air. I kind of wondered oh, – okay, go ahead. I had a Caller. question. Uh, I just wanted to bring up a few things. I used to live there in Vegas, and yeah. I was uh, – everything is so cheap. Like uh, like uh, Bellagio there, the uh, conservatory. They used to have the nice water fountains that would spray over your head. Yeah, I remember that. And um, they don't do that anymore. And uh, uh, yeah, I uh, Venetian. They used to have the uh, real cool lady that would dress up like Ivy in the springtime. And walk around, and they had the circus troupe out there. Hmm. And uh, in the winter time, they would uh, yep. be all dressed up in like snow, snow people, and the same thing going on in uh, 
the, the circus troop out, out front on over the bridge. Yeah, and I'm so sorry that I never got to meet any of you guys. That was a bad. That's and okay. And you can. You I got can. a. I got a. Eighty-six from all the Mirage properties. Right. What, what did so you I do? Ended up, uh, I ain't gonna go into that. But after I got eighty-six, I decided to steal a bunch of like their hats and shit and um, <laughs> burn it all out in the parking lot before I left. Huh. <laughs> well, and uh, t- today, uh, uh, I actually had a. Had a uh, guy who builds resumes here in town for me. Put on there a professional poker player for for seven years, and I did actually make money playing just one two one two five down in uh, Venetian. Yeah. Well, you know I, those those fountains that spray over your head. It's I, I didn't even think about those until you mentioned it. This is at the Bellagio the Conservatory that that that. Uh, garden thing that the expensive looking garden thing that they make and they change every so often that you can walk into for free kind of near the entrance um those things that sprayed over your head it was like water that would jump over your head and if you actually wanted to you could reach up and touch it and it would splash um yeah i i I don't know why they don't do that i assume i i'm not sure if that's out of cheapness they still spend a lot of money on the conservatory i thought maybe they did away with it because it was Potentially making a mess, or people could splash each other. I actually got splashed there. This was on the the first weekend that Benjamin's mom came to Vegas to see me for the first time in in over sixteen years. Um, I brought her to the Bellagio Conservatory to see it. And back then in '09, they they had those water things that spray over your head, that j- jump over your right. head. So she reaches up and touches one, and it sprays all over me. And, I, and like I think my shirt oh. got all wet. And and so I I didn't. Because it was like a first date weekend, I had even though it was a little annoying, I had to like pretend I wasn't annoyed by it and just like laugh it off. And and she actually mentioned right. later in our relationship, she's like, "I know you were actually pissed about that, but you just wanted to make a good impression, so you didn't say anything." <laughs> so I said, "That's actually true." Well, they also, well, they also had the uh, the butterfly house, and that's gone too. That's right. There's no butterfly house stories. anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, huh. that that was that was a thing that made me think that you know. It was all because of money, just because both those two things. Maybe they were a maintenance thing, too. Maybe those water things could get screwed up and they had to keep fixing them, and the butterflies was a maintenance thing. Maybe they wanted it to be more, like, running itself. But, yeah, I hadn't thought of those things in a while. Yeah, 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 but maintenance costs money, you know. Anyway, anyway, I'm not going to argue with anybody about that. Yeah. uh, All right, well, thanks, thanks for your input on this. It would have been nice to see you guys, but so it goes. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. So I, I, I know who that is, by the way. He probably doesn't want to identify himself, so I won't that was trader. That was a trader guy. No, I wasn't trader. I'll tell you who it was later. They all sound like trader. <laughs> what, you don't think he wants his screen name? I, I He's called in before and said like he doesn't want to say who he is, so yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, since I know well, who I, it is. Hold on. Is it is it is it a three-word name? No. I'll, I'll tell you later. All right. It's not a huge mystery, but uh, anyway, uh, it's someone you've met before. I'll go as far as say that. So I'm sorry, I've met him before. You've met him before. He just meant he, he's sorry he didn't get to see us this year. Is what he meant that uh, that he doesn't live huh. in Vegas anymore. So okay, so uh, let's let's see here. We've what were we talking about before the call here? 
Remember? Talking about letterer, right? Oh, letterer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And what? And, and Annie Duke, and why they don't seem to be close. Yeah, I was talking about Chris Ferguson. And then, oh, Chris uh, Ferguson. That's right. Yeah. So I, you know, it was well, funny. Yeah, I was. Yeah, this I, is my question, and, and, and explain it to me if, if I'm just not understanding. Like you mentioned uh, before, the anonymous guy with the fountains talk called. Um, Chris or uh, Chris Ferguson had a lot of money that was his equity in in in, in profit sharing and full tilt that he never even withdrew. Yes. Why, when all this came out, is he just such a bad guy and in that same category as Ray Bittar and Howard Letterer? Well, um, what be- did he do? Oh, because because he was he was part of the whole decision. Even though he didn't personally care about the money, he cared about the company's survival. And so he, just like the other three board members, Ray Bittar, Ray First, and Howard Lederer, was, were, they were all okay with Full Tilt stealing the player money to uh, use for distributions, for advertising, for, any other, you know, for anything else that they needed. They borrowed from the players, figuring, ah, who cares, you know, as long as there's not a run on the bank to withdraw from us. Who's going to know? So we can we can take from them whenever we want, as long as we have enough to process cash outs uh, that, that typically come in. We're fine. And then they so they they all were fine with stealing the player money. And the and reason this they, was this was one hundred percent proven that Chris knew about this and approved this. It was. Yeah. It, it looks. It was very highly likely. It was very highly likely that these four board members, see the ones like that didn't know about it, I believe, were ones like Ivy. I, Ivy was in his own little world, you know. He Ivy does the things that are important just, to him. It just seems very odd to me that he lived like such a pauper and was the only one, basically, out of everyone that wasn't greedy. No, but I'll tell you why. It's because it was because he wanted the company to survive. And when they were having trouble processing payments, when uh, when when Yebsite figured this out, remember Yebsite was was making all these fake accounts on there and dumping chips to people, and. Uh, um, I right, didn't... No, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying even before Black Friday, when they had all the lists of all the distributions, he took out a very small amount. Yes, over the years of what he could have taken because out. Because he just he, well, number one, he felt like it was always going to be there for him. But that doesn't sound like someone that's greedy. He, that, he, that, he that, wasn't giving forty, fifty million dollars that he could have taken out. I mean, no, that's that, a lot that, of money. No, that's that's why I'm saying it, this wasn't about personal for him. For Howard, it was different. For him, it was not about personal greed. For him, it was about he wanted to see the company survive, and he didn't want to uh, – uh, when the company started to have trouble, uh, for example, processing the payments like what I'm talking about, processing deposits, and they couldn't actually withdraw from anybody's bank at the moment. Uh, instead of just saying, hey, everybody, we're having trouble depo- processing deposits. Uh, uh, the games are going to be a little deader for a while until we find a way to do that. If you want to deposit, you just can't for the moment, so just wait. And you know the wait could could have been months. He instead decided, along with the others, hey, we'll just process the deposits and pretend like we're withdrawing from people's banks, and then cover the money with existing player money that's already in here. And and uh, and same with with advertising expenses. We ran out of money for the, for marketing. We'll just dip into the player funds. Why? What's... Because he wants to see the the to, for, why to see the company survive. I guess the best way I can compare this is. Why does why did Jerry Buss care about winning a thousand dollar buy in limit hold'em tournament at Commerce, where the top prize is uh, is forty five thousand dollars, which is meaningless money to him back then? Uh, why? Because it was the poker tournament itself that was important to him, not the money. So similar, I think with with Chris Ferguson, and, and I you know I can't say this it's for the sure. Same but thing with um, 
It's the same thing with Celine's husband. Yes, yes. He doesn't a, need the money. The yes. guy's got he's got 200, 300, 500 million dollars. Yeah. So I think money that I mean, he just it was a, it was a competition. Yeah. Whether 10k or 350 dollars, it was a competition. Yes. So that's of, that's of what money. I'm saying. What I'm saying here is that I believe I can't know for sure. Only Chris knows what's in his own head. But I believe that in Chris Ferguson's case, he was not a person living the high life. He didn't even care that much about the money. But what he did care about was the company's survival. And well, the you company think he was dishonest? Well. That's my question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you the second you agree to take money from other pl- from people, but how is it proven that he knew that? That's what I'm because he's understand. on the board how because it, because the board met and discussed all these things. The the board was always talking about these four people on the board were the ones in control of everything, and the other ones were were. Kept in the dark for the most part. So you're saying that 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 the that the information out there and the proof, basically, if not concrete, but led many to believe that in a highly likely scenario that Chris Ferguson knew yes that money that was segregated for players was being used being used for other purposes. Yes, all four okay. of them knew. All, all right, four then of them that knew. makes sense. That's yeah. the answer to my question. Yeah, that's the answer. And as I said, it wasn't that's, for greed. That, it was. It if was that's because, correct, then. He should stay out of poker. He should stay. What, what are the what are the playing cards uh, again at the uh, the uh, Mariano? He should use Marianos now and start practicing again, slicing up watermelon with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's probably. I bet you he's happy now, though. I bet you I he seems so. like the type that could just retire and f- find fifty million other things to do. You know what though? I I I've seen him so many times uh, before. Obviously, Black Friday. Walking up and down, whether it's at the Rio or at the Palms, and wearing that big trench coat, that leather jacket, and his hat, and people would be stopping him, women to take, and he loved it. He loved it. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I think with those two, especially with uh, Howard and uh, yeah. and Chris, both of them both enjoy, they both enjoyed the respect they were receiving in yeah, poker. Absolutely. And now and now it's gone. Now they now they're known as the, as thieves. Do you remember on? Poker after dark when Howard would be on there and he was so pompous and yes. arrogant. He was always pompous. I, I never yeah, liked him. I'm saying just because he was like the man. Yeah. It was like, you know, Howard Letter had this big, you know, corporate you know what I mean? He 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 wasn't humble at all. No. And, and even if you know, you're correct in before full tilt, but definitely afterwards he he was a very pompous, arrogant person, and I guarantee you he misses that power. Yes, yes, you big know? time. That, that's why he was. That's why he did the poker news interview that that when everyone laughs at. He, that, this was an attempt. Uh, he he was an ill-advised attempt. attempt. Some some of his yeah. Some some of his friends advised him that enough time had passed, which wasn't even that much time at that point, and that if he goes on and does an interview on poker news and explains everything and and uh, you know just spins it just right. That everyone will forgive him and welcome him back into poker because he was so loved before that and people have gotten over it. Well, he did that and, and people saw he was lying through his teeth and, and said, I don't know to everything. And they and this just backfired and everyone just made fun of it and hated him even more. And But this was part of a several-step process that his friends had engineered for him to where he could return to poker. And when this failed, this is, what, this is why he's not playing at the World Series. This is why yeah, the only – Exposure he gives himself to poker is you know showing up in an award ceremony or showing up to some kind of like high limit game area or something where they uh, there's not going to be a lot of yeah the same advisor that Ronald Reagan had in the uh, uh, Contra scandal where yeah. Ronald Reagan infamously said 187 times I don't recall yeah but now looking back at it 
And when people say that he probably had signs of Alzheimer's, yeah, he no, probably didn't recall. No, he probably he definitely did have Alzheimer's, but yeah, you know, there was there was definitely early, by early second, Alzheimer's. By the second by his second term, at least the last two years, definitely he did. Yes. Um, that's kind of amazing to think. We had a fucking president, especially back then in the height of the Cold War, that had all early onset Alzheimer's. Yep. God. Amazing. And, you know, just touching on this since I just brought it, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I know the answer, but just I want the audience to hear. What do you think of this uh, Donald Trump thing? Uh, it's just this publicity stunt. Like, you know, he, he has no chance. He has no, well, zero no, he has chance. no chance. But do you think he'll actually uh, start a pact? Uh, raise money, start no, primary campaigning. I think it's just like last time, just to, just to get attention. Yeah, I'm hardly even paying attention because I know. Did you I, even it, hear his speech where he was like, "It was unbelievable the way he was talking about Mexicans and other foreigners." I mean, it was. Well, speaking how, of Mexicans, he he should know about that. If you want to read about something very shady with Donald Trump, then uh, Google uh, Trump. Let's see what it's Trump Ocean. What is it? I'll get it in a second. Trump Ocean Resort Baja. That's B-A-J-A. Uh, Trump Ocean Resort Baja. And you will read about something very shady that went down. Basically, what Trump was doing was licensing his name out to shady companies. He, he didn't vet these companies very well at all. They say, hey, Trump, um, we want to do such and such. We want to build this such and such place, such and such condo complex. Uh, but nobody knows us. They don't trust us because we're nobodies. Uh, how about you put your name and face on it and call it a Trump place and we'll give you all kinds of money? Okay. Well, that was basically what was going on the last eight years in Atlantic City, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was, it was. He was getting 10% and then a token flat amount each year just for letting them use the name Trump, the brand name. And he had no... Yeah. Say in the day to day or operational controls of of and a lot of people didn't know that. Yeah, so so here's the worst part is that Trump. Um, it's one thing to just lend your name out, which is already misleading, but he would lend his name out and then make statements that he's personally uh, involved with supervising it. He had uh, uh, Ivanka Trump, you know, his daughter. She. She was actually showing up a few times to meetings and uh, and sending letters out to people saying that uh, you know she, that the Trump family would have never gotten behind this if they didn't believe in it. And she, you know, she made it look like she was involved and was not. They were very very misleading, and this place was such a disaster. People invested millions of dollars in deposits. Were you talking about Ivanka Trump's place here on Sahara? No, I'm, Ivanka oh. was getting involved in this Mexico project. In, in okay, because Ivanka also tried to have a high rise in Las Vegas, and people lost yeah so billions of dollars. It was going to be on Sahara, right across from the old Sahara. Yeah, that's right. And then, and I have then, a question: Why? Why is that that Trump whatever it is in Vegas? Why is there no gambling there? Because it's just a, it's, it's just like a Panorama or any of those other high rise towers. It's not a casino. Um, okay. He's not licensed. Yeah, he's not in licensed. Las Vegas. To uh, run a casino, to have a license, um, and after the debacle, which was New Jersey, um, and and there was such high, you know, praise in the beginning and high expectations, and those casinos were in and out of bankruptcy. I mean, I, geez, at least four times, maybe even more. That he had stated, and this is going back fifteen years ago, that he had no interest ever getting involved in the casino business in Las Vegas. Um, and he'd also made enemies, basically, with Steve Wynn. Uh, I don't know now if it's been cleared up. Sheldon Adelson, all the bigwigs that controlled Vegas. 
And again, he was adamant that anything he would do in Vegas would just be real estate and not enter the casino market. Mm-hmm. Um, so ironically enough, <clears throat> Nicole is nice. She's in Vegas right now for about a month. She works on this TV show called, uh, what is it, American Ninja Warrior, something like that. And she's actually yeah. staying there. She's staying at the. Huh. I guess that's where the whole staff. So, okay, if, if you want to, if we want to stalk Nicole, you know where to go now. So, uh, so this oh, this yeah. this Trump project in in Mexico, uh, yeah, Ivanka stated personally. She said that Donald Trump was quote involved in every capacity. So that's how shady this family is. And and uh, so, how did this thing do? Not only was it a fail, it, it couldn't have been a bigger fail. People gave deposits, usually around two hundred three hundred three hundred thousand dollars. Each, and this included people who couldn't really afford it, just like everyday working people. I'm not talking about super rich people who took took a shot with 300k. I'm talking about people who 300k was their life savings, and they thought this was a great investment. And they were, you know, they were led to believe this in these very misleading uh, sales pitches. So, and and they really thought Trump was involved. Ivanka said that it never even broke ground. They, they never even started working on it. Construction never even started. They they chunked off all the money somehow, without even starting construction, and so all the deposits were gone. Everyone lost their money. They sued Trump, and in 2013, finally there was a settlement where uh, where Trump uh, agreed to pay some money to the people who were affected. Well, that happened. I mean, do you remember the Fountain Blue that was supposed to be built here? That was halfway built, and they lost the funding. Yeah. That I mean, they can go on and on. And city in city center, the Harmon Towers that no one ever moved into. Yeah. That cost. Is almost two billion to make um it's part of city center and and they weren't up i don't even know how you can do this they weren't even up to the 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 codes of las vegas and uh they're still there this has been in court for for month for i I I think they destroyed them just recently did they really okay i don't know i didn't know so so anyway yeah so the so the worst thing i thought with this with with trump is that this he just it was like almost like a scammer like they you know he had his daughter saying that he's involved in every capacity His, his face and name were on it and and it was just licensing to some shady company and having his daughter lie about his involvement. I mean, this is really, really, really shady. And so for a guy like that to want to be president, I think, is uh, – uh, forget all his other problems. So it, it's just a publicity stunt. That, that's what this is all about. He knows he'll never get elected. I'm actually looking. You're wrong. The Harmon Towers have not been demolished. Oh, they haven't been? Okay. Nope. They're starting to dismantle them by you know, removing things, but they, it's still in court. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. MGM begins dismantling of structurally flawed Harmon Hotel Towers. It's so weird that they could build something like that. Two billion dollars. But you know what I will say? MGM was in a lot of trouble, and they've turned it around. Uh, maybe uh, Caesar should take notice. A lot of people don't recall that they had trouble getting City Center built, and it was they ran out of money to the point where they actually had to sell a property here in Vegas just to finish the project. Do either one of you know which property they sold? MGM. I'm trying to think. Oh, was it uh, Treasure Island? Yeah, yeah Treasure yeah. Island. They yeah. had to sell Treasure Island to, uh, yeah. what's his name, the poker player guy. The, well, you know, he's he was on high-stakes poker. Phil Phil Rifkin, is it? Phil Ruffin. Ruffin, yeah. yeah. He was, he was the, the former owner of, uh, oh, God. What was the place right across from the stra- the frontier, the new frontier? And then that got demolished, and that's still vacant. Then he purchased uh, Treasure Island because MGM was struggling, and they needed that extra 500 mil to finish, and they did. But now they've turned it around. I mean, their, their stock is up. 
Um, they're financially cash wise, you know, they're flush. Uh, they still have some debt, but not nearly. I mean, you know, we talk about debt like Caesars, nine billion dollars. Um, you know, but they've they've turned it around. MG Mirage, you know, you got to give them credit. They have turned it around for all the fail they had. Um, you know, and and when City Center was being built, it was right at the boom of when when you know we had the housing crisis in Vegas, and a lot of people don't know. I mean, there was this huge epidemic where they just kept building and building these high rises all over, all over. Like I mentioned, the, the Fountain Blue. Um, you know, Panorama was one of the ones that are, I guess you can call it successful, but even now, um, you know, it, it's a very popular place to live because it's so hard to get it, to, to get the vacancy, you know, filled that you can rent gorgeous, 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 you know, a, a gorgeous condo there. That's, I mean, I've seen condos there that are up to like 3000 square feet. I mean, that's massive, you know, for, oh, yeah, for a high rise. Um, you know, for, for anywhere from 2,400 to 3,000 a month when those same places were going for like 10,000 a month, if you're renting it, because they're just having trouble, uh, you know, with, with the occupancy. But, uh, yeah, like the Fountain Blue is, is a perfect example as well. Um, I mean, it was literally like, I don't know, 50, 60% done. They couldn't get the funding and it's still, it's still like sitting there now. They haven't demolished it, but they've stripped everything out of it, um, they actually, if you, there's a YouTube video. It's now one of the biggest places where vagrants live. People have actually moved in there, homeless people, um, and and taken up residency there. And also, funny enough, I always tell people that they don't believe me. Where I'm staying right now, at Caesars, below me, there's a huge tunneling system where thousands of Las Vegans live. Do you, I know yeah, we've I've talked seen that. about yeah, I've this. Seen that, yeah. The sewer people. Yep. Yeah, the Bitcoin minister was interested in this. And if anyone's ever really interested, this was one of the first things that fascinated me. And I read about it. I watched videos. There literally is a community that that lives below the, the Las Vegas Strip. And if you Google it, YouTube it, you can see videos of the tunnels and and, and the, the worst thing. Shift. The worst thing down there is that there's constant water on the ground, like inches of water that you're always having to wade through. So, so like everything yeah. you have, all your stuff, you have to have like on, on crates or whatever you have well, to keep it right. above the water. The fortunate, the fortunate thing is, it doesn't rain a lot in Vegas. We we don't even get twelve inches a year. But when it does rain, even a little bit, it floods severely, and all those people, you know, everything gets destroyed. But uh, it, it's it's amazing that kind of lifestyle that they literally are living below Caesar's Palace, and uh, a lot of those people, what they do for money. Uh, I mean, it's amazing to me is they go around to various casinos and they find these, you know, tickets and slot machines that uh, are like, you know, 15 cents, 28 cents. Sometimes they'll find a score and find a couple bucks or even more. And that's what their grind is. Because a lot of, you know, right now, if I wanted to spend the time, which I wouldn't, um, I went downstairs and I spent a couple hours walking around Caesars. I could easily come up with about 20 or 30 bucks because most of the machines, especially here, are a 50 cent denominations. That's like usually the minimum you can bet for like slot machines. And but because of the random payoffs that they're not even, sometimes something will pay and change. So like, you know, somebody will have 47 cents left in a machine and the minimum bets 50 cents and they're not they just don't cash it out. You know, they don't print the ticket 
walk to a little kiosk, put the ticket in just to cash up 47 cents, and they leave it in the machine. So it's very common. Even sometimes when I've, I've had free play and I'll play a slot machine, I, I find that there's, you know, anywhere from a couple pennies to, you know, 50 cents, 75 cents, you know, in there. And there are people that make a living doing this. In fact, I'm not going to mention names. I know somebody that is a part of the site that, uh, you know, he's not, person isn't homeless or anything like that, but this person does that and he grinds 50, 60, sometimes even more a day just walking around. And again, so people know, I, I want to give full disclosure. It's against the law. It's actually considered stealing in Las Vegas. If you find a chip on the floor, whether it's a dollar, $25 chip or $50 chip, you are supposed to, by Nevada law, turn it in. If you pocket it and keep it, although obviously something of that small degree, you know, like a dollar or five dollar chip, you know, nothing's going to happen. But technically, it is theft. You can be prosecuted. Uh, most likely, you won't for a small amount of money, but definitely eighty sixth. Uh, so, someone like me, you know, that lives here and, and I've been here so so long, and I'm in, you know good standing. If I ever find anything on the floor, um, I always turn it in. I mean, I know some of you may laugh at me, and, and, and I once, uh, at Caesars, actually, funny enough, about two years ago, I played, uh, I had some free play, and I found just a little, uh, it was a Buffalo machine, because it was just nearby, and, and it's one of those, I don't know if you guys even know, but it's a Buffalo slot machine, and there was a ticket in there for $436. Wow. And what did I do? I cashed it out, and I took it to the cashier. Okay, I'm sorry, I took it to security first, and then they walked with me to the cashier, and I turned it in. Now, what do you think they were able to do? They were able to scan the ticket, and because of the person that was playing had used their player's card, they knew the exact name, address, and all the information of that person, and I would assume that they got it to the rightful owner. Hopefully. Um, but, yeah. But, again, if I would have cashed that ticket in, you know, I could have very well risked being arrested. I could have been, you know, 80, I would have been 86th. So that's something to keep in mind, and that's actually Nevada statute. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not a, a casino law. Uh, it's not like you know. It varies from you know Caesars to Bellagio to the Cosmo. That's actually Nevada law. That any uh, gaming instrument chip uh, voucher that you find is the property of the casino, and you could not take it with you. Uh, but I knew that, and you know, and. and you know, at first, my dad thought I was crazy because he was actually with me. I'm like, no, dad, I have to turn this in. You know, it, it's I could be prosecuted. It, it's a crime. And it's not worth $400 and change, you know, for me to do something like this. And, you know, so it was at Caesars and then, you know, yeah, by, World by Series. Way, and, you're sounding a lot healthier now. You've, during the show, you've healed. I've I've actually, and you're, you're probably not going to approve of this, but since we've been on the radio, I've had about five Gatorades. I didn't want to go downstairs, so I've gone through the mini bar. <laughs> Now I'm drinking. Now I'm drinking nine dollar, uh, and whatever it is, you know, Gatorades. That's working. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? It, that's just what you do. I don't feel great. I'm very weak. Like I said, I haven't held down food now in almost twenty four hours. But I'm drinking a lot, and when we're done here, I'm going to try to uh, get something, you know, to, to eat. You know, I would have had to. I would have had to break down and do it if I was by myself. But uh, since since I had someone to drive me. I'm not going to go back down to the gift shop and, and, you know, just deal with uh, just whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. So I've had – actually, it reminds, me of the, it reminds me of the Jordan flu game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had six Gatorades since we've been on the air. I've pounded them all. Oh. Like I've muted it and I tried what, – what's, what's your favorite Gatorade? Huh? What's your favorite Gatorade flavor? Um, 
lemon lime is my default flavor. Really? I don't like that one. I like lemon lime, and then I, I don't like any of the new flavors. Like I'm kind of old school, so it's it's going to be lemon lime, orange, and then sometimes fruit punch, but not not often. Okay, see, that, that uh, was my like favorite. The, That's my favorite. The fruit like, punch is my favorite. Yeah, but like Arctic Blue and and Jesus, I was at a at a grocery store the other day, and I saw they have cucumber flavored Gatorade. Now. <laughs> I saw cucumber. <laughs> That's weird. Um, but no, I, I've never gotten to the, any of the old school flavors. But uh, what I've been pounding here, fortunately, they have actually six of them in here. Is just the the lemon lime, uh, you know, Gatorade and okay, well, uh, I, uh, yeah. I, I always I always just did one of two. It was the fruit punch was my favorite, and then a fairly close second is the orange. Yeah. So I would actually buy both of them for variety. Okay. Now, now I'm I, just kind of now I'm kind of screwed because I, I need to eat. I feel like I have to eat. And I'm not ordering room service, and everything else is closed here except for that awful. Uh, they call it a coffee shop, but it's not even owned by Caesars. You know, you had that yes. bad sandwich experience with your family. Yes. yes. Remember that restaurant? Yep, Central. I know. Yeah, that's the only place open now. So I think when I'm done here, I'm going to have to walk or either get in my car or go to the Bellagio or go somewhere else because I'm definitely not ordering room service from here again. Is it, Don't you have that open? delivery service that you used a couple weeks ago? Yeah, they, I have that. I mean, I, I actually, funny enough, I uh, found some free uh, coupons online, and I have like a twenty dollars delivery credit, so I could I could use that. Could, that actually yeah. sounds good. Maybe yeah, like China a smoothie. Maniacs, he's he's uh, solving it here. So, uh, yeah. This so um, Brandon, did you watch? And uh, Chinese maniac, you can answer this too. Did you guys watch Tilt back in two thousand five with I watched Michael? Matthews? Every episode of it. I'm not embarrassed yeah, to I say saw, it. I saw them and all too. I'll tell you, it it. It was one of the shows, even though it was so awful, it, it still left me with, okay, what's going to happen next? And I got that, so invested. That's exactly, that's exactly after, what was the situation with me. After four or five episodes, so literally, uh, I think this was right before I had my first DVR box. Or maybe I just had gotten it. I don't remember. but And I remember every Sunday night, Steve the Bodyguard would come over to my house. It was on ESPN, it was, right? It was ESPN, yes. And Steve the Bodyguard would come over to my house every Sunday night, and we'd watch it, just him and I, and, and I saw every episode. And it's actually funny you mentioned it because I tried going online maybe about two months ago. I was at home and just had nothing to do and, and couldn't find a movie I wanted to watch. And I tried to find it online just to start watching them again because it was only 10 episodes, and, you know, yeah. and I couldn't find it anywhere. Huh. And except for I could, you know, like on Amazon or somewhere you could buy it, you know, for like – Fifty nine dollars. Yeah, I wasn't going to do you that. Don't want to go that far? But, so, uh, so, so I saw every episode. I remember really well. So let's talk about it. Well, okay. So there's re- I'm bringing it up because there's going to be another not another tilt, but another fictitious uh, poker drama coming on TV. But yeah, tilt. Uh, same, just like you, I watched every episode. I was interested to see how it would end. I felt that it started off pretty well, and then it got stupid pretty quickly to where uh, uh, I, I continued watching it because I was you know what. The one thing I'll say, though, Druff, is it, it's a lot better. I mean, you know, it, it, it was, I guess, maybe 12, 14 episodes. So they had to put, you know, like the love story in there and drama just, you know, to try to, you know, make it more interesting. But at least in terms of the poker part of it, I found it much more realistic than any other poker movie. Like that awful Lucky You. Yeah, um, well. And especially like a movie like Maverick, where do you remember where they were playing – Poker and like one or, or even like Casino Royale. Remember the hand of Casino Royale? Someone has a royal flush. Someone has a straight flush. Someone has four <laughs> of a kind. 
There's two full houses. This is all the same hand. And I remember thinking, and I'm like, come on. I'm a poker player. Like, you're insulting me. Yeah. Like, you remember that scene? Yeah, Where yeah. everyone had, like, it would have been a bad beat jackpot of epic proportions. You know? Yeah, it's just they, they they made it too outlandish. It became too much like um, an action slash drama series rather than uh, um, anything about poker. Like the, the poker really took us a, a backseat to kind of a, a stupid well, drama story. But, but you know, they, they kind of had to though because if you know if it's an hour show or even a movie, you can you can have it fully concentrate on poker. But when you're talking fourteen, fifteen hours, you know you can't just you know I think what they were trying to do was cater more to not just a poker player, but, of course, you know, mainstream people that weren't into poker, females, which is why they had love stories. And, I mean, you know what I mean? They wanted to get a wider audience. Yeah, I know, but and, there were too uh, many plot holes. It was jumping around. There were too many yeah, ridiculous I, things. So, so, I, that, I so that's, that's why it didn't survive. If, if they stuck to kind of like what they you had know, going. I thought I – did, I did think that uh, Michael Madsen played that role fucking great. Yeah, he as did a, a very villain, good, as a he, bad he guy, did, as a He did a very cheat. good job. He played, he played it great. I, that was my favorite character by yeah, far. Yeah, he did a very good job. So, how did that end? I don't even remember the ending. The, the, even the ending the sun, was dumb. The son wins. The son wins the bracelet at the end, and as he's uh, the final table is ending, uh, Michael Madsen is arrested for murder and all these other crimes that he did. Right when his son had beat him at, at the final table. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. also no, and also he was brought into. Uh, uh, this guy had been pursuing him the whole time. He's killing his brother. You know, got the FBI to be willing to leave him alone in the bathroom to beat him up. And then uh, shout out to uh, Ben. Was it Ben Ford and Chat? Yeah, he was called the Matador. That was yeah, his poker the name, Matador. the Matador. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Matador. Uh, you know, the Matador's daughter. She was the one yes. who was uh, with David Williams, which I reported on uh, Never Win Poker when I saw it. And then it turned out David Williams was cheating on his girlfriend at the time, and I was asked to delete the post. Yeah. So, and she also she also was bragging that she stole a pair the pair of jeans she was wearing from the set. But so anyhow, I, I, tell us. So there's an, a, there's a, a new, new thing, and this poker. this involves Negranu, sort of. So Negranu said there's a new poker themed television show in the works. It is called Four Kings, and uh, I guess he's playing himself in one or two episodes, but he's not one of the main characters. But the the plot this is what's listed on IMDb for the plot of this. Uh, this this is uh, directed by Mars Callahan, who was involved in a 2002 film called Pool Hall, Pool Hall Junkies, and so this is involved... that's a great movie, by the way. Yeah, so so maybe it has a chance to be decent. But but anyway, the plot summary on IMDb says uh, it, so first it says that it's a half an hour scripted show that revolves around four friends who live together in a penthouse of the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Three of them are world class poker players, and the fourth is a bookie. Who makes the line on every on absolutely everything? Together, they travel the world in search of the highest stakes games of the most colorful characters. With a loyalty and integrity level that is rarely seen, these four best friends stick together and watch each other's backs through everything that comes their way in their search for becoming world champions. Unfortunately, from this description, it sounds like it's going to be stupid. But I've seen it before where the description kind of sucks, and, the, and it actually ends up being good. You know, just general things I've seen on TV. So it's hard to judge from that. Uh, and and the cast has actually been uh, selected. It's just they haven't made clear who's playing who of these friends. Uh, Kevin Pollock is going to be in it. Uh, Robert Eiler, I don't know who he is. Uh, oh, he was on oh, the Sopranos. Robert, 
Yeah, that's that was uh he was AJ. on the Sopranos. AJ, it's Ron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, yeah, and uh, and then uh, um, Willie Garson, who I guess was on uh, Sex in the City and, and White Collar. I didn't watch either of those, but uh, um, and then this uh, Mars Callahan himself is is going to be in it. It's not clear who he's going to play. And uh, and the guy in the forty year old virgin who uh, who is giving I'm, sex I'm advice sorry. to uh, to Steve Carell's Girl. character. Yeah, Girl. I'm sorry. I, I just have to. You know, uh, this is something that's bothered me, and and I'm sorry, it's a tangent. I don't get it in today's day and age, especially these new hotel towers. Like, you know, the Gustus is three years old. Why aren't they enough fucking plugs for electronic devices? Oh, yeah, I Why do that. I have to unplug lamps? Why do I have to fucking pull a desk from away from the wall? I mean, do they know they're building this? It was the same thing in the Bellagio. Uh, I know how, in today's day and age people have iPads, laptops, smartphones. Why are they three fucking chargers and I have to move okay. furniture to get to them? Tell me, tell me, the, this is the worst. This is the worst is when... I'm not plugging my, my $3,000 laptop into a lamp. Okay. Now oh, this, the, the oh, lamps, no, forget the lamp. Like, the lamp's actually a good thing. Let me, this is the worst is when you're in a hotel room... The, the lamp has an outlet in it. You know, have yeah. you ever seen those lamps? Yeah, where yes, you... yes, yes. But at least that gives you an outlet. The very worst is when you have a room where there's no place to plug in your phone or anything else you need, especially by the bed. Then you look around and you go, well, where's the lamp plugged into? And the lamp is on a, like a long extension cord, which goes all the way to the back of the bed in and the worst place the to find. So, so, yeah, you so if my laptop's the... almost out of power, i got to remove Pull this desk from away from the wall to get to a power. I've had it power. before where I've had to move like a big heavy bed or pull the mattress all the way to, to get to the plug <laughs> all the way in the middle and because the lamps are on like an extension cord over there and there's no available outlet anywhere. I've seen that. Okay, I'm sorry. I just what about, what about the new rooms in Vegas? Like at the newer hotels, do they have more? This is outlets? only like three years old. This tower I'm in. It's the only one not okay. in bankruptcy. No, 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 no. no. Augustus one... actually, Augustus goes back to '05, I believe. So it's uh, it, the, the smartphones oh, okay. were not there yet. So they they have a little bit Doc of an excuse there. The one that's yeah, but but they can but they can put in the lamps with the plugs on them. I know you criticize them, but it's better than nothing. And they've sure I'm afraid it's gonna it's gonna do some kind of surge thing. No, and, I, I think those are pretty safe. But, but they don't even, they don't have that, do they? What does, a, does the Augustus, I'm forgetting does the Augustus Tower have those lamps or not? Yeah, they, I have one oh, right on my desk right now. I can okay, saw. there was a, I think maybe it's the Rio, you know it's the Rio that doesn't have it. The Rio it's such a pain in the ass, or you have to actually go. Oh, I had a huge problem in that Samba Suite finding plugs too to charge more than one fucking <laughs> that's, thing. At that's once. where I had to move the bed. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that and I wasn't going to do that, but yeah, it, yeah. Okay, so, right. so anyway, going on about this this Four Kings program. So that's <coughs> that's who's in it. Uh, Negreanu will be playing himself in at least one episode. He he said that he was in L.A. recently and he shot the second episode. Uh, they're apparently shooting the whole season, but it's not clear when it is going to be released, and it's not clear what network is going to air it. I guess it's even possible it won't be picked up. But they they are shooting the whole season. They're not just doing like one or two episodes and shopping it. So. Uh, that that's coming out. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. Uh, you can't even judge it based upon who's involved because the guys who wrote Rounders were behind Tilt, and then they made a lot of mistakes that they didn't make with Rounders. And in fact, these guys have, they also wrote Runner Runner, which is terrible. So you, you never it know. It all depends on who writes it. I mean, no, but these guys did. These... They, they wrote it, and they just they just were good writers with Rounders and bad with other things. I didn't, I didn't think uh, Runner Runner was terrible. It wasn't great. I, I thought I mean, that... it was better. 
It was better than Lucky You by far, that awful Drew Barrymore movie. And it was also better than, did you ever see that awful movie with Jason Alexander and Cheryl Hines um, called uh, The Grand? No, I didn't see that. I heard it was bad too. Uh, awful, yeah. So I mean, it's all relative. Oh, no, I, I, felt, I felt Runner Runner, just... which which I I wanted to be good because I'm on the Blu-ray, and I I mean, it, 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 what I thought about Runner Runner was first the beginning when they they should have they could have had a very dramatic scene when the guy loses his money and it was so awful they didn't even show the screen when the guy got super used like they, well, they can't even show a freaking screen in a high budget movie of him playing online poker they couldn't they think should... about think about Lucky You. Where uh, I think it was his name was David Banya, or something Banya, whatever his name was, sits down and he's busted, and he gets like five hundred dollars and he starts playing ten, twenty, or twenty, forty limit hold'em, and then in four hours he's in Bobby's room playing two thousand, four thousand. Well, did you did you see the write up that someone did on our site, the shrink? Did you see his his uh, where he took screenshots of it and, and wrote his like a summary? Yes. It was hilarious. That was a great thread. Yes, I remember that. So, so, but anyway, I thought with Runner Runner, the beginning they they didn't do enough with. They they took something that could have been a dramatic, good opening scene and just rushed through it in five minutes. And suddenly he's on a plane to Costa Rica for, for in a situation you don't even care about. And uh, so you you're started off not caring about the whole motivation of the character because they rushed through it so much. And then the then after that, once he gets there, it, it was mildly interesting for a while. They didn't do a bad job with kind of like the beginning through the middle. And then in the middle, it just went downhill again. And the and that FBI agent they had, that black FBI agent, was an awful character and like totally over the top and ridiculous. So the yeah. the, the whole thing was uh, and, and the love story. There was like no chemistry there, and, and the 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 female character didn't even do much. The the whole thing was really stupid. And they and they had these like extraneous characters in it, like this. Uh, remember that that affiliate guy who they blackmailed? Yeah, like, like they got him cheating on the boat. Yeah, but like there was no real point to that character. It was just like an extraneous character that didn't really do anything that they just show them blackmailing him for no good reason. And uh, uh, it was just the movie was a mess in a lot of ways. In fact, I I tried to get Benjamin's mom wanted to watch it with me because even though I wasn't in the movie, I was on the Blu-ray. So she wanted to try to she couldn't like once it started getting lame in the middle, she just said, I can't continue and left like I had to finish it myself. Also, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep cutting. If I know we still need to talk about Kirk of Orkian and Eric Lindgren. Another thing I read uh, when I was playing yesterday uh, that there's a new book that's coming out. This has actually drawn a lot of controversy. That's that is stating that Benny Binion was an FBI informant. Huh. Um, you can Google and read about this. Some some newspaper. Uh, just filed, I guess, last year a, a Freedom of Information request. And it, I guess, was proven that he actually was an FBI informant wow. for many, many years. And Becky Binion's husband, uh, Nick Binion, basically the guy that ran uh, Binion's into the ground, uh, has been all pompous and arrogant, giving press conferences, saying it isn't true that he's filing a lawsuit. But it's very interesting. If we don't want to talk about it tonight, maybe next week you can do some research about it. Okay. But uh, everything I've read indicates he was an FBI informant wow. for about two decades. So just uh, remember about that and do some research and people listening, read about it. Cause I was very interested when, when I read the article, I, I very, very uh, surprised just a lot of the things that uh, he apparently did over the years. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, 
Let's let's look at what do we have here. Uh, so, so that's that's coming up. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. And what what channel is it going to be on? They, they don't know busy? yet. They don't know. It's not even picked up anywhere yet, supposedly. So and it might not be like what was the uh, the uh, Johnny Chan one? Oh, Full House of Johnny Chan. Yeah, that may not Chico Loco. Like Chico Loco, it may never see the light of day. Uh, <laughs> so Twitch. Have you watched any of these Twitch broadcasts that people are doing of their poker play? I've never watched a Twitch in my life. I, I've watched the, uh, probably about five minutes total of Twitch. I just I'm just not that interested in it. But uh, Big Dog Pocket Fives is the, is really was Casey Jarzebeck. Don't really know him. I've heard of him. Uh, Twitch banned him. They're, they're very, Twitch does not want to become the next chat roulette. So they you know you can't get on there and, and jerk off or, or, or run porn or yeah you know, they're trying to stay clean. Uh, so if if they find any evidence at all, they may even have ways to scan the, the image that you're broadcasting. Uh, anything that looks like it's porn, they, they shut down your account automatically. So Casey Jarzebeck was playing, as he does frequently on Twitch. And then when he was done, this is at least what he claims, uh, he thought the camera was off, and he put on porn. <laughs> And then soon after, his Twitch account was banned. Now, it's since been unbanned, but, uh, but he was banned from there watching porn, which everyone got to see who was watching his Twitch. And he claims it was an accident. Now, do you believe that was really an accident? Do you think it's even possible that you could – someone who's an experienced Twitch broadcaster could finish playing poker and then immediately load up the porn and forget to turn off the camera? Do you, do you think that yeah. really wasn't? You think that I think it's very possible. Hmm. I mean, if there's like nothing like blinking in front of you that says it's on, I mean, I, I could see how very it's like. Sometimes I remember one night when we finished a show, you kept your microphone; it was on for a little while. I picked it up and I could hear you or whatever, but I just well, shut I remember, it off. For the infamous uh, Schoenfeld mic, on, there was the infamous. The yeah, that's true. There was the infamous Schoenfeld incident. This was early on when uh, I. Had, the story, Jeff. Okay, the so story. I, I had just gotten to know Adam Schoenfeld. We didn't know each other very well yet. I had met him like once or twice, and uh, um, Schoenfeld was over at Mikeon's house, and we did a, a radio show for. I think it was Neverwin Poker Radio. I don't think it was Donk Down yet, but whatever. The show was done. The show was off the air. Mikeon did take it off the air, but we were still connected on Skype. Mikeon didn't connect Skype, so it's just sitting here saying connected. So I'm about to like reach over and click the button to end it. I wasn't even trying to eavesdrop on Mikeon's house. And then Schoenfeld starts talking, and at this point I couldn't turn it off. I hear, oh, man, what was with Druff tonight? He was just awful. I mean, it was just, I mean, he was just so terrible on radio tonight. And he, he started bashing the way I was on radio that evening. So then Mikeon at the time, this is back in the days when Mikeon was, was defending me when people would bash me, this uh, was changed over time. But uh, Mikeon was defending, oh, you know, you know, Druff is every week. There's a lot of people who really like him. You know, I admit tonight wasn't his best performance, but, you know, there's a lot of nights he does a really good job. He, you know, this is just one episode. So he said, no, but it was just like I was just so sick of hearing from him. And he's just going on and on about this thing. And I was just so bored. And I, like he's going on. Like he was totally trashing me. And I'm sitting here listening, and I'm thinking, should I interrupt and say, well, you know, everyone's a critic, Schoenfeld. Why don't you try to do better? But, like, I, I just decided to stay quiet and, and let this go on. And I, I wanted to hear where this would go. 
Well, it didn't go much further than this, or maybe it did and I didn't know, because they walked out of the room. And I, I waited for a few minutes, and they didn't come back, and I hung up. So then I was left with the dilemma of, do I say anything about this? So and keep in mind, I wasn't trying to listen in. It's not like I was spying on them through Skype they forgot to hang up on, and I caught this like an hour later. I was really going to hang up. I was just about to hit the button, and I started hearing him talk about me. So then I'm thinking, do, do I just, should I say anything? Should I not say anything? So I did say something. In fact, I think I made like a, an offhanded comment on the forum without explaining myself. And then Schoenfeld was so concerned about this, and he called me up and was apologizing and saying that uh, you know, what he meant was that, uh, that, that I'm always so good on the show, and it's just that night he didn't feel I was. I just wasn't up to my usual standards. And, and that, uh, you know, he tried to spin it that he, that he didn't mean it the way I heard it. But uh, uh, that, that was a weird situation. Of all things, the one time I get to eavesdrop there, I, I hear trash talk about me from Schoenfeld. <laughs> and then, ironically, it was some, some measure of, of satisfaction – uh, I, you know, I had heard, and Schoenfeld later denied this, by the way. He called me another time, like back in 2011, to explain this one. I had heard from multiple people that Schoenfeld was not appearing on Donkdown Radio at all, despite his very close friendship with Mike on, because he didn't like me and didn't want to be on the radio with me. But yet, yet he never indicated this to me. Schoenfeld always acted friendly to me. So that's why I was a surprise to hear uh, that Schoenfeld disliked me enough to where he wouldn't even be on the same radio show as me. Oh. And look what happened. Him and I thought we're friends. We had meals together, and after the whole falling out, never heard from him again. Yeah, so so Schoenfeld – so I was told oh. this by multiple people to where it's got to be true, uh, different people, including people who didn't have association with each other that wouldn't have like gossiped to each other about it. So it had to have been true. But anyway, it was even more proven true because after I left Donk Down – Guess who immediately came on the next episode? Schoenfeld. So it wasn't like he was so busy with other things, and it just you know happened to line up with uh, with, with when well, I, you know we got Donktown started. The, he came on the second I was gone, and, and was on for several episodes in a row. In, in fact, he was. Bad, it was very bad radio. Yeah, too. He, so he was named the second co-host, and I got a sense of satisfaction out of this. I got uh, uh, it was very nice to see the reaction that nobody liked him on radio. It was a very very disliked group of episodes there where everyone just complained, complained. He sucks. He sucks. And people were saying in the chat too, get Schoenfeld off. He sucks. He's boring. I, I don't like his voice. I, like every, they criticized everything he said and did. And it, it was very satisfying to see that after he had been criticizing me so much behind my back. And also, uh, uh, you know, even back a few years ago when that happened and uh, to see that when he tried it, it was an epic fail, and nobody liked it. It wasn't even like that certain people liked him and certain didn't. Like, almost nobody liked him. And he, this was very surprising to him because when he appeared on the show with us, people liked him for the most part. But that's because you heard him in limited doses. But when he was the co-host, no one liked it. And uh, so that, that was uh, satisfying to some degree. And then when I – finally one day, like, when I started Poker Fraud Alert, one of the – there was one of my early drama threads was about that. I said, yeah, you know what? Back uh, last year, let me tell you about Schoenfeld. And Schoenfeld read this and was so concerned, he called me up and had like an hour-long conversation with me trying to convince me that the, this was all not true. And I'm like, well, you got to understand, Aaron, Adam, I heard this from like four different people, including some who had nothing to do with one another and people who were very reliable and never make up stories. And, you know, how, how is this possible? How they all come up with the same story when some of these people don't even talk or, or know the same people? And, he, and he's like, well, you'll have to tell me who they are, then I can comment. And I'm like, I'm not, not going to tell you who they are, but... 
yeah, he, he he just would not admit to it, and finally I just gave up trying to drag it out of him. But uh, uh, yeah, that that happened. And do you so, guys still see him? Like, does he, does he still like at the World Series, or no, you guys no. ever see him around Vegas or anything? Schoenfeld? Yeah. No, I was just actually I typed something in the chat. Um, he uh, lived in South Florida for a while, and this is what I was told from a mutual friend that he moved to South Florida. And uh, he was working at one of those casinos where uh, – kind of like a commerce where you bank for the house. You know right. what I'm talking about, Druff? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Most people don't know. Like like commerce, for instance, they have blackjack and these other games. But to circumvent the state laws, the way that they, they do it is that they're just providing the service and you pay an ante to get dealt a hand. But you're – getting paid off by like a corporation. I don't know. So he was doing that in uh, South Florida somewhere. And uh, probably, I'm probably uh, spilling some beans here, but I don't care anymore. Uh, then he came back <laughs> to Vegas and he started working for Micon for Seals with Clubs. Um, I don't know what he did, uh, but I just know that uh, Micon offered him a job and he came and he accepted it. And then uh, the last, I guess, year and a half, two years – uh, he has been living in Thailand. He co he even before when he was on radio and and you know I was friends with him. He co owned a he was a co owner of a bar in uh, how do I is it fuck it fuck it how do you pronounce uh, it Phuket or Phuket Phuket okay yeah Phuket and uh, so when he'd go there half the year you know he was at his bar and then you know, before Black Friday he'd play poker out there. And so after, I guess, whatever happened with uh, Seals with Clubs, he moved back to Thailand, and that's where he's been the last couple of years. Um, I know he hasn't played a World Series event um, in at least three years, maybe even longer. And I don't even know, um, other than, like, I think he has a mom alive that still lives in the U.S. He, he doesn't have much family. Uh, so I don't know if he's even been back here to visit. Uh, I mean, I know he doesn't have even a part-time residence here. So if he did come, he'd be staying with friends or a hotel. But uh, the last I heard, again, this was a couple months ago, he was uh, in Thailand still living there. So, and I haven't seen him uh, since right when uh, the Minister of Bitcoins and uh, myself had a falling out. So it's been a number of years. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it sucks because I got along good with him. Well, I, 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 I thought so too, and then it turned out uh, I thought I got along with him fine too. I didn't think yeah. we were friends, but I, I, I was surprised to hear what he what he I, thought. I spent time with him just one on one. We'd go have meals together, talk on the phone. You know, it wasn't just like he was a friend of a friend of mine. I considered him a friend. And then after uh, all that shit happened, I sent him a text, and I'm like, "Hey, you know, I'm sure you heard what went down with uh, you know the, the Bitcoin minister, but I hope it doesn't affect our friendship. You know, I'd like to still be friends with you." Um, you know, so on and so forth, and never got a text back from him, never responded to me. Uh, he blocked me on Facebook and never <laughs> heard from him again. And yeah, so I, I was kind of hurt. I mean, I liked him. We were friends. I mean, we, you know, shared things in common. We talked a lot. We got along well. And, you know, just kind of shitty. I never did anything to him. You know, we were, I was a good friend to him. I helped him out of some jams. And, you know, he was there for me when I needed things. We were, you know, we were good friends. And it just, you know, I mean, whatever, you know. It's uh, the way it is, I guess. But uh, I don't think he plays poker anymore. I mean, maybe I guess he could be playing online there. But I know in terms of live poker here in Vegas, he no one's seen him. He hasn't been here. So 
Um, speaking of which, it, it just it's just really really funny because someone had brought it up. Has there been any uh, comments or any information about the uh, uh, PSU Mike Mike uh, was it Borowitz? Borowitz. Well, he got in trouble again. He went back to his old ways. But I don't know where well, that. that right. And then he had a bunch of charges like in Baltimore and other places where he got arrested. But then that was the last I heard. Yeah, I even no. He's more. been he's been playing MTTs. I think oh, someone really? posted <laughs> someone posted his Hendon mob, and I think he has a bunch of caches lately. <laughs> I'll look it up right now. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, David Pete Viffer, he's uh, engaged. Did you see the pictures, uh, guys? Yes, I said. So uh, I, I I saw you know Viffer. It's interesting the history I have with him. Um, he was best known on Poker Stars in the early days, and I, I when I say early days, I mean all the way through like '05. He was best known for sitting out. He would go into the hundred two hundred limit game, and sit out, and that's all people knew of Viffer. There was it was like the running joke there. Oh, Viffer's here. He's going to sit out, and he'd sit out. He never played a hand there, and. Uh, I, I didn't know what he played there, but he he was known as the sit-out guy. In 2005, at my second World Series event ever, the one I actually won, deep in the event when the table was shorter, you know, I had like seven people. Well, I'm sorry, people. by the way, Bukowski's just amazing. I, I We talk about Schoenfeld within seconds, he finds some link of him playing in a golf tournament in Thailand. I mean, that guy's just... <laughs> He sent me. He posted the link in the chat. That's pretty amazing. So he's fucking. He is just a. He's an asset. Draw. Hold on to this guy. Seriously. Jesus Christ. So, so How does he find this. So uh, so Viffer he sits down at my table, my tournament table, deep in the event, the three K limit in two thousand five, and says, "Can I sit out here?" And that was my first time meeting him. Well, that was kind of funny, but what got annoying is we once he got you know. He got more into the high stakes, no limit, and started doing well, and ran up a lot of money, and it was known as this like crazy gambler who's still you know winning with his pure aggression. Um, he used to taunt me and Neverwin. He picked the two of us for some reason. When we, either of us would be walking around the Bellagio towards a limit game, he'd see us walk by and go, "Oh, oh, guys, come on, seats open here. Come on, come sit, play no limit with us." He's like, he's like trying to harass both of us, like almost shame us to go play no limit with him. So we always had the same response. He did this to each of us separately, me and Neverwin. So we'd say, well, this is he'd open the limit game. Come over here. And he did. By that point, he had played some limits uh, on Poker Stars, and he was terrible. So we were very happy to have him. But he, he never did. He, but he, he was yeah. every time begging us to come sit in the no limit game. It was, you know what's yeah. funny? When uh, the AIM chat used to be a big thing, you know, the little uh, yeah, AIM yeah. jerk, they used to invite him. And I was in there a couple of times to the chat. And he would come in and join. Oh, not only Next. that, he, he used to, he used to, he found me on AIM. I forgot how, but this was again before he was known. And he used to bug me all the time. His name was like X Card Player or something. Yeah, that's and, what it was. It yeah. was X Card yeah, Player. Yeah, and, and he was always. He used to come into the chat and people would talk shit and he'd talk shit back. And it yeah. Was, it was I, I mean, he, he used, he had, and the thing is, he had no idea who any of us were, yeah. but he would come in and chat with us. But, but yeah, he used to always try to talk to me on, on AIM. Like just unsolicited out of nowhere. I'm like, who is this ex card player? Oh, this is Viffer. And I like, go, oh, the sit out guy. Like, like that's the way it was. Well, uh, then then he moved to his whole thing, like trying to taunt me and never went to play no limit with him whenever we walked by him in the Bellagio. Uh, another time I saw him was in, in 2000. I think it was around 2007 or something. I'm going to my box at Bellagio, which I, I have my box in in the main area, not in the poker area. I, I go in there and 
there's two doors that you can go into to go to your box. So I come out of my door, and coming out of the other door is Viffer with a girl who is really hot, but you can tell is a stripper or a prostitute. Like it looks like a, like a high end hooker, and he's totally showing off, he, saying, uh, "So yeah, now you just saw what a lot of money looks like." like he actually made statements like that to her, uh, and, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is this is so obviously a." Uh, I mean, this looked like it was a prostitute, not even like a gold digging situation. So, from that point, you know, Viffer had the reputation of someone who you know went to strip clubs a lot, got prostitutes a lot, and. I just didn't picture him as the type who would be settling down. And uh, two years ago, he he posted on Twitter. I don't know if he stuck to it. Maybe Bukowski can look that up, too. He claimed he's retiring from poker. This was in July 2013. He said that uh, he just isn't into it anymore. Does anyone know if he's played in the last two years? Uh, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen him at the Bellagio. I haven't seen him uh, at the WSOP. Um, I know that he was making a lot of money playing pool. I mean, I know he's a really good pool player. I don't know if that's what he's still doing, but uh, in terms of Aria, Blasio, WSOP, I have not seen him in at least three years. Yeah, and, and he, he referred to himself, he kind of changed from Viffer to Dippy Dave. Uh, and his name, real name is David Pete, B-E-A-T. So apparently he's he's engaged now, and I found this on my Facebook. It'll sometimes suggest friends that I should add and, you know, based upon mutual friends or interests or whatever. And so it suggested David Pete. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what Viffer's doing now, two years later after retiring from poker, supposedly. So I, I go take a look and, and I see that he's recently gotten engaged. So then I think to myself, well, I wonder what this girl looks like because, you know, Viffer is not known as one of the better looking guys of poker. And uh, so I take a look and the girl I, I thought was surprisingly pretty. And she does. Unlike the the girl that he uh, that I saw in 2007 at the Bellagio, she doesn't have the look of of a stripper or a prostitute. She just uh, she's kind of has the look of a young, you know, pretty girl and sort of young. She kind of looks around like late twenties, thirties, something like that. What what was your impression of her? Um, I mean, I thought she was attractive. I, I didn't sit there and stare at the picture. I opened up the thread, read it. I mean, she looked pretty. Yeah. She looked good-looking. Good yeah, now I, mean, I could see what you're saying. She could have been a stripper. She could have been a prostitute. Or but she doesn't look. She doesn't have, really have that look. I mean, some of them don't. But she doesn't. At least in these pictures, have that yeah. look. But he, he now he has a big neck tattoo. I don't know when he got that of like a skull, like a big. He's neck had tattoo. that for a while. Okay, okay. I, I hadn't seen that before. And uh, and they're they're doing some kind of gross things. In the, like there's a picture of them at a Mets game where he's sticking his tongue in her ear. She's she's smiling through the whole thing with. The picture of uh, him picking his nose at dinner. The picture of them both sticking out their tongues and they're sitting on some rocks somewhere while they're hiking. Uh, so uh, people are – there's even some debate in the thread on Poker Fraud Alert about this if he has any money anymore. Is, you know, is, is he someone who has still has a lot of money? Is he broke? Is he close to broke? And is this girl with him because he has money or, or has he really charmed her to where – yeah, she's legitimately into him, regardless of money. So, did you ever see the uh, remember the show Two Months Two Million? Did you ever see like how he was on there? No, I didn't watch that. Oh, it was pretty good. Like uh, he was playing against um, 
what's the kid's name that was on there um, that used to play High Stakes No Limit? The kid that just made that movie about uh, the story of online poker. Um, well, anyways, he was playing against him. It was all these kids that were trying to make, you know, two million in two months. And he was playing against Viffer, and Viffer was crushing him. And then he just came up, he figured out that Viffer had this tell. Like, you know, they're showing these hands on full tilt as they're unwinding. Every time, like, Viffer hit pot, he was bluffing. So, like, the kid knew this, and, and you know, every time he hit pot, and then the kid, I think the, the kid cleaned him out of, like, 750K <laughs> wow. or something wow. like that. Just every time it was exact pot, you know, because they have the pot button, he was bluffing. That's amazing that Viffer didn't catch on to that for a while. Yeah, and then he'd just, like... He's like, how come I hit pot every single time they know I'm bluffing? How, how do they always know I'm bluffing? Yeah, he would either just call him or he would just raise him or whatever, and yeah. he just <laughs> he just totally demolished him for, like, I think close to a million dollars or something. Viffer's like, you know, how does he know so much? Well, he can't catch my bluff this time. Pot! And then the best was at the end after he lost, he got his account cleaned out. You see, you see in the little chat window on full tilt it says "dying in grease fire." <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, so Viffer is engaged, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know how long he's going. to I don't know how long they've even been together, but I mean, from the pictures, it looks like she's like legitimately into him. But who knows? And I, I, I've seen pictures and Facebook posts where some couple seem so into each other. And I, I don't mean like in the first six weeks. I mean like a year into it. They, It just looks like nothing can go wrong. And then it turns out the whole thing was misleading. Like you find out later that even when they were posting these super happy pictures, they were totally unhappy. Right. I, I can't even fake it like that. Like I can't even if, – if I have a relationship that's going crappy, not that I, I don't post relationship stuff on Facebook ever, but even if I did, I if, if something wasn't going well, I, I wouldn't post – these like happy pictures of of me and my girlfriend. Oh, I'm so in love. Oh, this is so. I, I couldn't do it. it I'd right. feel like a fraud. I'd feel like I'm like like I couldn't. Even if I did post that type of thing, I couldn't bring myself to post it if the relationship was crappy at that point. But I've, I've seen it with other people, so it, it gets hard to predict who. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I was just like I was distracted. It's so funny. Here's a tangent of all tangents on Skype. There's people I haven't talked to in many years, and even when I talk to them, I talk to them like once, but they're on my Skype friends list, and I'll be like reminded of their birthday. So there's a guy who has a birthday now on June 18th that my only interaction with him, if, if I'm thinking correctly, this is the person. If I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to name him anyway. But when we were on Donkdown, there was a some kind of fail staking company or something that wanted to advertise – and so they they paid us in advance, as is common with advertising on radio. And the agreement was that they would get a sticky thread on Donkdown describing their site and that we would do a radio interview with them and then run some commercials for a while, something like that. So before they appeared on radio, they made their thread on Donkdown and everyone trolled them mainly because their site sucked and their concept was stupid. So the, the users were kind of right what they were saying, but, but it was a very poor reaction to the product they were pitching, and they knew that this wasn't going to make them any money. They knew that pretty much no one was going to go with it because everyone was bashing them and criticizing it. And not even like in a traditional trolling way. It was like people were bringing up legitimate questions and flaws in their model, so I couldn't even censor it and say, you know, you guys can't do this because they, you know, I can't say you can't ask the sponsor legitimate questions. So... They became very unhappy. So they no longer wanted to advertise on Donkdown Radio, and they wanted their money back, 
even though they had already, you know, agreed, did a little contract with us, and even we started their sticky thread. And I think we even ran a, a, an ad one on one show before that. But before the show they were about to appear on, they complained that because we had uh, Julia, the porn star, <laughs> who Brandon brought oh. to us, because we had her on the show, that this is not the type of show they want to be involved with and that they want a full refund. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous because they were very it was very clear to them what type of site we had and what type of show we had. It's not like they heard a, a clean show and saw a clean site and we blindsided them with a with with, with Julia the, the hooker. We we this is so clearly part of the way that site was and they were just trying to get out of it. So without my permission or knowledge, one of the Dockdown owners, not even Mike on, shipped back the money and I was pissed. It wasn't me. No, it was not you. But one of them did. One of them shipped back the entire money. And I said, do you realize we just got rolled here? Do you, can you imagine if uh, at a large Los Angeles radio station, if uh, a company advertised and signed a contract and paid, and then after like one ad had already run, they decided they, wanted, they didn't want to advertise anymore and one out of the contract? What would happen? They, they'd be laughed out of the office. You, you don't get your money back that way. You, you know, you've agreed to it. You stick to your agreement, especially if it's already in the middle of the whole thing. You can't say, oh, well, we didn't get a good response to our product, so uh, we want a full refund, including the ads we've already run. Like it was, and they, they didn't even you – know, if they had asked nicely and said, uh, hey, you know, this isn't working out over here. Can you give us a prorated refund? I would have said, okay, fine. I wouldn't have been a dick about it, even though I could have. I, 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 but they wanted the whole refund, everything back. So uh, anyway, we uh, – in Mycon's defense, he agreed with me, but he wasn't – strong enough with arguing about it and uh, by the time I was told. So we actually made a I actually demanded a new agreement on Donk Down that no money is ever refunded to anyone unless there's uh, unless all the owners have talked about it and there's been a vote on whether it goes and you, even if it's a, even if it's like a, a majority vote without the, the fourth owner hearing about it, like they, everyone has to hear about it and have a chance to discuss it. So it was one of many fights we had over there. There's so, so many behind the scenes fights and that's why when I started Poker Fraud Alert, I go, I'm, you know, I'm just going to run this myself. This way, any success or failure is on my own shoulders. So, all right, uh, let, let's see what else we got here. Let's get the Lindgren. A let's lot get, of people in chat are staying okay. awake waiting. Yeah, everyone's their Lindgren. We actually got a good ratings this show, by the way. From the start, the show's had good ratings, even though they slipped a bit because it's 1 a.m. in the West Coast. Uh, even for 1 a.m., the ratings are good right now. The, the whole night's been good ratings, maybe because people were uh, really missing the show after the 11-day hiatus. But good ratings the whole time. So, Eric Lindgren, yeah, he has filed a second bankruptcy. And I, I guess this happened before his uh, recent tournament success. What did he win at the uh, – was it the Colossus or the Millionaire Maker? It was the Millionaire Maker, right? It was, uh, was 182000 Okay, that's not going to do very much. No. <laughs> so, and if he, he didn't, I'm sure he didn't have himself either. He was probably someone buying him in yeah. too. So – yeah, Lindgren has filed another bankruptcy. Let me get to the article about this. It's uh, it's never ending with him. He's never going to get out of this. No, the one, he's not. The, the one thing that boggles my mind about this is after the first time he declared bankruptcy, didn't he move into like a multi-million dollar house or something? Yes, he's, he's lived an expensive lifestyle the whole time. That's why this is so obnoxious. This is not even someone who says, okay, I screwed up big time. 
but I'm going to I'm going to live a Spartan lifestyle. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to live he doesn't have to live in the ghetto and, and eat ramen every night, but but he's living in an expensive place. He had a very expensive wedding with with with, Eric, with Erica. He uh, he's definitely not someone who's living like a person who doesn't have any money. So uh, he and then he's had some tournament successes since then, but still he, he's bankrupt again. It's unbelievable. So this is actually on Bloomberg.com to show you how big the story's gotten. Eric Lindgren, a professional poker player who made millions in competitions, including the World Series of Poker, filed for bankruptcy protection for the second time in three years. And here's part of the problem. The PokerStars online gambling service sued Lindgren after he failed to return a $2 million payment erroneously deposited into his account by Full Tilt Poker. Uh, they're owned by PokerStars. Lindgren, at the time they weren't, but they, you know, now it's PokerStars who they owed the money. Uh, Lindgren also didn't repay a $531,807 loan, according to papers filed in January in federal court in Nevada. PokerStars in March asked the court to enter a judgment against Lindgren for, Lindgren for $2.5 million. So I didn't know about this 500 k loan. I knew about the laughable $2 million that was loaned to him twice. That's, they didn't explain this here, but that's what happened, is that they agreed to loan him $2 million. And in one of the biggest boneheaded moves, and to show you just the state of chaos at full tilt and nobody was watching what was going on they loaned him the same two million dollars twice (laughs) and thought they only did it once and eric lindgren for years got away with it just withdrawing the two million and blowing it gambling so later they realized it and asked for the money back and he said now sorry i'm broke f you so now poker stars since they bought full tilt they now own the debt and apparently they found another loan. Well, actually, it's actually funny. Let's just actually be more specific. If I recall correct, in the letter of files, when this was brought up, they brought up uh, how uh, Chris Ferguson called Eric Lindgren about the, the extra loan. He said, hey, I'm in the movies. Can I call you back? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's laugh track. I mean, that's, that's literally what, what he said. He was in the movies. <laughs> Yeah, can I cry back about that uh, four million thing? I'm watching The Hangover too. <laughs> so I didn't know about this 531k loan that he got as well. So they he's we're 2.5 million of bad loans, two million of which was an erroneous loan. So Lindgren listed assets of less than five hundred thousand dollars in Chapter 11 papers. Tuesday in U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Las Vegas. Why does he have five hundred? Or sorry, fifty thousand. Okay, that sounds bad. I, I misread his five hundred. Yeah, fifty thousand. Uh, creditors said less than fifty thousand in assets, right? Yeah, yeah. Creditors without collateral backing their claims are owed more than eight million. Lindgren's 2012 bankruptcy was, clo- was closed without clearing up his debts. At the time, he owned the IRS three point eight million. So he's just in horrible shape here. Lindgren, who is 2008 World Series of Poker Player of the Year earned more than $3.7 million playing at the World Series and circuit tournaments, according to the World Series website. He took 7th place and won 193000 in a World Series event on June 5th. The case is in... The, the case is re Eric Allen Lindgren, U.S. Bankruptcy Court, District of Nevada. So it's a federal uh, bankruptcy court here. So... Yeah, You know, it's amazing. Many people don't remember two years ago. Last year, he didn't have a great World Series. But right when he got out of uh, the gambling rehab in California came, the WPT right before, 
Like literally, it was about a week before the World Series began. Uh, he finished second. Do you remember who he played heads yes, up? Yes, yeah, Chino Reem. That was that was the yes. that was the one where it's the the proof in poker that uh, nice guys really do finish last. Right, and then after that, into the World Series, he won a bracelet for like eight hundred thousand. So he he had he had made close to one point five one point seven million in a matter of three or four weeks. And I mean, again, he's so buried. That didn't even put a dent in things. Yeah, I mean, was I, I wasn't even understanding if anyone got paid. I mean, the sick thing is that's like a career year for most people. Yes. Finishing second, like in a 25 KWPT, and then winning like a, a deep no-limit field. Not You know, it wasn't like one of the 10K tournaments with 100 people, and it was like a deep no-limit tournament, you know, with, you know, several thousand people in it, and it paid close to a million. Like I said, so he made like 1.8, 1.7 million in two or three weeks, which for anybody would be almost a career year for, you know, a great year. Maybe, I mean, you know, and, and it didn't even touch the surface. You know what's amazing? He could finish in second place, or actually, forget second place. He could win the main event. And what would happen? I believe, you know, provided they would seize it, I think he would lose all or almost all of it, depending on what the prize pool is. Of course, because, because you to, have to, to think he'd to, stay. To the, no, just to the IRS. Just to the oh. IRS. Because okay, he, he, goes, well, he wouldn't even have enough. You know, that's an interesting question. Say hypothetically, and this is what I've heard, but I don't know if it's true. Say hypothetically, Negron is the one that is putting him in all these tournaments, and you know he's buried deep in makeup with Negrano, um, you know, because he didn't he brick last year and he played in a lot of events and he hasn't hit anything this year in, in WPTs or the WSOP other than the, the hundred eighty thousand. So say he hits a big score, say he final tables the main event. Let's just say he wins the main event. What is someone like Negrano's protection? to make sure that he even gets his share before that money can be seized. Is there is there a way to, to protect himself, a backer maybe, in that scenario? Maybe if he has a contract with him. Yeah, he might, might, he might, yeah he might be able to present to the I, IRS it was his money. Well, that, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, would, would, would that still be valid? I think, I, think not- it, I think it probably would be, but there would have to be a paper trail where it was actually paid to Negreanu and not given back to Lindgren. I think that's what it would have to be. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe you know if Tengranu could prove that he put up the buy-in, that they had a contract that, that, that uh, Lindgren will pay him this much and that Lindgren could pay him because this is actually his money and that um, the IRS debt is uh, separate. because the, now. But ignoring that, let's say we put everything else aside. If Lindgren, let's say he won $8 million at the main event. Let's say he finished first, got $8 million. Uh, he would lose about half of it to taxes, probably. Maybe a little bit less because he's, I, th- I don't know if he's a Nevada resident right now. But if he was, then he'd lose a little bit less than that. But, yeah, he is. Okay, he he is. Is. so so he wouldn't pay state tax, but he would lose uh, even with just the federal tax and, and the and the other deductions. He he would lose uh, a healthy portion, at least at least three million of the of the eight million, uh, probably more. Uh, then after that, after the taxes that he'd pay on this this round of it. They would, you know, they would. T- well, they wouldn't take those taxes up front, so I guess he would have some delay there. But, uh, but assuming he paid those taxes the next April fifteenth, then they would also take three point eight of what he did take after taxes for the back taxes. So he would be left with very little. And then, of course, there's every everything else he owes. He owes eight million. Plus, right now, he so he owes eight million. Plus, he owes the three point eight to the IRS. 
Plus, you know, he, he probably in makeup to Negreanu, whoever's backing him. It, it's it's a gigantic mess. I, I don't see how he's going to get out of this. And what, okay, I, I know uh, maybe six, seven years ago, they rewrote bankruptcy laws. Because um, I remember that so many people were rushing to file for bankruptcy just before these new laws kicked into place, which made it a lot harder to discharge um, debts. So, I mean, obviously I have no experience with, with, you know, bankruptcy, filing for bankruptcy or even anyone close to me. So then what happens now, Druff? He files for bankruptcy. What will this do for him? Um, it, it will give him some relief from having to pay them uh, at the moment. But does it wipe out anything? I mean, like the, the Stars lawsuit that was filed in Clark County Court, does that eliminate that? I mean, what, I'm what does sure. it do? I'm I think you sure. have to pay it all now, don't you? Well, that's I know they made the laws Yeah, harder. so I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what they changed. So people could not just discharge, like you used to be able to discharge creditors, credit cards. Yeah, I know, cards. I know it was a disaster. It was abused you, you could run up literally a couple hundred thousand dollars you know, on American Express and not pay it. Yeah, some people saw this that, as, as like a free roll, and then every seven years they get the reset button. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, But I'm just trying to understand, does it just give them more time? Does he get to now negotiate to settle for like pennies on the dollar? What benefit does this? Give I'm not him? sure. Like like, like you, I haven't looked into it. Okay. Because there obviously there has to be some benefit. If not, why would he be doing it? There has. Oh to yeah, be, yeah, obviously there is. Yeah. Yeah. But and then you know we haven't even talked about uh, what's his name Bob Volgaris, who Lundgren has owed millions to. Oh for years. yeah, then, yeah, that whole story. Yeah. yeah he doesn't owe. He doesn't. He doesn't owe him anymore. He, that, that, that got settled. Well, Bob, I was going to say, Bob Volgaris tweeted that he sold the debt to somebody else, but I don't know. That person has never been made public. Right. He does still, I mean, he still still owes that gambling debt. Bob right. Volgaris, okay, for those that don't know the backstory to this, Bob Volgaris got Lindgren a line of credit with, uh, this is back in the, you know, the fold tilt heyday when he had a ton of money coming in every month. And Bob Volgaris got Lindgren a line of credit with an online sports book um, because he wanted to bet higher, even higher than Vegas books would allow. And uh, he got him a line of credit, and apparently Volgaris vouched for him. Lindgren defaulted, didn't pay it. And to save his good name and because he vouched for him, Volgaris ended up paying the debt, paying Lindgren's money to the sports book. Um, and it was, that's it was, like, it was uh, and it was a whole lot of money. I, I believe it was. Some, it was in the millions. Yeah, it was. It was like one million dollars. It, it was more. It was more so in like the three to four million dollar range. And then apparently, over the years, even though Lindgren was still getting you know a, a healthy chunk of change every month, he still neglected the debt. So right, that's Volgaris, what got that's what got Volgaris so mad. He saw Lindgren still. Gambling, and he said, right. "All he said, all Lindgren has to do is just sit at home and do, literally do nothing for a year, and he'll be able to pay this off." Which would have been Lindgren was getting two hundred fifty k a month, so it would have been three million a year. So I, I think it was probably around three million. He said he could have paid this off if he just sat at home and did nothing for a year. That's what got him mad. That Lindgren, it's not even like someone who owes money that has no way to make it or be very tough to make it. Here, he just had to sit and do nothing, and his share of full tilt was giving him two fifty k a month. So that was, uh, yeah, that was a big mess. And uh, so he tweeted, uh, and this is, you know, quite some time ago, maybe a year, that he had sold the debt to somebody else, but that person's name never 
to my knowledge, was made public, who bought the debt from the lingering debt from Vulgaris. But that's there. The Poker Stars debt's there. I have to imagine a lot of the fantasy football debt's still there. Um, so it just – now the IRS debt. Uh, I think wow. some people hit him up at the window like when he was – I think there was a line at the payout when he got paid out. <laughs> And I think he paid some people, but he didn't pay other people, and people were, like, fuming. Yeah, there was some controversy afterwards, and there was a guy who was calling him out. Uh, where was it? It was, I think, someone heckling him from the crowd, and then people gave that guy a hard time for heckling him, saying, oh, Eric's such a nice guy. When I've played with him at the table, he's been so pleasant. Like, uh, and, and then some people were getting mad, going, look, you know, so what if he's pleasant at the table? There's a lot of people who are pleasant on the surface but do bad things. You know, um... I played when I was playing the 10K uh, Omaha Eight or Better. I had Mike Mattis out at my table the whole entire day, and he was very nice. Just didn't have any blow ups. Um, very polite, you know. Just you know, talking but not being arrogant. You know, just really nice. Uh, two interesting things that I just uh, you know took from my experience of playing with him. One was during uh, one of the breaks. Ted Forrest walked over, and Mike can't walk now. Um, he's not paralyzed, but you know he had back surgery. He was actually in the hospital for about four months, and uh, he has like a, a you know he's a motorized scooter that he you know travels with. Now he can get up and and if he has to, but it, it's apparent he, he's in a lot of pain. So I don't think he could walk any great distance. So Ted Forrest came over to the table right when uh, break started and asked Mike to talk to him. And they went over like the five or six tables away where it's private. And they talked for the whole break, and I kind of was looking over. And it didn't seem like it was heated, but of course, then I started wondering if it had anything to do uh, with the uh, money that Mike owes Ted Forrest because of the weight loss bet. Uh, many people may recall, after not hearing about it for quite a while, Ted Forrest, who isn't at all big on social media, started tweeting at Mike and calling him a welcher and, and telling the people how he broke his promise, how he hasn't been paying on this bet, um, et cetera, et cetera. This was like the weight loss bet where, where um, Forrest lost like literally 100 pounds in like three months and almost died. People, I mean, people reported like he, he was in very bad health for losing that much weight so fast. Yeah, it's dangerous to do that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I, you know, I don't know what was discussed, but I imagine that that probably was, you know, what it was about. Secondly, Mike was very, very candid when we were playing um, that he had stated that he was playing for uh, – 40% of himself in this in this tournament, and he said who, the, he didn't refer to who it was. He just said they, but he said he told them that he wouldn't play for any less. You know, it's like they could just, you know, fuck themselves if they want me to play for less than 40%. And then uh, there was also some talk about uh, Golden State and the Cavaliers, and he had made a comment that if he had $10,000 to his name, he would have bet on Golden State to win the series because he was that confident. So basically revealing he didn't have any money. Um, at all. I mean, not that that's a surprise, but, you know, he was actually, he was just, it was strange that he was that candid about it. Um, you know, and again, that just goes to show you a lot, you know, the general public, you know, they look at poker players like they're rock stars. And, you know, if you told the average person that just watches ESPN or that's known Madison, that he probably, he doesn't have enough to even put himself in a 10K tournament, probably doesn't have more than a couple thousand dollars in, in cash to pay his bills, they would, you know, they'd be shocked, um, you know, because they just, People just assume, you know, that, that these guys live like rock stars because it's just a false perception. You know, most of the time, the people that you don't know about, that, that the household names, you know, that you don't that don't know, 
the guys that have you know a ton of money. You know, you know what I mean? It's not like the, the you know, the Lindgrens and even like Ted Forrest and those kind of players that people know. It's, yeah, Ted Forrest is broke too. Yeah, yeah, of course, you know. But uh, anyhow, getting back to Lindgren, uh, it, it's – so what happens now? I mean, what, what – what I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll see what happens with this uh, – he's filed the second bankruptcy. There's not a decision on it yet, but uh, we'll see. He, you know, he appeared basically in, in court and uh, – Finally, for a second bankruptcy. So I, yeah, I don't know the laws well enough to say what's going to happen, but that's. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to see anything for a long time. And and honestly, I, I've always seen Eric. Now, Lindgren- nothing though. Even with the IRS, nothing he's done is criminal though, because no. it's not as if he 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 was evading taxes, which is criminal. He just did not pay them. Yeah. So so for my understanding of the law, you can never go to jail or prison. For not paying your taxes, it's only if you're accused, tried, convicted of evading taxes, which means you know you're you're getting more back than you should, or or, or if you're fi- if, yeah if you're filing a return that's that's falsifying information to right. to say to the IRS like, uh, here's my tax return I only owe you this much when in reality you right. know that you owe a lot more and you're trying to trick them then that's the tax evasion if you just uh, yeah so if you're just uh, but he's it seems like he's done what a lot of poker players have done is he just didn't report the income. He yeah, just didn't file. They just don't file, yeah. Then that's uh that's a different story. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's very interesting. Uh I, I uh I don't know, you know, and I guess I, I'm wondering if is this the first time a online gaming company not based in the US has tried to sue someone in the United States? Yes, I think so. Because I know, you know, a lot of people used to make jokes about like, well, you know, Ultimate Bet or even Full Till. If you rolled them, what are they going to do? They're going to come here and sue you for something. Now, I wonder if he has some sort of defense because at the time of, of all that that was going on, it, it was not recognized. I mean, it still isn't recognized in this country as even being legal. Yeah. So yeah, them I, coming yeah, to might. Clark County. And, I, and again, I'm sure uh, Amaya Gaming did their due diligence and they've talked to attorneys and, and you know, they got some sort of uh, – you know, relief to, to believe that they have a you know a, a good chance or some chance of you know you know this case not being thrown out and, and actually making its way through the court system. But I kind of wondered a company that was recognized as being illegal. It's kind of like the old saying, like you can't call the police because somebody sold you fake drugs. Yes, you know, like somebody ripped you, and people do that all the time. Like, like you know, he someone sold me fake cocaine. I mean, I'm not lying to you. Like I've read, you know, instead of selling me marijuana, I tried to buy marijuana. Somebody sold me. You know, herbs or, you know, so I wonder if that sort of applies here. Something that was illegal, can can he even be held responsible? You know, so I think obviously if if he's a kind of person, and I think we can all agree on this, even though he knows rightfully they loaned him the money, that if he can find some loophole and say, hey, it's an illegal business. You know, it's not even sanctioned, you know, regulated, licensed in the USA. I shouldn't have to pay. Then, of course, that's a route he's going to go. He's not going to try to work with them. And no, no, he's not going to work with them. No. He'll, yeah, right. He'll try to just get it dismissed on a technicality, even though it's a debt that he, you know, he 100% fully has admitted that he owes, correct? Yeah. But I think worse than that are the individuals he owes money to. At least you can say, you know, PokerStars and Full Till is a big company who's operating illegally. They were doing, you know, uh, Full Till, it's, you know, PokerStars happens to own them now, but uh, but uh, Full Till, who he borrowed from, at the same time was stealing money from people. So, so you know, now that's not a defense of his that he could really use, but the, the point is uh, that they were 
doing plenty of crap themselves. It was, it was almost like a thief stealing from thieves. So uh, morally, you could you could reason with yourself, hey, uh, I, look who I stole from. They were stealing from people at the same time. F them. They don't morally deserve anything. And just because poker stars happened to buy them later, uh, they were also they they had the money to buy them because they operated illegally. So fuck this whole thing. I don't want. I don't think I should owe them anything. Do you I, think? Do you think his wife? Saw signs of this coming, or do you think he literally came up to her and said, "Honey, sit down. We need to talk. Yeah, We're broke." I, I couldn't figure that out. And it, you know, she was with Benjamin before that, and Benjamin was known as being a big degenerate. And uh, he also gained a ton of weight while they were together. I don't know if that bothered her, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, but wasn't she wasn't she with Lindgren before Black Friday? Like she probably yeah. if she was with him before Black Friday, then yes. she probably thought the payments were just so that's what never I'm thinking. Is that, so, but um, the thing is, like she got with she left Benjamin. You know, it was said that Benjamin's degenerate habits were you know, hurting the relationship. But then she gets with even a bigger degenerate, and the question: Does she know that he was going this crazy with the gambling, or did she not care because she just thought two fifty k is coming in every month? How bad could it be? I think that's probably what she was thinking. Well, you know what? Even after all this happened, they had a second kid. I know. So that you know that obviously, I guess, if anything else, is some sort of sign that she's sticking with him. And getting back to uh, Benjamin, he was actually I've seen him twice. He weighs at least three hundred pounds now. I mean, he is just huge. Oh, he has for a while. I mean, he's, I mean, like he's a, I mean, his leg. And, you know, he used to be a uh, semi, either semi or professional tennis player. He was an yes, athlete. Yes. I mean, he, he, I mean, the guy is fucking monstrous. When, when he first hit the poker scene, uh, people were describing him as like, you know, this good looking European poker player. And, and no one would describe him that way anymore. Now, now he's just this big fat guy. And he, he's gone like up and down in weight like a yo-yo. Like he, he was like, he gained weight, he lost weight, and now he's like big again. He was very big. He was at, when I was at the main event and busted 88th five years ago, he was at the table where I busted. He outlasted me, not by that much, but uh, he outlasted me. Uh, in fact, it was interesting. He was fairly short stacked, but not really. I was shorter than he was. And uh, at the time when I, this is before I busted, you know, because before I got crippled, it was like I was short, then I, I gained some chips again. But while I was short, um, he he raised and uh, I I think I went all in and he came back and he threw away fours I think that's what he showed me face up and said uh, uh, I could tell the type of player you are you're not gonna um, uh, I I don't think you're gonna be doing that on me with with worse than that because you're the type of player I am you know if I'm raising from early position he actually made the speech you know if I'm raising from early position. Uh, here that I must have something real too, and if you're going over on me, I know you have to have something big. <laughs> he threw it away, and I think I, I think I was happy to see him because I had like ace queen. I was actually you know, happy to just get his bet and the everything. Like I didn't want to race it out at that point for my tournament life. Or not ace queen. I think I had ace king. Whatever it was, it was it wasn't like I wasn't that disappointed. He threw it away, but uh, anyway, that's. But he was the the point I'm going to make here is he was the same size. Like he was also huge back then too, and. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he did lose some weight in between. I, I didn't follow it that closely. All right, let's talk about uh, Kirk Kerkorian, who uh, died within the last few days. Let's get the exact date here. He died yesterday. He died well, yesterday. Or, no, or, no, 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 no. June 15th he died. That's what I thought. Well, yeah, okay. So now two, it's well it's two days ago. After, well, no, yeah. two, two days ago then. Okay, so he died June 15th. He was born in 1917. So that's a pretty old guy. To show you how old that is. 
Um, yeah, during World War, II, he was old enough to you know, to fight in World War Two, easily. So, I mean, he was. Uh, this is a guy who's been around forever. Could have seen Babe Ruth play. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's really been around forever. If you if you think about uh, uh, in the 1950s, he was already in his 40s. You could have 50s. had Mark uh, Rocky Marciano fight at the MGM Gardens. Yeah. So, so um, he was 98 years old, just barely 98. He had his birthday on June 6th. Uh, he was estimated to be worth four billion dollars, and he is best known as the father of the mega resort. Uh, some of you may not realize. I know we mostly have an older audience. Uh, when I say older, I mean 35 to 60, kind of that range. And uh, so there's there's not that many kids here who don't really remember 93. But for those of you that may not have been following Vegas then, Vegas had a major transformation around then when uh, it, it sh- everything kind of shifted from downtown to the Strip as far as what was relevant and where people wanted to go. And it was the Mirage that did it. Yeah, well, the Mirage was in 89, but that was the beginning of it. But 93 was when the real boom followed it. The Mirage was the start of the whole thing. Uh the 93 era, 92, 93, was really where it just all sprung up. Everything sprung up, and, it, and it, that really solidified it. So, uh, and this also was what changed to where these mega resorts started that were huge and that were not just geared toward gambling, but they were geared toward family entertainment and uh, to where the resort itself was the destination. It wasn't, and, and that they were trying to now make money on the food and the rooms. These were not lost leaders to get people in for gambling, as the Vegas model had always been before that. So uh, he started the MGM Grand, the second MGM Grand, that is, the one that stands today, uh, in 1993, which was, uh, and that, that was a, a huge property. It was the biggest property at the time. It's still very big by today's standards. Uh, and that he was kind of seen as the father of that, and also because the the, the large hotels he opened before 1993 were also uh, very influential. In 1969, Kirk Kerkorian opened the International Hotel. Now, did the, either of you know what the International Hotel became? It still stands. It's just not called that. You know what that is? The Flamingo. That he was associated with the flamingo, but no. No, that no, that's not it. That was Bugsy Siegel built yeah. the flamingo. That was just a guess. No, but he was associated. <laughs> he was associated with it later. But that yeah, well, that was the Bugsy Siegel Hotel. No, the International Hotel was. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What what year was it built? Sixty nine. I'm gonna guess the Las Vegas Hilton. You're correct. That's what it was. Uh, the International Hotel Ooh. was the Las Vegas. Was the biggest wasn't it the biggest hotel room wise in the world at the time? And it stayed that way for a long time. I stayed there in the late '80s. It was still the biggest hotel. Uh, uh, I don't know in the world, but I know in Vegas. It well, actually, now I'm sorry. It's called the uh, what they just changed it Westgate, to. I think, or something, right? Yeah, Westgate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a failed property now, but uh, we actually stayed there a lot in the '80s, so I got to know that hotel very well. He also opened up the original MGM Grand, which is now Bally's, in 1973, and that hotel was also uh, considered a big deal, and and we stayed there too when we would go to Vegas. But uh, they were unfortunately best known for a very catastrophic fire that killed 87 people. And it was the, the deadliest fire in Las Vegas history. Still is. 
And that fire changed fire safety around the world. It, it changed everything. That, that fire got the attention of the world about uh, building, about hotels and the necessary precautions they must take to prevent fires. So this occurred, this fire in MGM uh, occurred in uh, 1980, November 21st. And uh, I, I believe it started like in the kitchen in a place that was not being uh, like in a closed restaurant or something, some kind of electrical fault. But it, it raced through the casino. And uh, I remember seeing pictures at the time. I remember in 1980 when it happened, I was only eight years old, but I uh, remember seeing pictures of burnt slot machines. It was really weird looking to see in the paper. Uh, but there were 87 people who died. 84 died on the scene. Three died later on. Most of them of smoke inhalation. And uh, the current fire codes you see for hotels all around the world did not exist at the time. So the MGM was very vulnerable to it, as were all hotels in Vegas. And um, people also didn't know the right things to do. So there was black smoke in the hallway. Uh, Some people tried to go out in the hallway and escape, Uh, which seems stupid now. But back then, there wasn't the awareness about this. Uh, People tried to take the elevators during the fire. Again, big campaigns not to do that after this occurred. Um, They... they, uh, Smoke was coming in through the vents, and people couldn't stop it. Uh, there were actually people who died, unfortunately, who s- smashed the window in an attempt to get fresh air, and smoke from the outside came in and suffocated them. That, that's a real killer. Like, uh, you, know, you, you think you're smashing the window to help yourself, and it makes it worse. But uh, after that fire, they were renovating all the other Vegas hotels immediately to bring them up to fire code. And in 1981, the Las Vegas Hilton also had a fire just 90 days later. And that was arson. And there's a guy currently serving a life sentence without parole. It's eight consecutive life sentences. There's no way he'll get out. Uh, who was uh, convicted of, uh, of setting the, an arson fire in the Las Vegas Hilton three months later. And they were in the process of retrofitting that hotel to be more fire safe. But only eight people died in that one because there was much greater awareness of what to do and what not to do in fires because of what had just happened at the MGM. Uh, in, uh, in 86, so, so I, you know, I stayed in the MGM Grand shortly after the fire. After they, re- they rebuilt it eight months later. It was very quick considering the terrible damage they had there. Uh, eight months later, they rebuilt it and... and uh, promoted it as the safest hotel for fires because basically lightning struck here once. We're not going to let it happen again. So I remember feeling a little uncomfortable when my parents said we're going to Vegas or staying at the MGM Grand in 81. Uh, but uh, they, they insisted now it's the safest hotel. And I remember watching the informational channel on the TV when my parents were gone. And I was watching over and over the fire safety channel and, uh, uh, so that that was Stilker Corians at the time. He sold the MGM Grand in '86 to Bally Manufacturing, and that's why it's called Bally's. And now Bally's you know, is owned by Caesar's Entertainment, but that was purchased later. It was actually owned by Bally's, Bally Manufacturing at the time. And uh, he actually sold all the MGM Grand hotels. He had one in uh, in Reno as well, and then he built a new one. In 
1993. Now, here's something I bet you don't know. Brandon, where you are right now, that land was once owned by Kirk Kerkorian. Caesars. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I didn't know this until I was reading about him. In 1962, Kirkorian bought eight... 80 acres in Las Vegas, which is now the current Caesars. And uh, so when Caesars was started in 1966, uh, he actually said, I want to keep the land. You can rent it from me. So at the beginning, Caesars Palace in 1966 for two years was renting the land from Kirk Kerkorian. In 1968... Kerkorian just decided to get rid of it and sold it to Caesars for what then was $9 million, which uh, inflation-wise, I think he'd probably multiply it by uh, six or seven, so probably around 60-something million, the equivalent today. Uh, so, And then after that, in 69, he built the International, which became the Las Vegas Hilton. So he, he's... He's been very influential in Vegas. Uh, he didn't have the majority ownership anymore after 2009 of, of MGM Mirage because of uh, a a billion dollar stock offering that was done. But of course, that was only six years ago. He was already 92 at that point. Uh he was involved in the American auto industry at some point. Uh, now, this is kind of weird. His his net worth in, in 2008 was reported as $16 billion, and he was the 41st richest person in the world and the richest person in all of California. But uh, I guess he lived in California. I didn't know that either. Uh, but in 2011, the stock market gave him a huge haircut, and his net worth went in those 3 years from 08 to 11 from 16 billion to 3.2 billion. Now not that the 3.2 billion net worth is anything to be ashamed of, but can you imagine it being worth 16 billion and you lose 12.8 of it in 3 years? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you're that old, you don't have to worry that much because he's how much more time do I have to spend it, but still, that's that's kind of a Like I I don't know how I'd feel if that happened to me. Like a you know, part of me would be saying, "Well, look, I have 3. 2 billion like who who has that almost no one well you remember when the stock market was so volatile a couple of years ago and people were losing you know a billion two billions on pay, on paper a day and the swings were just massive yeah um you know so i mean look at apple stock you know look at just you know how it's fallen but uh uh you know it's on paper and and i don't like you said the guy was so old um I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think it bothered him. I mean, he was in it for the long haul, and uh, <clears throat> you know, he, he think it was how many times? Like, I know he bought Chrysler. Yeah, um, yeah, I he know, got he got involved with the audio industry a lot. I know one of uh, the greatest deals he ever made was he sold uh, the MGM Film Library to Ted Turner. For like over a billion dollars, and then Ted Turner became cash trapped like a year or two later, and then bought it back for like a couple hundred million. <laughs> uh, you can read about it out there. It's one of the wow. most you know biggest deals in terms of his legacy. 
But uh, and even MGM, I think he owned a couple times and sold it, bought it well, back. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. He sold it to Ted Turner in '86. MGM. Okay. And then, how much? What was the price? Um, I know it was like over a billion, I believe. I'm trying to find it here. Okay, and I know he sold it back for like a, like 200 million. He made like a billion dollars on the deal. <laughs> it was just sick. I mean, because this is 1986 money. Yeah, and, and then. Uh, Oh, he and uh, Kirkorian also sold MGM in 2005 to a consortium led by Sony, but he retained a uh, a 55% stake in it. That, which that, that's what I'm talking about. How he uh, four years later no longer had majority after he uh, after the stock offering. So uh, he apparently did not have a thing for expensive cars. I actually have a more expensive car than uh, than Kirkorian did. Believe it or not. He, uh, also, you have a more expensive car than Warren Buffett. He has like a uh, yeah, like a twelve-year-old Honda that he still drives. <laughs> uh, he drove. Uh, Kirkorian drove uh, Pontiac Firebirds, Jeep Grand Cherokee, Ford Taurus. It's kind of funny, but he did. He did like expensive clothes. He would order uh, custom-made outfits from an Italian designer. Uh, he he played tennis a lot. He married a tennis pro that was like 50 years younger than him. That nice. Lisa, whatever her name was. That's right. Yeah, he was married three times. First to uh, Hilda Schmidt from 42 to 52. That's uh, He was, uh, I guess, 25 years old. And th- Things th- didn't work out with him and Hilda. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know if Hilda's still alive anywhere. I can't imagine she, she's uh, too hot right now. She married her in 42. In fact, I, I think anybody born in 42 isn't too hot right now either. Uh, then he married. He had a thirty-year marriage to Jean Marie Harbor Hardy from fifty-four to eighty-four. So he was only single for two years in that in those years from forty-two to eighty-four. And uh, they actually met, of all things, at the Thunderbird Resort in Las Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't a very nice place, but. Uh, uh, she was a, a choreographer and dancer from England, and uh, uh, they met and fell in love when she was sent to check opportunities to choreograph a, a performance in Las Vegas. And they, so they had two daughters together. And then he, he had a short-lived marriage that you were talking about to Lisa Bonder in 1999. And at the time, he was uh, 82 years old, and she was... 34. So that, uh, as you can imagine, that is not going to typically work out. You, do you think uh, you think she would have been interested in him if he was broke? Oh, come on, of course not. Just <laughs> like the uh, Anna Nicole Smith, and no, I mean it's, yeah. it's... And, and now they did have a prenuptial agreement, uh, and but uh, he actually somehow. Uh, so so it turned out that. Uh, she cheated on him. Um, yeah, she got pregnant and it wasn't his kid. Yeah. And uh, so let's see. They – yeah, there's 82 and 34. I wonder if there's ever been a marriage where like a, a woman that much younger than the older man has married someone who has broke or has very little money. Like has there ever been like a 50-year age difference? Where there's not money involved, I'm not talking about like a 20 year age. Has been, but in I'm, terms of like pop culture and celebrities, I mean, I don't, 
I can't think of one. Uh... Yeah, like, like what would ever be a reason if it's not about money and it's not about citizenship? What would ever be a reason that a 34-year-old woman would marry a guy who's 82? Could you ever imagine it? Because, you know, there, there's legitimate marriages of people who are 20 or 25 years apart. Those happen all the time where they manage to get over the age difference and uh, and they can still, you know, the the, the younger well, one can still find... Like the prince, uh, whatever his name is, a guy that married Zsa Gabor, who's like 20 plus years older than her. Yeah, but that's, yeah, 20 something is not that big of a deal. But, but like when you get around 50 years or 40 years, that's just insane. Yeah, but she still only had one working leg at the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, I like, you know, my girls with both the limbs. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wonder what it would, you know, I wouldn't marry for money anyway, but like, Let's say I was dating someone who was really rich and I was broke, but but she was like, how old would be the maximum to where I could stand it? Like I I couldn't picture myself at this point, no matter how much money. Like I couldn't picture myself having sex with a, an eighty something year old. That just would seem disgusting. Well, even for me now, looking at women that are like in their fifties, I'm not really attracted. Yeah, I'm to. not either. Oh. I'm not. I'm yeah. not either. I'm still like in that. Like late twenty to like you know through the thirties range. Like now, like I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm just saying, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. It, it, it's it's too young. Yeah, that's you know, how I, that's how I, that's how I, see I think they're kind of pretty. It's still like that they're babies. Like it doesn't. I'm still not really that attracted. Yeah, that's, like, that's what I find too. I find they look like kids to me, and it, it, it yeah, doesn't. I'm the same way. So I think my range right now, in terms of of you know being attractive, is probably like in the late twenties to. Probably mid late thirties. You know, if if I was if I was dating now, it would be similar, except to a higher upper range. But I'm, I'm I'm older by a few years, so that has to do with it too. But I would go. Uh... But even now, I couldn't see myself having a uh, physical relationship with someone you know even ten years older than me, like in their fifties or no, I wouldn't want that. Late forties. I'm just I'm just being honest, you know. No, I'm I wouldn't either. I, I wouldn't either. I just I just wouldn't really be attracted. I'm sure, I'm sure in 10 years I'll be okay with that, like with someone in their 50s. I hope I am because Ben's mom is not that much younger than me. Well, but that's – yeah, but of course that's just the natural progression. I mean yeah. I remember when I was 17 and I wasn't really attracted much to girls that were in their like 30s or mid-30s. Yeah, you know, I felt because, that same way. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a natural progression. When we're in our 50s, well, you know, girls that are in their 40s or 50s, that's what we'll be into. It's just, you know, it's a natural progression of life. Yeah. You know. So, so but yeah, so I, I – but like if, even if, if I needed the money and there was a woman in their 80s but she, but, and she was interested in sex, like if she wasn't interested in sex, I could probably tolerate it. But if I actually had to have sex with a woman in her 80s, I don't think I could do it. it just... See, I can't fake it. If I'm unattracted, I can't get hard. So if I'm with someone that's in their 60s, it can be worth, you know, 100 million. It doesn't matter. But unless I'm taking that little blue pill or something, I, don't, I couldn't even fake well, I mean, it. Well, imagine the 80s, though. The 80s is even worse. Like that's just – Oof. Like, imagine being forced to do that. That would be... Yeah, but people are... I mean, I don't know this. I, you know, I've never asked my parents or older people, are women in their 80s having sex still? For the, I mean, I, I is there know. a high majority of women that old that still... No, I think sex? probably most don't. But, uh, well, also another problem is the women live longer than the men. So a lot of them are... Uh, they don't have a husband anymore and then they don't really seek to date. So they're just kind of alone. So they don't... Uh, now, what fact, about... I mean, again, all things considered equal. You're not in a relationship... You know, have a child. What happened if there's someone like 80 years old that wanted to marry you, and you got along with her, or, you know, whatever, 70, 80, and she just wanted to watch, if you know what I mean, because a watcher. 
<laughs> Meaning that she would be turned on just by watching you have sex with somebody else. And you didn't have to have a sexual relationship with her. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't want to marry into this type of circumstances, but you know, if uh, it would be a lot easier for me to do something like that than uh, than actually have sex with someone at that age. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's. Now, what I've wondered though is: is there a limit? And I'll only find this out when I get older myself. But is there a limit to where you stop? Also, you stop changing what you're attracted to as you get older to where you're attracted to older. So, like, when I'm when I'm 80, will I find women in their 70s attractive? Or will I just see them as ancient and, and be looking at women who are in their 40s and 30s? Like, like will I, there will be some point that I'll just still see them as an old woman. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, like I said, I think it's just a natural progression because I remember when – uh, you know, I was younger. I didn't think I'd ever like I'd see girls that were in like their thirties, mid thirties, and I wasn't attracted to them. And I'm like, how will I ever be attracted to someone like that? But now that I'm that age, I am. So, yeah. uh, you know, what? it's a good question. Maybe when you get to that age, you know, actually, I'll put it to you like this. This is probably the best example I can give you. My dad just turned seventy, and uh, he's dating. Well, he's dating a woman that's that's younger than him. I think she's like in her mid, maybe late fifties. But he finds her absolutely gorgeous. Like he just every time we talk, oh, she's so beautiful. Well, I can you know. see that though. That's because he, he's seventy, and she's still substantially younger well, than him. Right. So. But still, even me, I you know, I can't even imagine being attracted to a woman close to sixty. You know, even in in good you know form. But uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's like I've seen women in their fifties where I, I think, well, I'm not tra- attracted to her now. But I could see myself in like twenty years where I'd say, "Oh, like you know, I, I think she's hot." Like I could see like, but then, but then, like I, I can't look at an eighty-year-old and and think, "Oh, I bet in forty years I'll think she's hot." Like I just I can't see it. I can't see how. Right, here's an example: Cindy Violet, who's in her fifties. Could you see yourself being with someone like that when you're in your fifties? Yes, not now, but like if I was in my fifties, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's now, a good example. But if she made you eat vegan food, though, you wouldn't be able. <laughs> that, to that, that that might be a problem. <laughs> that might that might be the issue. Uh, you, you know, it's actually been a tough thing in all my rela- most of my relationships, not all, but one of the toughest things that I've had to deal with has been my sleep sch- them- my oh. sleep schedule has been one of the tough things. Yeah, I can imagine that. They- What's what? Tell me, you know, because I, I it's weird. Sometimes I'll text you and you respond. Sometimes you don't. These days, what is the average? Tell the listeners what is the average <laughs> day in the life of Druff like in terms of. Going to bed, waking up. Well, I'll tell you something that changed for me. I actually got on a semi-normal sleeping schedule all the way up until September of 2014. uh, Because I had to wake up and I had to take Benjamin to his preschool and then I'd just stay up. And, uh, you know, I I was going to bed at uh, midnight, 1 a.m., 11.30, sometimes even earlier. Like, I I was – it was unusual for me. And then – in uh, September, I had uh, – this is what happened. This is what kind of changed everything to where my sleep schedule is crazy again. In September, I went to Commerce, and I ran up a uh, – I was about 13 uh, – like, no, no, sorry, t- like 10,000 up at Commerce at 100, 200. And then I just ran so awful and lost uh, almost 13K straight before quitting the game and ended up being like 2,000-something down. And then that's where I had the whole confrontation with David Baker. So th- there was that too. Like th- there was such an awful experience 
So I go home and I go to sleep and I was all you know, frustrated and depressed about the whole thing. Uh, then I, I, I saw, you know, football season was, was, uh, starting around then. And I had remembered somebody telling me that I hadn't played on, on Bovada or Bodog. I hadn't played on that since 2011. I had remembered somebody telling me that during football season, the site is much better, the poker games. Now the person who told me this was a no limit player, but I thought it, it probably translates to limit as well. So I, I called up Bovada and they said, I said, do you have any deposit bonuses for me? No. Can I speak to the supervisor? Supervisor, yeah, yeah, you can't have any. No deposit bonuses for you. We don't do that. F you. I was about to just tell him, fuck you and hang up on him. But I was like, you know what? Eh, I'll give it a shot anyway. So from knowing that Western Union rejects deposits of 2,500, like 2,500 is like the magic number of where they think there's a scam. I don't know why, but like 2,400 is fine. 2,500 isn't. So I deposited $2,400 with Western Union into Bovada and started to play. And had I busted it, I probably would have just given up. And, you know, obviously I'm playing 3060. So, you know, like 3060, especially online with $2,400, that's like nothing. But uh, I ran well. And within a few days, that 2400 became like uh, 14000 So then I had a little, you know, you're still not safe with 14000 on there, those games. But I was, it was a lot safer. Then I continued to run it up. I just got to have a great start. And so I had like an instant bankroll on there. And I didn't have to worry about depositing again. Then I was even more fortunate because it turned out Western Union was clamping down and I got like one of the last few deposits through to where everyone else using them was getting blackballed for, for life from Western Union for depositing to gambling sites. So I just got under the wire with that and didn't realize it. So anyway, because I started off so well and built a good role on there, then I was playing very regularly and I was doing very well for the remainder of the year. So that became a regular thing with me where I was playing on Bodog, but I didn't want to do it when uh, Benjamin and his mom were home and I didn't want to do it during the day because I, it was my opinion the games were not as good during the day as they were late at night. So I, after they'd go to sleep, I would play all night on, on, on Bovada and then go to sleep at like 4 or 5 a.m. then wake up on very short sleep to get Benjamin ready for preschool and drive him there and then I'd go back home and sleep. And uh, and then, you know, sometimes I had to do some things before I go to sleep, make some phone calls, you know, stuff you have to do during the day on the weekdays. Check on Ken Scaler. Check on Ken Scaler, yes. Uh, so so I, I I would sometimes not start going back to sleep until 12 or 1 or something, and then I'd sleep until Benjamin's mom would come home with Benjamin. And I'd stay up with them and kind of repeat this way. So it's been kind of this way for quite some time, but I don't do this every day. Like it depends if, uh, you know, how late I went to sleep, how much of a sleep deficit I have. So some days I take naps during the afternoon or, the, or during the late morning. Some days I don't. Some days are very long naps where I'll sleep for like six hours. Other times there'll be short naps of one or two hours. Uh, so it's, it's really all over the place. And, uh, so, so it's now the reason I don't respond to your text immediately is a long time ago. I should maybe change this, but because of my erratic sleeping schedule, I, I don't have my text messages beep at me because I, I just don't like them bothering me when I'm sleeping. And, and I also sometimes don't like them bothering me when I'm out or something like sometimes I just don't want to be bothered with it. So I, a long time ago, I turned off the text sound. So now I actually have to remember to check my phone to see texts. I don't have to, but that's the way it's been for a long time. So that's part of the reason I'm not responding to you immediately. And part of the reason is also just uh, that 
sometimes I'm sleeping. But there's the, the funny thing is I, I have the appearance to some people that I don't ever sleep because there's no consistent hours where you can expect me to sleep, except maybe from like, you know, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. or something. But or but the, a, there are very few hours during the day where you can say with reliability that I'm probably sleeping. So it's kind of all over the place. And, and I can actually do this. There's some people who couldn't handle this. I, I've always been able to do this. There's sleep in pieces. And as long as it adds up to enough hours, it's fine. So so that's that's what's going on. But I, yeah, I've always had issues with, with sleep schedules. Because with, I've always liked staying up at night. I've always liked staying up late. And a lot of the girls I've dated haven't. Or sometimes they'll tell me, they'll say, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a night owl. I stay up late. And I go, oh, that's good. I go, so, so when do you go to bed? Oh, I go to bed at 11. I'm like, ah, no. That's, uh, actually, I, I had a situation. This is back in uh, the late 90s or something. It was one of the few times I ever ran a personal ad. Have you ever run a personal ad? Uh, like, like a dating site, you mean? Um, no, dating sites came a little later. I mean like a like an actual like personal ad versus in the newspaper. Oh, no, I haven't. No. It's like back, they don't have those anymore. I don't, I don't think they do. But uh, one of the few times I ran one, was in the late 90s, and uh, I typically don't like things like this, but uh, I, I don't know why I did it. But I, I did it, and I got a response from a girl who seemed pretty nice. There were no pic- it, was, you know, it wasn't easy to get people to send you pictures back then in the late 90s, but uh, so I didn't know exactly what she looked like. Her description sounded good, and she was around my age. I was in my 20s. She was in her 20s. Uh, she worked for a dog food company. <laughs> Which, uh, for some reason, that made her less attractive to me just to work for dog food, but I tried to put that out of my head. But uh, we had some good phone conversations, and I was about to propose that you know we, we meet and go on a date or whatever and see how it works. But there was a problem, and it was a problem I knew the whole time I'd been talking to her. Uh, she went to sleep very, very early. She, she would get to work really early. She was waking up at like 5 in the morning. She was going to sleep at like 8 or 8.30. It was like the opposite of me. And it actually got to be a burden because I was working like late. So I'd get home from work and I'd have like like a half an hour to call her before she'd be asleep. It was it was ridiculous. So like I I thought to myself, our hours are so incompatible, I'm not even gonna ask her out. Like I just stopped calling her. I said, This will never work. This will absolutely never work. It's like so opposite. And she even told me she likes getting up early, she'll never want to change this. But I'm like I'm like this sounds awful to be waking up this early for work. Oh no, 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 I love it. I love getting up early. I'm like, oh boy. I, I, I can't do it. So, you know, Benjamin's mom is not a night owl by any means, but she's not that extreme. So. Yeah. But uh, let's see here. Uh, I was going to look something up. I was going to look up before I got into this whole thing. What do you think of uh, LeBron James' legacy after last night? Do you think it takes a hit because now he's two and four in finals, or do you think it actually improves it because he basically carried – an injury strapped team on his back and, and made it somewhat of a compar- competitive series. Yeah, I think I think no one's going to blame him for this series, uh, but maybe the totality of his finals record might uh, start to dog him even more. Uh, there's going to be people who don't look at it as carefully and just have the general memory of LeBron always loses in the finals. Uh, it's definitely not something that he's going to want to be remembered for. He still has some time to turn this around. Unfortunately, he ran into just a really, really good Golden State team, and they had injuries. And the, so uh, it, it was... If, if Golden State didn't exist, 
I, I think they would have beaten any other team out of the West. But uh, that Golden State team was just so good. Uh, it uh, it was just even with his the performance that he had in the finals, it was just very hard to overcome. That's what I thought going into this. I don't know if I said it on radio or not. I just I, just, I didn't see uh, Cleveland winning this. It's just they the Golden State was too good, and that's it's too bad for him that he ran into that. And I, I he has a few years left where he'll be, you know, near at or near his peak, and then he's going to go downhill because he's thirty already. So next year, you know, next season he'll be thirty-one. Within three seasons he'll be thirty-three, and I think by thirty-three it's going to start to go downhill for him. I don't know how fast, but it. Uh, I mean, he's played already 44,000 minutes. Yeah, and look what happened to Kobe. I mean, Kobe, another one, came out of high school, and, and he definitely declined pretty quickly at, 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 in his uh, mid-30s. So I, I think LeBron has a few more years of being – I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. I'm just saying he's not going to be the player he is even like three years from now. I think it's going to be when you're going to start seeing the decline, and then – then it's going to start being too late unless he, he joins team. And then it gets hard when you're a superstar then to have to not always be the the guy and, and, and carry the team and, and, and have to start relying on other options. And that's hard to adjust to also. So he's got to get this done in the next three years. And, and Golden State's very strong, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But he's, I think if he doesn't get it done in the next three years, I don't know how many more championships he's going to win. They just announced uh, earlier today uh, in Vegas, Gold or uh, Cleveland's actually uh, the favorite in the books or the early, you know, opening lines for next year. That's interesting. Followed by uh, Golden State and who's the second team? They're actually tied with somebody else for the second. Really, I would take I would take Golden State if I had to guess. Let me see. I'll look. I'll see if I can find it, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think it tarnishes his legacy. I mean, look, his top the, the top two players besides him on the team, you know, Irving and Love, both injured. I mean, he, in all honesty, they should have won the first three games. You know, that first game went to overtime when they had the lead. So, you know, it actually, even though six games was much closer than, you know, probably looks, it really should have gone to a game seven. But uh, still, though, even regardless, you're not going to be able to, Compare him to Kobe or even to Jordan when all said and done because that two and four record, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if he wins another one, um, you know, which isn't even a give me, you know, I mean, he still really hasn't proved he can win one without, you know, huge talent around him. Yeah. He's been somewhat unlucky to be running to the, you know, running to this Golden State team and also have the injuries. I mean, there there were a lot of factors that worked against him here and that weren't really his fault, but it's, uh, that's what happens. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that may follow him. And, I, yeah, I think he's got about three years left. That's what I think. Not, not left of playing, but left to where he'll be in this form to where he can really, really carry the team. And after that, I think it's going to be tough for him to win championships after three years from now. Maybe maybe he'll surprise me and he'll still be the same player at age 33, but I don't think I so. I doubt it. I mean, it just the body's taken such a, you know, so much wear and tear on it. Uh Hold on, here it comes here. Yeah, I was actually surprised when I read this that they were the favorites in Vegas at uh, Kirk Kokorian's former international hotel. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, the, they, Westgate, the Westgate opened hold on, opened today with the Cavs at 9-4. to four. Wow. Followed by as the favorite, and the second and third are tied. The Warriors and the Thunder are 5-1. Hmm. I was actually surprised to see the Thunder in there. 
especially with a new head coach, um, Billy Donovan from Florida. And they were disappointing last never, year, even without even without the injuries, they were disappointing. Yeah, never coach. And then uh, after that, uh, you can get the Clippers at ten to one, the Spurs and Bulls at twelve to one, and then the Hawks, Pelicans, and Rockets at twenty to one. What, what are the Lakers at? It's got to be something awful. Uh, the Lakers are tied with the Knicks at two hundred to one. <laughs> two train wreck teams in large markets. So uh, here, here's this. I mean, we're going to change the subject for a second here. This is yeah. this is the type of story which usually I think you wouldn't have that much interest in, but I think with the details here, you'll find it interesting. Uh, Poker Stars broke up a massive PLO bot ring. Right about that. And the amazing thing is that first of all. 18 million hands passed before they caught it. And they, they didn't catch it on their own. It was reported to them by players in these games. Now, these were at micro-stakes and low-stakes games, which is partially how the bots flew under the radar. They were all from Russia. They There were about 30 bots running. Sometimes they were sitting at the same table, and it appears that they were colluding with each other. Now, how can a bot collude with each other? Well... What the bots would do is in, in Omaha, when you have the four cards, they would communicate their cards to one another. If you think about it, three of them at one table, they know 12 of the 52 cards in the deck. And that's a huge advantage. That's, it's not like, it's not like in Hold'em. Know which, you know which cards are dead. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, that's a huge advantage. It's not like in Hold'em where you and your friend are sharing your whole cards. That, that can sometimes be of help, but that's not a gigantic advantage. This is a gigantic advantage. So they, so the, these these accounts were all seen as running far above expectation to where I saw they, the graphs was pretty yeah, ridiculous. They thought there's no way there couldn't be collusion here because you know even if the bots were playing a very good strategy, they were still kicking too much ass to where there couldn't have been collusion involved. And why wouldn't there be if they're the same table and they're cheating in the first place? Like, we, you think the the Russian bot designers are gonna say, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we'll use bots on the network, but but you know collusion that's where we draw the line. We're not going to make extra money from colluding. That's where we draw the moral line here. Now, of course, the Russians are going to make money any way they can. So, uh, the this botting network played 18 million hands, won 4.1 million dollars off players who faced them. And here's the part that I find the most offensive. Now, on in of itself, Poker Stars. Yeah, you can say you can't blame them that much for it, but afterwards, I don't like the way they're handling it. The bots only finished ahead 2.8 million. So where did the other 1.3 million go? Would you believe it went to the rake? Poker stars made 1.3 million dollars on these hands that the bots won over these 18 million hands at low and micro stakes. So. They confiscated whatever they could. I don't know how much money was left in these bot accounts. What what Poker Stars does, and this is the standard practice when cheaters are detected, and is that their accounts are closed, their funds are confiscated, and their funds are redistributed through some formula to the victims. So, in this case, for example, with the bots went ahead two point eight million after the rake. They didn't have 2.8 million in their accounts. I'm sure they were aggressively cashing out. So if there was only uh, 300,000 left in their accounts combined, I don't know what was left. I'm just making this up. Uh, then they would take that 300,000 and distribute it to the victims who had lost 4.3 million. So they'd be getting much less than 10% on their money. 
But PokerStar says, hey, that's all we can do. That's all the money we could seize. We can't get back the money that was uh, already sent to Russia. So that's what the standard practice is at these sites. Now, I have two issues here. First of all, how did this go on for 18 million hands without PokerStars catching it, especially since the bots were not varying their play? They had incredibly similar stats, incredibly similar play styles in spots where people are not that similar to one another. Uh, they had they were running way above expectation. How hard is it for PokerStars to run automated software to look at everyone's win rates and flag accounts that are way above. Why, why can't they catch that? These, these accounts should have been caught a long time ago from just yeah. basic statistical analysis. These, these were way off the charts. They shouldn't have gotten away with it for 18 million hands. And PokerStar still didn't catch it. It was reported to them by suspicious players, and then they looked at it and said, oh, wow, okay, yeah, these, these accounts are problems. So that's the first problem. The second thing is that PokerStars raked 1.3 million from their inability to catch these bots like they should have been able to do. So while I understand that poker stars should not be expected to make up the difference you know, to the victims when cheaters cash out and don't have all the funds they won still in their account, poker stars should not make money from cheaters. Poker stars should take the attitude that once they have detected cheaters, that not only do they refund the amount that's left in the account, but they refund the rake they collected from these accounts. To where I'm not saying PokerStars should lose money on this, but PokerStars should not make any money. There should be no income from these cheating accounts. They should take every penny that's either still in the accounts or paid in rake and ship it back to the victims. Or at least as far as, you know, until you get to the amount that was stolen from the victims. If they, you know, If the amount paid in rake plus what was left in the account exceeds what was stolen from the victim, then fine, keep the rake. But but they're keeping $1.3 million in rake, as far as I can tell, and not returning it to people. And I don't know how much was taken, was confiscated, but I can't imagine the Russians were dumb enough to leave all that much in these 30 accounts. That You have to think that these were over 18 million hands. They, they got out most of it. So people got small refunds on 2 plus 2, they were reporting getting 10 to to $100 in refunds each. Now, keep in mind, these are low and micro stakes. And you're dealing with a large number of players probably that were victimized over 18 million hands. But I have to imagine that people are getting a small fraction of what they got cheated out of when PokerStars was asleep at the switch with trying to catch them. And they're not paying back the rake. Why should they keep rake on this? Yeah, I agree. I, so that's that's really crappy. Uh, PokerStars PR man Michael Josem, he did not address this and he uh, – he just said, poker stars typically catches 95% of the cheating on their own without player reports. Well, they, they didn't this time. And you can find a good write-up of the situation on FleshDraw.net. Haley Hintz wrote a good article. But I, I've, you know, it's funny with Michael Josem. He's, he's, you know, I was on 60 Minutes with him seven years ago, and I've always been on good terms with him. And uh, He's a Facebook friend. So, And like when I, when I talk about anything else on his Facebook wall, like he always responds to me, and he'll even sometimes comment on my posts. But if I ever message him about poker stars, he never answers me. So he just does not want to talk about poker stars with me. He doesn't tell me he doesn't, he just won't answer me. So I, I don't even bother. Uh, so 
that happened, and I, it, sometimes poker stars really makes me scratch my head. Like, like sometimes they have these weird security lapses, like this one, and sometimes they just are really unfair. Why would they keep 1.3 million in rake? I can understand a little bit more if the rake was small. Like, if they catch a bot ring, but they catch it earlier, but it's at a little bit higher stakes, and it turns out the bots have won, I don't know, two million dollars and raked 50k. There, I can understand a little more keeping the 50k. They should really return it, but. Here, it was such a large percentage of the overall haul. Players lost $4.1 million. 1. 1.3 of that is still sitting in PokerStars' coffers from Rake. So give it back to them. Why are you keeping it? You guys don't make enough money? I mean, it would be such good PR, too, to say not only are we giving back what was confiscated from the cheaters, but we don't want to make money from this. Here's, here's your Rake back. It's like even PayPal, who I hate, they even did this for me. When, one time I got scammed on PayPal by a Russian, actually a Ukrainian. And I, I, after that, I swore off ever sending anything over there. But they, they, uh, they, 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 they said, okay, we can't do anything for you because you didn't follow our shipping procedures to the letter, which I make sure to do now. But they said, at the very least, we're going to give you back the fees we charged you, so at least we will not have made money on this transaction. There wasn't that much money, but I said, all right, fine, at least... You know, at least at least they're not making money on me being scammed. But that's basically what PokerStars is doing here. They're making money on people being scammed, not intentionally, but through their own negligence. They didn't catch them being scammed, and now they go, "Good, we got to make a million dollars out of it." Sweet. That's that's really lousy, in my opinion. Uh, here's here's another their final story. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I don't know, were you part of this show? When we talked about this uh, this bot software. I don't think you were. There's this, no, I wasn't. This like pseudo bot software that that uh, you, as long as you're clicking the buttons for it, PokerStar said it was okay. Nope. Like if a if a bot's telling you what to do, and if the bot is not analyzing the particular player or the flop, then it's okay. No. Yeah, that that was po- that was actually PokerStar's position until very recently that if you're running software in the background. The software can do everything that a bot does, except as long as it doesn't press the buttons for you, to where it can't run unattended, as long as you you actually press the buttons to bet and fold and check and all that, and as long as it's not analyzing the individual players and deciding based on that, or analyzing the flop, that that other than that, you can use full assistance programs to tell you what to do. So this guy known as Skier5, who plays on PokerStars, wrote software for, for Heads Up. Uh, it, was a, it was the Heads Up uh, PLO Sit and Goes. And he wrote software that... Let me get to the uh, story about this. Yes, for for heads up, sit and go. Actually, it was PLO. It was, it was just head up, sit and goes. It wasn't. It wasn't a PLO. Heads up, sit and goes. I was confusing the two stories. That's what that Wisner was doing, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, this is defined as, described as a quote player aid piece of software. So, see, PokerStars didn't want to make charts against their term of service. So, if you have like a, a chart saying, okay, well. Uh, Here's the here's the group one hands. This is when you should uh, always raise, and this is when you should uh, should three bet, but not uh, not go all in if someone four bets. Like there's simple charts that beginners could use, even people who are beyond beginners that uh, that just generally help them to play these uh, 
heads up sit and goes to understand hand values and strengths. So they didn't want to make that against their terms because they felt that was like an educational tool. And if you could have a paper chart in front of you, you know, why should that be? Why should that be against the terms? And what if you have a, uh, a program that does the same thing as a paper chart? Why should that be against their terms? Well, of course, anything like this gets abused. So the Skier 5 guy designed a program that pretty much had charts for every possible preflop situation that, wow. uh, that, that if you printed it out, it would probably be like 180 football fields. <laughs> and not only that, but it would advise you what to do. You, it, would, it would select random numbers and say, okay, well, so since in this spot you're supposed to 70% raise and 30% uh, just call, uh, we just ran our random number simulator, and uh, because we came up with number 6 out of 10, that means you should raise. So, so go raise now. Now, you didn't have to do it. You'd be pressing the buttons. But basically, pre-flop, it would be guiding you entirely because it would be able to see your stack size. It was the, the chart was basically based on your stack size, and of course you always know your opponents because it's heads up. Uh, your stack size and your cards... And, um, and and also what your uh, opponent has done back to you, uh, you know, the, the amount that's been put in already pre-flop, and of course your hand pre-flop. So it's like a chart for every situation that would be like thousands and thousands and thousands of charts that you could never use in reality. You wouldn't wouldn't you, know, you wouldn't fit in your room. Wow. So they allowed this. They said, "Oh yeah, sure." Since since the bot's not pressing the buttons, and since. Uh, this is just automating a very large group of charts. What's the problem with it? So, of course, everyone freaked out. You guys don't understand. This is, the, this is an idiotic way to, to do this. And uh, so at first, tip, as Stars always does, they, they were making excuses and, and, and saying this is fine and, and uh, you know, we, we can't make this against the terms because then what about more – what about other software programs that aren't sinister? They could be grouped in if we keep making the terms too tight, then nobody can use any programs. And people are like, hey, fine. How about nobody uses any programs? Like, like what's wrong with that? But, but even if you don't want to go that far, like, this should definitely be over the line. So uh, eventually more information came out about the software, which wasn't publicly available, by the way. You had to – Skier 5 gave it to, like, a few friends of his, and I think he even, like, sold it to people for a piece of their action. But uh, – it's like voice activated. So what you would do is you'd say, I have queen five offsuit in the big blind with 15 blinds left in my stack. And then it would display on the screen, uh, okay, raise to this much. So like, so or, or, And it would actually say, well, do this 70% of the time, and our random number determined that you should raise. Because you know, this way you don't even have to estimate 70% of the time yourself. It does it for you. So... Uh, PokerStars, this is a story from about a month ago, but PokerStars has decided to change their policy on this because everyone was so pissed. Steve Day, who's the Poker Room manager, said this. As evidenced by recent forum discussion, the topic of third-party software in online poker is a highly complex and contentious issue. As new software is developed, we must keep our rules enforcement up to date and also consider when rules need to be changed. A, a uh, developer recently shared software with us for evaluation. We informed him that software was, was allowable, referring to what I talked about. The decision was based upon the premise that static reference material that does not change depending on action in the hand or any other variable is permitted. This rule was initially designed some years ago so that Nash charts and other similar documents would be permitted to be referenced while playing. 
The software we reviewed allows quick and precise reference to a very large number of static charts that cover most or all preflop situations. How did they think that was okay? While within our current rules, this software goes beyond the level of assistance we wanted to see software providing players in our poker room. As a result, we are strongly considering changing our current policies. So the, they, Who wrote this again? This, this, is, Steve, this is Steve Day from uh, po- the, the poker room manager at PokerStars. So this just okay. came out that he's almost a month later decided to do an about face and, uh, and change this after they were just making excuses before why they're allowing it. So, the, so then they said this will probably be in their next terms of service. Any tool or reference material that offers commentary or advice that goes beyond a basic level, such as stack size-based starting hand tables, decision trees, or heads-up displays that dynamically change based upon player action or card values. That's a little confusing, but what they're trying to say here is software like this is not going to fly. That anything is uh, that's calculating things based on your stack size or, or, uh, um, or, or that makes decisions based upon other decisions – that you can't do that. But basically, it, you cannot use any software that advises you what to do. That uh, all you can do is see like a, a, a very simple chart. They're basically doing what I suggested. I, my suggestion was if they're going to allow any kind of software like this, it needs to be software that if these charts could be printed out, that you could legitimately use them. But if it would be charts that would be covering you know, like football fields, then no, you couldn't, you couldn't use them. Those could not be used if printed out. But it should be like, could this practically be used if printed out? Yes. Okay, then fine. Then use it on your computer. If no, then then no. It's too much like a bot. That that's what I said should be the. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to say here. That they they're only letting you do the very ba- very basics and starting hand tables, but uh, anything beyond that uh, is not going to be allowed. But they are saying that they haven't made this rule yet. This is what they're thinking of adding to ter- the terms of service and. Any changes they make, they're going to give a 10-day grace period before they're enforced so there can be debate about this on the forums. And I'm sure the authors of software packages like this are going to strongly lobby to not change it and fight this. But hopefully that they'll just do this and the 10 days will pass and it'll become the rule. Because this is bullshit. This is so against the general concept of poker. Like This is not what poker should be about to be able to run any kind of automated program to tell you what to do. I don't care if you call it a chart or whatever. It's cheating. It's cheating. It's letting a machine decide the way you should play poker. And and poker should always be a human-on-human competition. So that's my opinion on that, and, and I'm out of material. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, to bring up? It's been a long show. No, we've, no, we've done our due diligence once again. So um, in the you know we lost China Maniac. He just disappeared a while ago. No, he uh, Skyped and said the birds were chirping. He had to go. <laughs> That's the problem with the summer. That's something I want to talk about. I'll tell you one thing I don't like about the summer. It, it, it gets light too early in the morning. And there's a few problems with this. First of all, if you're sleeping in a room that isn't all that dark from the curtains or the blinds or whatever, it, it gets difficult to sleep sometimes. Uh, it's It's just kind of... It's a little depressing sometimes to go to sleep as it's already light. Like you, you want to feel like you're going to sleep while it's still night, and it's like I, I like it much better in the winter when it, at six in the morning it's still dark, and I still feel like I'm going to sleep at night. Whereas at six a.m. in the summer it's just like so bright outside already. Uh, the birds chirping is another problem. It's just I, I have no use for light at five in the morning. I don't. I, I don't want it. I would like to see a double daylight savings time for June. 
and maybe July and May to where we get another hour that's at night. So I would like to see light being later at night to where instead of the sun set at eight something, it becomes nine something. That, that would be nice. I, when I went to Alaska in August, it, there was still some light, some twilight outside at 1030. And now it's, uh, you know, in, uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska, it's actually the sunset's like 1240 a.m. right now. In fact, it's, it's still light right now in Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, no, it's not. It's, it's only one hour difference. So it's a, it, 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 the sun set about uh, 40 minutes ago. So oh. the, it just, the light just disappeared. The twilight is just gone. It just got dark there in Fairbanks. So, I, I, but I want to see a double save, daylight savings time. We don't need the light at five in the morning. And this has this isn't just a crazy idea. This has been proposed to do a, a double daylight savings time uh, during the months where the sun rises really early. In Las Vegas, it's the worst because Las Vegas is actually in a location which should be an hour later. You know you're super close to the the, uh, the Arizona time zone, right? Yes, and, and the mountain time zone. Like you're, um, we're you're, like thirty. I'm thirty minutes away. Yeah, to, and Utah is not far either. Yeah. So, and the only reason Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time is because it's so hot there. They actually don't want as much daylight. But uh, but yeah, Vegas it's it's light so early. It's got to be like four something that starts to get light a little because about four about four thirty in the morning you can start seeing the sunrise. Yeah, it's just obscene, and, and and we're almost at the longest day of the year, which is June twenty first. So I, I don't like it. What do you think? What what do you think when you're up really late and you see the sun coming up at, at five? I, I don't I don't like it. Yeah, especially lately. I mean, I haven't been to sleep without the sun rising in probably two weeks. Because, you know, like I said, 4.30 in the morning, it's coming through the hotel window. Wouldn't you like a double daylight savings time right now where you get an extra hour at night? That would be fantastic. That would yes. be great. Why, why don't they do it? Like, I understand uh, there's people saying, just why don't you move the whole thing up an hour for the entire year? Um, and, but I say you can't do that because of uh, the winter. Not only does it get dark early, but it sunrises late. So you you don't want kids going to school in the dark. I mean, in some places like Alaska, they don't have a choice, but but you don't want to have it dark, like pitch dark at 7 in the morning, 7.30 in the morning, 8 in the morning. Like that's, you don't want that. But there's no use for the sun being up at 5 in the morning. It really is not. It's a waste. I agree. Uh, well, we agree on this. Anything <laughs> else? Anything else we can... When's, uh, the, when's the next broadcast? Oh, that's a good... That's, that's what I was forgetting. The yes. next broadcast, unless I change it, which is very possible, especially around this time of year, but the next broadcast... Well, I, I should clear this with you, uh, unless you're not planning to be there. Uh, I was planning on just a regular broadcast on Tuesday night at 7 on the 23rd. I can tell you what tournament. Let me look up the tournament here, the schedule. The schedule says on the 23rd, 1,500 seven-card stud and uh 2500 no limit hold'em. I, I presume there's no way you're going to play the 2500 no limit hold'em. Nope. But what what about the seven card stud? Any interest? No, nope, I'm going to play the seven card stud eight or better, not the seven card stud straight. Nope. Okay, and, let, and let's look at the day before in case you make a day two. It's 1500 no limit hold'em. Actually, I think I'm playing that one. So <laughs> oh, I have I have a call coming in. And then a, a 3000 uh, uh, PLO six handed, which I imagine neither of us is going to play. No, nope, not playing that. Okay, either. so but I am going to play the day before, but. You know, uh, for the show's sake, hopefully I bust it. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Todd. Yeah. Sun's coming up here on the East Coast. Can you end the fucking show, please? Well, you you can turn it off. You can just pretend it's over. 
I mean, I enjoyed it and all, but going kind of late. I know, but no one's forcing I hear, you. I want to hear the beginning in archives because I was uh, working. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just I, – I understand that the East Coast, yeah, it is it – is, the sun is coming up. That's why China Maniac left us. But I, I always tell people who complain the show's too long. Here, I'm going to tell you a, a, a message I got, a tweet I got here that – it's like I get all these people hey, Todd, saying – I'm not Todd, I'm not complaining it's too long. It's just I want to hear the, the – Yeah, I know. The sun's I rising. Know. I understand. Uh, but someone tweeted to me at Spew Range, that's who he is on Twitter. Are the marathon long podcasts driving numbers up or down? Two hours is a good length. Is this Brian Mike on in disguise? <laughs> I, th- I think it might be. Uh, well, he got his wish on June fifth. We we did it for two hours for our special show, but uh, that's only because I had to play the next day. Uh, the uh, yeah, when Brandon's been on here, we've been nowhere near two hours. It's been more. To six, seven, or eight. Right now, we're running at uh, five forty-eight. So far as the length of the show. So no. Should... What time do you start at? It's two thirty. I know. We started. I started very late. I had technical difficulties. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not as late. Not as long as you thought, but it's still I pretty long. You started at seven thirty. No. No, I started after eight. There was a right right around eight. I had a problem with it. the computer was freezing. It was bad news. I, I need to get a new computer. This this computer so beat up. And it's six years old. I mean, it's it's uh, six years old, used every day. It's I've gotten a lot of life out of this computer. Can't complain about how it how the computer is done. I, I found laptops. If they make five years, that's good. If you're they're regularly used. If they make six, then that's spectacular. So, if you don't use them much, it's a different story. But they, you know, over time they degrade, like like many products will. So, uh, let's see here. I, I I guess we don't have much to talk about yet. So it'll be June twenty third, barring me making a deep. Day two of the 1500 No Limit Hold'em. Uh, my World Series, oh, let me tell you what my World Series plans are for those of you that are interested or have pieces of me. In fact, uh, here's a, an interesting fact. The forum has much less faith in my poker play than the radio listeners. The forum did not buy much of me this year. The radio listeners bought the majority. So anyway, my upcoming schedule, I'm playing the Extended play No Limit Hold'em on Saturday, June 20th. On the 22nd, like I just said, they just a regular 1500 No Limit Hold'em. On June 24th, the big one. The big one on June 24th at 4 p.m., the $10,000 Limit Hold'em Championship. The That's my last chance to cash in a limit event this year. Then uh, on June 27th, against my better judgment, I'm playing the Fifteen hundred dollar DraftKings fifty fifty no limit holding. I was 50, thinking about that playing that and also the bounty one. What the, the so what is it? You just get double your buy in? I don't know. This I, I have no idea. But I just decided fifty percent cash is it. Uh, it kind of sounds like with my play style, it, it might actually work for me. So that's that's what I'm going to be playing the fifty fifty no limit hold'em. I also find in general with these kind of weird variants that people aren't used to. That I'm I'm pretty good at picking up like on the fly a good strategy for it, whereas uh, um, like once people play enough of something, and they they get to like optimize the strategy, then I'm I'm sometimes behind the curve and I'm not as good anymore. So like I, I whenever there's like a new thing like the anti only, even though those had existed online, the first year I played it, I almost cashed and I was doing very well. I just kind of ran bad at the end, but uh, like even though I didn't have much experience in it, I just uh, I was able to both reading about it beforehand and just feeling my way through it. I like that uh, position poker. 
So uh, yeah, we, we've. Uh, so anyway, that's that's what I'm playing, and then and then the main event, and that's it. So I've got five events left. Right. And that's it. Hopefully, well, hopefully. That answers my one. two questions that I had for you. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brandon. Yes. I'll be back out for my second time this summer, uh, Monday. You gonna be out there at all? Absolutely. All right, we might have to meet up. Uh, maybe Todd will give me my number or something. Okay. Yeah, Sounds good. We can figure something out. Sounds perfect. And uh, yeah, I'm not. The only reason I'm not playing the bounty is I'm just not going to be around for it. I, I I can only be there that's so long. Five hundred dollar bounties. I mean, that's pretty. Uh... I would have I would have played it. I'm just. It's just a bad schedule for me. This and the bounty and the monster stack. I would have played. I just uh, they just weren't fitting in with my schedule. I, I do kind of wish I could play the bounty. That was uh, that was of interest to me as well. Uh, that that will be interesting because. Everyone's going to have to adjust to, the, first of all, watching everyone's stack size of who's shorter than you, and then just really, you know, just forcing yourself to go off light with people who go all in. Because you're getting 500 per person. That's I, I got to think it's worth worth doing, especially at the beginning. Yeah, I agree. You, you, you knock out three people, you've got your buy-in back. So that that'll be interesting to see what happens, and then you have to watch to adjust to people who are trying to do this to you. So that'll be an interesting one. I, that, that sounds like a fun event. I just uh, it's too bad I can't do it. It's just uh, 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 the thing is, I, I kind of had to decide whether I was going to do the extended play no limit or this one, and and all, uh, not only that, but then like I wanted to go back between. Yeah, the main, the reg, last regular event I play, and the, and the main event, and there's not enough time between that and the main to make it worth doing, and it's just, I, I, it's just not a good date this July first, so I'm not doing it. So tell me again, the the, the main, the 10k limit, and the, the, uh, the 50-50, and what are the other ones? The extended play, 1500 no limit, and just a regular 1500 no limit. Okay, that's 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 what I'm taking. Shoot. Oh, I also I, I I think I've made a decision. I'm going to. Uh, over the next year or so, improve my play at these uh, other games so I can start playing mix and other events at the World Series. Oh, wow, that's a big step yeah. for that you. Big step. Welcome to 2007. Yeah, I, I, you know, I generally know the right thing to do in a lot of these. I just, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know well enough to compete well at, at a World Series event or, or at a high stakes game at the moment. But, uh, but I'm not like clueless with these games. I'm just not good, and I don't want to play them. I feel like I'll be throwing away money against people who are. Well, good. you know what you always do. What? You always you can always get one of those bots on Poker Stars and travel to Canada and get the bot to teach you what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm going to look into like learning these better, whether it's from books that are available or posts online, and I, practicing is going to be a little tough, but. You know, that, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I've decided but there's only three limit hold'em events. And I, I think part of the reason I was so frustrated about just missing caching in the 3K limit hold'em was like, I, I kind of feel like the limit hold'em ones are my best chance to really, you know, hit something big. Not so much min cash. I, I don't care about that much, but uh, to, to hit something big and there's only three of them. And I feel like if I just run bad, I've just kind of lost my chance. And, you know, so I just... I want to have other events that that I can uh, and and I've uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking at that. Well, you know, I'm sure you could probably find somewhere in LA 
that uh, like you know, for instance here at the Aria they have a regular like I think it's nine eighteen mix and that's a you know yeah relatively inexpensive way to learn to play uh, the draw games and stud games and Badusi Badesi you know that kind of stuff yeah so I'm sure somewhere in LA there's some sort of small limit yeah I think that's what I'm going to do is, is look up something like that and then and then just go play some a level like nine eighteen and uh, after after I you know, learn the strategy just from book learning and then. Uh, and from internet learning, and then and then actually go play some kind of limits that aren't going to be really depressing if I don't do well, and, uh, and then I'll, then I'll take a shot at some of these. Ex- I can tell you from experience that nine eighteen at the Aria, they have no clue what they're doing. So if you know the basics, you're going to beat the game. Yeah, it's really that thing. I mean, they'll pay you off with third with fourth nuts in the base and games like that. I mean, the guys have absolutely no clue how to fold. Yeah, not that you're out to make money. Not, yeah. not that you're out to make money in 918, but you're not going to lose anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. Just no an expensive way for him to learn how to play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, hey, I do have a question. I do have a question about my stay coming out. I know I've asked before, and I'm really stuck. Yeah. Why uh, stay through? I'm not playing too much, except I'm not playing any tournaments. I might play some cash on Monday. I might play some cash Wednesday night, Thursday morning at the Rio. Is it really worth staying at the Rio or take where I'm comped at a nicer place? Well, are you comped at the Rio? And I'm comped at nice... the Rio when I'm, I'm comped at the Rio and I'm comped at the uh, the place that we won't mention by the online guy, the guy that doesn't want online poker. And it's very nice at the second one. Well, okay, then is, is the second one like a top tier property? I, it's the guy that doesn't want online poker, and it's. Oh, okay. Very, it's very nice there. Yeah, okay. The, it, it, what they're giving me is much bigger than the real. Well, okay, okay. So let me let me, uh, let, let me just tell you this. It's all about the personal preference, and, and, and I know that's not the answer you want to hear, but uh, it really it depends how important it is to you to be close to the World Series action and be able to go up and down to your room and, and to whatever you want to do with the World Series very quickly and very conveniently. Uh, and, and also, I know you're not playing the World Series events, so that's not as big of a deal. But to go up there on breaks, like the, those are the big things to me to to be able to go up and down very quickly and just be right there. So I've also gotten used to the Rio. I would never stay at the Rio unless you absolutely were, were playing there a lot and had to be there. I, I mean, I don't. The restaurants aren't good. The rooms aren't good. The elevators aren't good. <laughs> The beds aren't good. But if, the air condition isn't good. Refrigerators <laughs> in the room. So, Brand, so Brandon, your suggestion is if I'm only going to play Monday and, like I said, Wednesday night. Oh, stay at a nice resort. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If you're not going to be there that much, I agree. Stay at the better place. Stay at a nice resort. Enjoy the amenities. Absolutely. Yeah. And just take a cab over each day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was uh, for for this time. I, I feel refreshed now. I don't feel burnt out anymore. I, I don't feel like uh, like I think if I just stayed the whole straight time there, I would be going crazy at this point. But but uh, now I've had eight days away from there, and and uh, I feel refreshed. I feel I can come back. Like I feel like I'm at the beginning of the series again, uh, other than the fact that I'm batting zero at the moment. So. I, I think that's going to be helpful for my state of mind, and I know you're not going to be there as long, probably. But uh, but the 12 days there was could have, it was kind of putting me on Rio tilt, even though I know the Rio so well and I know how to uh, manage everything there a lot better than people who are less experienced. So I, I know how to optimally do a lot of things, but 
even with that, it was getting depressing. And I and I had my hey, car there, parts. so I could even leave when I wanted to. It was just depressing. I need two questions about that state. How many times do you eat pizza at the deli? At the sports deli? You know, I'll tell you that. You know, I, I went as you know, I went with you to uh, to eat the pizza that time, and and I told I was worried the pizza would be a complete fail, and then I told you it wasn't that it wasn't great, but it was okay. So with that memory, I went back a second time, and it was a complete fail. <laughs> it, was, it was awful the second time. It was a complete fail because I wasn't there. But it hey, may have been. Maybe, maybe, your presence, maybe your presence is what made the pizza taste better. Uh, but it was a huge difference. The second time, it tasted awful. I, I couldn't even finish it. I was like, I was like, like I was trying to force myself to eat. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I forcing myself to eat bad pizza? So I just uh, I put it back in the box and took the box out of the room and threw it away. And, uh, and that was that. I was just... Uh, and I said, I'm never getting that again. That the, the, the deli kind of sucks. It's just, you I know, told you. What, what, what really blows over there is the fact that uh, other than Buzio's and other than going up for the Voodoo Steakhouse, which yeah. you're, I'm only yeah. going to do once maximum. I already did it. I did it once on, right after I busted from the 3K limit. But other than that, um, you know, there's not a lot of options. So then you start wanting to leave. I was actually leaving to go pick up fast food just because I was so sick of being there. And eating for their, so that, and they don't know how to give you your discounts properly. Yeah, you, yeah. Use, uh, <laughs> yeah. You got to see me having issues with the, with the with the media vouchers, but you know, at least the media vouchers are like a bonus. You know, at least I, at least the media vouchers are not something I'm entitled to. It's just something they give me, so I can't complain that much about them. It's a little effort to go pick one up every day, but uh, you know, I'm. Uh, hey, how many times did you let the Nate in those twelve days? Uh. That would be once. One time, and I was, I was, uh, actually, I wasn't there to watch all of it. I had to leave briefly, but, uh, hey, I mean, Druff, yeah. I'm, I gotta make myself eat. I'm getting dehydrated. Okay. I'm out oh, of yeah, I, I, still I gotta go. Okay. You, you can go. So, see you, Brandon. Thank you for being part okay. of the show. All right. Godspeed, guys. Feel, feel better. I'll see you very soon. All right. So, this is getting so late, even my co host is gone. So, uh, uh, we're past the six hour mark. Is there anything else you'd like to ask me before I shut this down to two forty one in the morning? Can I, say the, can I say the ending when you play the song? Yeah, sure. Sure. You can say it. So yeah, we're going to be, uh, in fact, I'll just start the song. Let's just, let's just get it going and be done. So yeah, next episode in, uh, about five and a half days at, uh, Tuesday night, June 23rd at... 7 p.m. Be doing it from the Rio. I'll take my phone off the hook so you guys can't prank call me. Prank call Brandon tonight. I know that. Prank called me the previous shows at the Rio. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to preemptively strike and get that phone off the hook. And uh, make sure the Rio phone doesn't ring. (laughs) I can't believe someone was asking to bring Brandon Gatorade. (laughs) Sadly, it may have been someone who was serious. Uh, so thank you for listening to this long show. I know most most of you like the, the length of the show. And uh, yeah, hopefully I will come back to the Rio and uh, run deep in one of these and actually cash. Uh, I'm going to try to keep my head up about this and I feel refreshed. And I don't have the running bad feeling that I kind of had when I came last time because I've actually I've won 14K straight on Bovada in the last few days. And I, I think I'm just going to stop for the moment and, and just kind of leave that memory so I have the right frame of mind it, it's very hard to go into these tournaments when you have a frame of mind like you keep getting bad beat but a 14k run up at 3060 in the last few sessions I think I can uh, 
I can build off that. So, that is the situation. Follow at Dandruff Poker. That's Dandruff Poker, all one word, on Twitter to see my chip updates. I don't do those on my main Twitter account, Todd Wittellis. Uh, but that's the only thing I use that Dandruff Poker account for, just to do chip updates. But I give pretty frequent chip updates, and you can kind of feel like you're there with me. It's not just chips, also. Anything else I notice in the tournament that's interesting, or people that sit with me that are interesting. And uh, something quickly I should mention, uh, the third place main event finisher from last year at the 3K Limit event recognized not me, but my shampoo bottle, and said that I had to be Dandruff because of that shampoo bottle and the fact that I didn't look like a 20-year-old kid. So, shout out to him. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Scott, for calling, and go ahead. Shalom, zonkies.